Rebellion Podcast. I'm Richard Hutchinson and I'm your host for episode 104, Roger Roger. Joining me as always is Peter Davis. Good evening, Pete. All right, Richard, what's going on? It feels like years since we recorded, even though it technically isn't. No, it hasn't. It's been about five minutes, but Pete, the football season is over, so how do you now occupy your time to fill in the gaps? Uh, more football season. Richard, football season never ends. I mean, every weekend I've been at the ground, cleaning the ground for next season because it's a very short turnaround. Still coaching kids. The football season unended, Richard. I mean, I'm just still doing football. I'm still doing the same things I do when the football season is on. Next on the list is somebody with quite a few gaps. It's Andy Spoons Norton. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, Richard. Quite a few gaps. Are we talking teeth or uh, head? Hair. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a few things. I'll leave that to the imagination. Are you talking about <laughs> but, that gap between his eyes? But Andy, the summer solstice has been and gone, which attracted over 10,000 pilgrims and visitors to Stonehenge. What monument deserves more attention than Stonehenge, but doesn't really get it? Do you know what? Avebury's far better than Stonehenge and has a pub in the middle of it. If you're going to go and see a stone circle, go to Avebury. What about Woodhenge? That's um, underwater, isn't it? So, I've uh, no idea what it even is. Is it a henge? Well, you know, oh, a little bit of uh, fact here. So the henge is actually the uh, the ditch and bank for all these things. Mm-hmm. So the actual whole names of them is always wrong. But the sto- yeah, the stones are normally within a ditch and bank. And so Woodhenge, rather than having big stones, they would have had big bits of wood. And the the very rotten bases of them were, were found. I can't remember which which uh, bit of the south coast they're found off now. Is it? It was near that sort of area. I was hoping for like a, a Stonehenge in wood. And it wasn't. Well, it might so have got... been. It might have been at one point. I suspect not. Well, they need to rebuild it because I mean, if I, <laughs> in my mind, Stonehenge and Woodhenge, you know, there could be Chalkhenge. I mean, I want, I want these things. What was that saying? They've got a Carhenge at Glastonbury. Yeah. Here. Well, yeah, and in the yeah, states as well. I've been to Carhenge in the states. Well, speaking of old and ancient monuments, it's good evening, Jason Smith. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing? Jason. Hang on a minute, Richard, hang on a minute. Stop. That can't be your intro now, Jason. Hello, hello, hello. You're not a policeman of the 1950s. Well, who knows? Well, Jason, news that Disney Plus is going to increase its pricing in the UK due to some UK new laws on streaming and copyright and various other things. Is it still value for money for you? Um, how much is it going to be? Because I've got, I've got quite a lot of the services on streaming. I just I got them for free and then... They, they start charging me money and I just never cancelled them. So, But Disney Plus has got Star Wars on it, so it's going to be worth it for that, surely. And someone who certainly isn't good value for money, next we have Andy Preston. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, Rich. 
Andy, if you were downsizing your house as the kids are moving on for other reasons, uh, how much of a factor is it that you need space for a Star Wars room? Well, that's that's always been the long-term plan, Rich. Kids move out, and I get one of the bedrooms for a Star Wars room. So, uh, yeah, not moving, not moving. I'm just going to fill up the bedrooms with tat. <laughs> have you planned their their next step then, Andy? You know, have you like already put them into university? They're only age like twelve. You've already I, got them a place, you know, somewhere like you know, far away. So I got the whole room quickly. Halls of residence booked. Yeah, it's all there. <laughs> It doesn't work, Andy. Wait. You can't. You can't get rid of them. The Mine are always here. The They're back. always here. They're meant to be at university. They're always here. You, you could frame them and get them all arrested. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure they won't mind sleeping in the garage when they come back. Yeah, they love it. Like an adventure, like a, yeah, the halls of university. Yeah, yeah. Stu- students, they love it. Let's get on with the show. So, intro, this looks like a Peter intro to me, but which figure or playset or creature from the vintage run do we barely ever mention on the podcast? Not that it's naff or bad, those are definitely Pete's words, but just gets overlooked in desirability, or there were better versions. Bit are you, Rich. Or it just doesn't feature in the films much. Can we devise a top five? So, Pete, first of all, was this a Pete intro? And secondly, go through your top five. Well, yeah, of course it's a me intro. It's obviously ridiculously cool. Well, no, I, I, I was thinking, yeah, we always talk, and I think, could we devise a top five where, you know, as you said, things that, that I mean, let's face it, all the Star Wars figures we've talked about, but, we, you know, some things we just never never gets the attention. You know, we're talking about a Leo Organa or a Han Hoth. You know, or a figure that one of us collects because you know it's it's something we talk about. But then there's those figures which you know, play sets and ships which don't normally get a lot of airtime. Not because they're bad, they just don't. They just I don't know. They're just not. Maybe they're just not desirable. It didn't feature on lots of boxes or cards. You know. So I I mean I'm gonna put, give my top five. And then I want you guys to challenge me on them, okay? And come up with a better version. So it's got to be good. So I don't want us to all read out our top fives because that's going to just be lots of lists. I want you to challenge me. So my top five is, and you can, you know, we'll go around and you can say, actually, I think your number four is rubbish. I'll go Barada. Because when we talk about Jabba Goons, because he is a Jabba Goon, effectively, he's never really mentioned. He only gets mentioned when we talk about the the day the Earth stood still and the Nikto Barada um, Klaatu thing. So he's, you know, he's a great figure, lovely figure, lovely trousers, but he doesn't, he doesn't ever come into it when we talk about goons. So Barada, hardly ever mentioned. I probably mentioned him more now in the last two minutes than we mentioned in the last year, I reckon. The white tie fighter. I think the blue one gets a lot of airtime. I even think the interceptor gets more airtime, but the white one, it's great, but it just kind of gets overlooked a little bit because we've got the Darth Vader type on the Interceptor, et cetera, et cetera. So another one, great item, looks looks fantastic, probably sort of more screen accurate, but, you know, you know, never gets talked about. Um, now, Ewoks, you know I hate them with the passion. I still think Tebow doesn't get the amount of attention the last 17 ones get because, you know, they're expensive. All the really boring ones, Chief Chirper and Low Grey get. So... Tebow, I think I could be challenged on that one. I, I will accept defeat on that one, but I think Tebow, we don't mention him enough. Jason always forgets him when we do quizzes. Um, the Radar Laser Cannon. Picked this up not too recently. I think it's a great toy. The fact that it blows apart a little bit like the uh, speeder bike. Better a shame we don't talk about that more, but probably just get more often than not. 
And then my final one is one of my favourite items that I own. Um, again, because it wasn't really in the film, uh, you know, the, the figure wasn't the film, and it was only in for a brief moment. And whenever anyone thinks about it, they slag it off. Is the twin pod cloud car? I think it's beautiful, and it's got a beautiful shape to it. Looks like a couple of brogues gaffer taped together. Um, I just, I just love that ship. But again, it's not. You know, there's not hundreds of people out there fighting for it like they would over a Millennium Falcon or an Atat. So anyone want to start off in challenging me on any of those ones? Is that a good list or a poor list? Anyone want to chirp in? It's a bit I'd meh. Say... It's a bit meh. A bit meh? <laughs> a bit meh? How dare you? <laughs> what are you going to say, Andy? Sorry, I interrupted you. Or did I interrupt you? Yeah, I, I three out of five, I think, Pete. On three that three out of five. Yeah. Okay, well, I want to hear. I want to hear suggestions. Right. Well, go on, Andy. No, I, was go on, I, I think particularly the white Tie Fighter. Everyone loves the white Tie Fighter. Yeah. 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 yeah well, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. That's not what it's about. We all love all these things. I'm just saying oh. it doesn't get the attention it does. So we're not talking about it. You know, like every other five shows. I don't, think, I don't think we talk about the blue one every five shows, do we? <laughs> oh, I think we're probably more often than not. Nah, more if anything, it's the blue not. one that gets overlooked. Yeah. Blue one, the blue one. Okay, interesting choice there. Rada, yeah. I mean, we don't really talk about any of the goon squad, do we? Yeah, but we we mention Jabba goons, don't we? And we don't think of Brada when we talk about Jabba goons. We think of you know, the Weequay, Klaatu's, yeah. you know, Ree's, Bib, you know, all that lot of kind of jabba games. But we never put Barada in there because he's pl- he last 17, you see. In place of Barada, Pete, I'm going to throw up a man a man A man a man Ah, but that is yeah. a very desirable figure that Anne does get mentioned in price things. Yeah, he used well, to get mentioned he, a lot on this show. Well, he, he does. He's a, he is last 17, but, I mean, Barada actually does something in the movie, doesn't he? He's on the skiff and he's fighting Luke Skywalker. A man, a man, does, blink and you miss him. He's in the movie for about half a second. Can. He can't. He can't even hold his staff. <laughs> that is it that just does a, work against him. To be fair, he just about stands upright. What kid has ever played with a man, a man? A man, a man, a man, a man. His role as a figure is yeah. just like it was in the movie. He stands there, <laughs> and you glance at him, and then you move on. If you want someone who can't hold his staff, yeah, I think you should be throwing uh, two one B in there. You know, he's uh... yeah, that's a love stick more than a staff. Um, no, um, magic... On on a can we have a in this list? Can a last seventeen figure even be in there? Because we do mention the last seventeen quite a lot. Yeah, you know, like I said, it's not underappreciated or kind of forgotten. So well, I... any last one seventeen, you know, I, I would say I I'm adding in there. I would say no. I do like your radar laser cannon. I think that's a good shout. And maybe twin pod cloud cover. Again, I do think that gets a mention. But I am going to throw in FX7. FX7, really? So this was nearly um, a rebel briefing. Oh. It's going to go in here. Do any of you know that FX7's arms bend? No. They are meant to bend. Nerfherders.com on Instagram posted the blueprints of FX7. And all his arms are popped out, and the ends are all at jaunty angles. So he got his vintage FX7 and thought, do the arms really do that? They bend into a jaunty angle, and you can bend them back again and put them in back in the body. They, they don't break off, then. They don't break off. I mean, I wouldn't risk it with my one, but well, Nerfherders.com do... Just before you do, remember that FX7 is one of the most pop, not popular, but 
the most frequent figures. So you're going to find a replacement very, very easily. Oh, sure. And they're the, one of the cheapest figures in the line. So I think you can risk it. Well, I'll do one with it that's already broken. But yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. I've heard a dog. I mean, he said, he said they don't sort of bend back exactly straight, but they go back in the body. That is a, a new feature on FX7. It's the only time FX7 gets mentioned. How did that take so say, long? And when people say, oh, his middle bit spins round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, what? His middle bit spins round. Yeah. So we all know that now. We well, didn't know that. that. Oh, yes, we did. I did. We, I did, because I remember him doing all sorts of things, because I always pretend he went wrong and was spin out of control. But that was definitely spin out as a kid. Come on. But now you know his arms bend. <laughs> That's crazy. He's got more action features than any other figure. He's awesome, isn't he? He may be the leading... Over. Well, you see, now he's going to be overappreciated. <laughs> you've just ruined your list. <laughs> yeah, you've, like argued, info, but... you've argued against yourself there, Andy. Yeah, you've just what proven it, then disproven your own theory. Well, until now, he doesn't get enough mentions. He will now. We talk, well, we said Radar Laser Gun. Anyone else got another mini-rig, maybe, that's underappreciated? Well, I do, but it's not a mini-rig. Oh, well, well, you know, a small ship can read, uh, uh, Richard... No, it's not even a small ship. It's a body small rig. Oh. And we don't really talk about the body rigs very often, but I've gone with the, the sniper vehicle. I think that's a good shout, Richard. I think I'm going to put it in there. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think we've... I think we mentioned about three times Yeah. In, in nine years. Whereas the mini rigs, they've come up in quizzes, haven't they? So when we've been going... You know what? How what order do they come in? And you know, PDTA—it's been mentioned a lot. But the the body rigs, and I didn't know they that never get mentioned. they were actually known as the single body transport vehicles, and they, it got shortened to body rigs. In fact, Richard, if I'd even thought about it, I would have put it in, but I didn't. So it's an, it, that's got to be in. I think we've got one there. So we're going to put in Imperial Sniper vehicle body rig. I Is think you in? need to talk about um, kind of. Playsets that don't get a mention. I know, I know, it's called the Star Destroyer playset, but it should just be called Darth Vader's Meditation Chamber, and it's awesome. And it's got places for hanging figures upside down while uh, Darth Vader kind of uh, does things to them. It's, it's just a great playset. Forget about it. Is it is a great playset, Jason, but it's not underappreciated. We never it's, talk about it. Yeah, well, we do because we, we, oh, I, I mentioned I had a box of it recently. You know, that empty box, so uh, we just get mentioned. So I'm dismissing that one, but. When I think you just mention- said on your list, Jason, that I, did, did I think you mention- said it can be mentioned. When did we when did we mention that then? We I mentioned the Stardust will play many times. We well. mentioned it not long ago because yeah, somebody found out that the Falconer touches on the back. Oh, that's true. <laughs> but there is something on your list, Jason, which I think is worth considering. The I remote think- controlled Java Sandcrawler? Yeah, I mean, again, it's what it, I think only because it's quite rare. And it, we don't ever get, see many people picking it up. It has been mentioned, but it is something that's. Did we have it over here? No. No. It's the only. It's the only um, Kenner ship, spaceship, playset, etc. That I have in my collection room. All the rest are all the Palatoid ones. I just thought it's so awesome, and our, you know, our kind of cardboard Java Sandcrawler pales in comparison. I thought I'm having one of those in display, so I've got one. It, it, it does look cool as anything. I mean, do, does it work, Jason? Just that um, I haven't got the remote control for it. I bought it oh. without the remote control, and I've been looking for one ever since. Anyone else got a problem with that being in the top five? I yes, think? I do, because we've talked about it loads. Uh, we did the whole show on the wood patterns. Um, we've talked about the ladders. We've talked about the 
stickers on the more controls with different dates on them March 78 April 78 yeah we've covered we've covered them a fair bit yeah I disagree that that one's underappreciated <laughs> I think I think that gets lots of love mm-hmm. what about what about uh, Dagobah we don't often talk about Dagobah that's an hotel load of rubbish as well. How many times have we talked about the the, yeah, the guy who that. carved his name in it of his daughter and oh, yeah. the foam the foam R two's butt plug. The, <laughs> of, I did put a place that in mind as well actually, and I, and I put the land of the Jabba's one in there. Um, because I don't think we're talking about the land of the Jabba's place set that much. I mean. Yes, we may talk about the Kenner one with the the escape pod in it, but not not the not the Palatoy version. Kind of the last podcast because I I've got I got one and it was in my uh, mm-hmm. it was in my list, so we have talked about it. Yeah, yeah we yeah. definitely need uh, Richard yeah. will have a nice. Yeah, I I hear all your playsets, <laughs> and I am going to trump all of them, and Go I'm going to mention the Rebel Command Center. I've, I've, is it, I think that's a good shot, Andy. It's basically a crap plastic base, a crap. <laughs> cardboard backdrop and an excuse to sell three or four figures yeah but... I, th- I think that's probably why i mean it's definitely been mentioned i said most stuff we have here has been mentioned at some mm-hmm. stage but it's whether it comes often in you know latest acquisitions in things that we see people have picked one up and I, 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 I kind of agree i don't think you, you do see it that often especially in good condition i mean you know it's <laughs> it's normally a little bit wrecked but um I, i'm gonna pencil that one in andy i'm penciling it in because I think it needs more love. I think that does need more love. What are any action figures? There's any action figures oh, out there? Yeah. One action figure. Rancor Monster. We never speak about Oh, Jason. The Rancor's talked about loads of times. Yeah, come on, oh, Jason. You, you're losing I, this one. I would say R2 Sensor Score because we do, we, do, we do focus on the original R2. The pop-up R2 as well gets a lot of love. But the Sensor Score one is just like what Pete said before about other figures. They're just so readily available. It was taken for granted. Yeah, he does get kind of just passed over, you know. I mean, other R2s are more exciting. But it's not, it's not a bad shout, not a bad shout. I mean, I think action figures are hard because, I mean, you know, because it, it seems to be anything you'll be underappreciated. It's probably going to come from, like, sort of, sort of late-ish Empire run, mm-hmm. um, you know, where maybe weren't, you know, maybe some of the kind of, like, slightly naff ones like Rebel Commanders and Hoth Rebel Soldiers and stuff, which kind of a little bit, you know, go past. But I think it is hard to pick out a vintage figure. That's underappreciated. FX seven. I mean, well, I've got one. I've got one, Jason P. I've got one. See, what about the cloth cape jower? Because the vinyl cape jower gets talked about all the time. That is a good shout, but we definitely talk about it. But I do like that thought because you are right. When we talk about jowers, (laughs) if we're not talking about the gun, how how was that time we talked about a regulation jower outside of you know like a Lily Leddy one with the with the detachable hood. I was going to say Lily Daddy the boot spoons idea back out. But I think if you're going for that well, that's one, Lily, that's Lily Leddy. No, no, no. That's, that's why I like it, Andy. I'm liking it. Yeah. Cloth. And then the, other, the other one on a similar vein, we talk about removable limbs C3PO. Mm-hmm. I don't think the original C3PO gets much of much of a love, much of a talk. He's, he's like the forgotten member of the first 12, isn't he? Yeah. I do feel sorry for that one because his legs would go really, really loose and he falls over. So you just, you know... It's a bit, yeah, it's a bit sad, really. I, feel, I always feel sorry for him. I mean, I just looked at my cabinet and he's there, lying on the side. He's fallen over again. <laughs> he's useless at standing up. He is quite loose, loosey goosey, to be fair. Is that on a stand as well? It's on a stand that he's because the legs are so loose, the body's oh, just gone yeah. back, and he's just so. Put some, put some uh, cotton around the top of his uh, his oh, joints. 
I'm like the fact that he's just naturally fallen over. That's just the way it is. He's got old and fallen. Yeah, I'm going to leave him there. See if he's all right later. See if anyway, anyone got anything that's non um, sort of play set play figure. I've seen a couple of little things. Yeah, Re- I went with a telescoping lightsaber because we're often talking about the, the double telescoping lightsabers. Or we talk about the ones that come with Luke Jedi and things and the Luke Bespin. But the original three telescoping lightsabers, when do we talk about those? And the, those were brilliant. I mean, they're just such a cool... And I still prefer them to the the ones that come with Luke Jedi and things like that. I still prefer the original three. Not bad shout. Not bad shout. Is that too specific for an item rather than a... An action, you know, an action figure kind of accessory is that you know a little bit too there. But oh, I'm liking the shout. I'm liking the shout. People yeah. talk about the letters on them still a lot, don't they? And Under plenty them. of chat on Facebook all the time about you know what what's genuine and what isn't and what version is it. So yeah. Uh, Unlike. Not sure the, about that one. What about the um, survival kit? Yeah, but, but I think we had a bit of a run on that, didn't we? Where we seem to be talking about it all the time because it was. I guess with things like baggies and those sort of things, it seemed, seemed to come up quite a bit. And then, it, yeah, probably the last couple of years, I don't think we've even mentioned it. I can't remember us talking about t- it. Tell me what's in the survival kit, Pete. Oh, crikey, I can't remember. Some things. Yeah, exactly. Biscuits. Talk about it. Biscuits. One of those, one of those uh, you know, tinfoil outfits, you know, all those sort of things. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I, I think it is. I, I like the surrounding nature of the... Survival kit, but it does seem to. Do you, I mean, it just it might just be me. It just seemed to kind of like disappear the last few years. I'm, we definitely talked about it earlier on because remember us me thinking, oh crikey, that's where all that stuff came from. I completely forgot about it when I was a kid. But then it's gone very quiet. Remember, people just not interested in it. Maybe it's I don't know, a bit obscure. Good reasonable shout over the last five years rather than the last ten years. Maybe I've certainly not seen many come up recently on things like latest acquisitions and stuff. So. Maybe a little, a little extra shout. Any other, any other shouts before we end this? Because we could be here all night or whatever. Yeah. I, I think we need more uh, General Medine crates related. Uh, kind of oh, Jason, you've had, a, you've had a shocker here, Jason. To be fair, <laughs> here's one for you, Pete. This is a little bit left field, but everybody yeah. knows and loves and talks about Han Solo's blaster, the Kenner Palatoy one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everybody loves the uh, Stormtrooper blaster. Okay. Um, I've got one I'm going to sell to Jason next time I see him. <laughs> oh, excellent. You're still trying but, to shift that, yeah? Still trying to shift that, yeah. Okay, fair enough. But who has even heard of, let alone talks about, the Kenner Palatoy inflatable lightsaber? Oh, crikey. There you go. Three weapons released in the uh, original Star Wars movie. The blasters get so much attention, but the inflatable lightsaber? I don't think many people know it exists. <laughs> No, I, it doesn't seem so to ring a bell. It's basically a torch with a balloon on the end. Yeah, we've <laughs> talked about that quite a few times. And, and do yeah. people not like buy boxes full of them? Is that, that no? That's a plastic one, that's isn't it? That's a plastic it? one. But we talked yeah. about when we covered one's article on the SWCA blog about uh, the inflatable lightsabers and things. Mm. Oh, that was a while back though, and a one-off. Yeah, I mean, it's not coming up every couple of months, is it, Richard? Come on, people aren't saying I've, got, I've just picked this up. I mean, I, I can't think about seeing one of those for a long time. Yeah. We, we definitely covered it, but it's not a. It's something that is. I mean, if you had a modern one of those, that'd be pretty cool. I like an inflatable light, so we can pack it in your pocket, take it home again. If it's yeah. a torch, and bash, right. bash your kids over the head with it without getting into much Yeah, exactly. Go to prison. Right, I think that we, we should finish there. If you've got a top five that can rival our suggestions, 
then uh, stick them on our social media when it comes out for this episode because uh, I think we've made a good fist of it there, to be fair. Apart yeah. from Jason, who's made some shockers. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, let's move on, Rich. Yeah, absolutely. Let's hope we we'll get some better fisting from Jason later. <laughs> so, latest acquisitions then. So, um, let's stick with you, Pete, because okay. you've got your name at the top there, proud like an angel on the top of a Christmas tree. Uh, well, indeed. I often like to uh, um, dress up like that on the weekend. Right. I put some usual tap, not too much. Um, got some real good cheap finds always good fun um, I think the best thing I've got and I have to move over and get it uh, is this enormous and it, what it's got to be whew, a foot and a half tall it's a big silver box I know it's modern technically but it's um, it's this Pepsi Twist Star Wars collection sound big cap sets they're these enormous things was Amidala as you can imagine one's Anakin Skywalker massive box you can press the back of them and they're electronic. I don't think they even still work because they've been in a box for you know 20 years. But it's the most ridiculously and awful thing I think I've seen for quite a while. Um, but it was like a fiver, so who cares? A Pepsi twist. I mean, you stick these tops on your cans. I don't know why, but there we go. That, that was a dreadful piece of tat. Right, other things I've got. Uh, car booting season, so it's been quite fun. Me and some of the guys locally here... In Leamington, we've been going to our local car boot, and me and the lads have all picked up some really cool Star Wars stuff. You're not going to get crazy vintage, but some of the guys have picked up things like Wampers and a few mini rigs here and there. Um, I got this wonderful set of Tops Master Visions um, cards. They're like A5 in size, come in a presentable box. The guy who sent them had no idea what it was. They're just beautiful. They're all the sort of Tops cards you've seen over the years, and the Galaxy kind of sets. And it's a really, it's a beautiful presentation thing. I got for five, I was well chuffed. Um, went to the Stafford Toy Show at the weekend, saw the lovely Lee Bullock, missed uh, Mark Daniels, apparently he came in, went, oh, this is a rubbish, and went home. And Stefan Callio as well was there somewhere, but there were so many people there, I didn't see him. Um, picked up a um, Ula Slave Girl and Slaves Crumb Power Force 2 uh, box for a, a pittance, really. Um, got a bunch of um, I do love my audiobooks. Got the Air to Empire audiobooks, which are quite hard to get hold of. Got them in their presentation box. For, again, off Vinted for hardly anything. And a few other um, tapes, which are pretty cool. I'll have to play them one day. Um, also completed my um, Power Force 2 Gunner set. I'm not sure if I like it or not. They're like, you know, the Power Force 2 figures, and they've got like a Gunner station, and you get Darth, Han Solo, and Luke. They're actually pretty cool, but, you know. I just needed to put them together. And kind of my last thing was a mate of mine who went to his house and he gave me a solid dome R2 where he had as a kid, the label had obviously come off and he had handmade a replacement label. Technically Reaper, I guess you could say, but the fact that it was done by him as a kid is pretty cool. And, you know, it's kind of a nice little gift from a friend, really. And I've got some other bits and bobs, which I can't be asked to talk about. Andy Preston? Cheers, Rich. Yeah, another reasonably busy month for me. Kicking off with a 1978 Palitoy Retail Sales Division catalogue. First catalogue from Palitoy to feature the Star Wars range. And this one's got a lot of the prototype figures in. So you've got a page with the uh, uh, the first 12 action figures. Uh, but you've got the Star Destroyer Commander. You've got Tusken Raider and uh, and the Jawa, those are all prototypes and uh, and rather unusual looking things. You've got the prototype TIE Fighter and X-Wing and Landspeeder. What else has it got in there? 12-inch dolls, Luke and Leia, 
uh, the inflatable lightsaber. There we go. And so we're going to talk about it. Um, so that's really nice. Very pleased with that. I got two episode one ILM visual effects crew T-shirts, one black, one white, both with the uh, episode one logo and the ILM logo. That's nice. Uh, another crew shirt from the book of Boba Fett. And that is another uh, ILM shirt. Really pleased with that one. First um, book of Boba Fett item that I've got in my collection. And this has got it's, it's a lovely sort of cinema noir a black and white um picture on the front of the rancor stood on top of the tower um looking like king kong holding uh, i'm not sure if it's mando or boba fett but he's holding one of the mandalorians in his fist and you got uh sort of the credits at the bottom of the image giving the ilm detail so uh, that's a, a nice little shirt waddington's 1980 puzzles catalog retailer catalog featuring their 1980 range. And in there, you've got the two action figure jigsaws that Waddington's produced. Uh, a half-page spread on those. I got a uh, an unused Lion's Made Stormtrooper sticker. I'm slowly getting to uh, completing my run of the Lion's Made stickers. An unused Obi-Wan Kenobi Scanlight poster, still rolled up in its plastic tube. A uh, couple of compilation LPs, so a vinyl record and the same cassette. And this is uh, something called Chart Wars. May the hits be with you from I think it's 1982. So you got all the all the all the 1980s bands. You got Duran Duran and Spando Ballet and some of the others that you've never heard of on there. Uh, but a nice uh, graphic on the front. Um, the guy and a girl dressed up in really good 80s disco gear holding lightsabers uh, and it says chart wars on the front in the sort of star wars font may the hits be with you love that a british book secrets of film and television which uh, i picked up because on the front you've got pictures uh, from four sci-fi shows well i say four shows you've got four pictures One's a Tuscan Raider, one is Darth Vader throttling the uh, Rebel Commander, uh, and then a couple from Blake Seven. So, right up my street, that one. I also picked up a Darth Vader Akamas costume. Already got one of those, but this is the variant box, so that's the last Akamas boxed uh, costume set that I needed. Really pleased with that. Uh, just need the Leia mask to complete my whole Akamas run. Uh, Leia was never sold boxed, but they did sell a loose mask. So if anybody's got one of those, I'd love to hear about it. The Cheryl C-3PO costume. We've talked about that a few times uh, on the show before. Um, so this was a two-piece costume, pair of trousers and a top uh, with graphics um, on uh, looking like C-3PO's gears and bolts and what have you. And a mask as well, a, a mask that was unique to this set. And these, these come in a Star Wars branded box with a picture of 3PO on the front and R2-D2. Uh, this one, though, came in a generic Cheryl box. So Cheryl, with a lot of their outfits, they had a yellow box and it's got pictures on the front of uh, a spaceman and a nurse and a cowboy and an Indian and what have you. And the only connection to Star Wars on the box is a little label on the side where it says style. Uh, and, it's, and somebody's actually written in there in pen Star Wars uh, and then size 
again written in pen five to seven years so never seen this outfit packaged in a generic cheryl box so that was a a bit of an unusual one next i got a persian gunpowder flask from the 18th or 19th century what's that got to do with star wars well they used a very similar one as the power pack for the jawa blaster prop in star wars this isn't identical but very similar sort of thing to the the pack that was hung off the jawa's belt so um, a little found prop there next an unused return of the jedi fan club pack this is in the triangular section mailer box uh unused um, there's no address on the box uh and on the uh, on the address label it's got the uh, address of the fan club in maldon in essex so a british version there last on my list but certainly not least is a piece that i've been chasing for many many years picked it up with a lot of other stuff in the recent cnt auction it was in a lot with uh, stacks and stacks of bits and pieces that i've yet to go through but most of which i'm going to be selling the bit that i'm keeping is a store display for sphere books the empire strikes back novelization uh, it's about three feet tall it's made of thick cardboard and it's got the Vader in flames, Ralph McQuarrie artwork, Empire Strikes Back logo, bright colours, yellows and oranges and reds and blues. It's absolutely beautiful. It's not complete, sadly. It's missing the little bit that sort of stands out from the front, which is another representation of the Vader in flames. Uh, but you've still got all the graphics on this one, and I absolutely love it. Favourite pickup for a long, long time. That is it, Rich. That's me done for this month. Yeah, awesome items there, Andy, and a lot to pick up. Let's get Jason out of the way and everyone go and put a cup of tea on or something. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, Rich. I don't actually have that many items this month, but um, here they are. Um, I've got a Clearo Imperial Cruiser bubble bath set, um, which is the last ma- major piece I needed for my Clearo run. Um, there's a little Imperial Cruiser with space, uh, to hold a bubble bath bowl and uh, a shampoo bottle and they're incredibly rare and this one came up from ebay and people have said it's like the second one to come up in the open market in 10 years and i i got it on a, a second offer because the original buyer uh, got cold feet so i'm very happy with that and uh, it looks fantastic this one also featured at um Celebration Europe in our, um, our talk about Best of British. I've got Titbits magazines. That was the last of the three um, top shelf magazines uh, that I needed to, to complete that run. So I've got Titbits. I've got an HCF uh, Return of the Jedi centered eraser display box and erasers. So uh, I already had two sets of erasers. Um, the display box can hold five and I had it had almost two sets in it and I've kind of picked up and almost another set. So I'm missing uh, one droid's centered eraser, and um, I think I need three of the Ewoks, which will be quite a hard, take a long time to get. I've started a new run, uh, Omni Cosmetics uh, Bubble Bath. So I got a Leia, Luke, X-Wing, and Vader that were on sale um, in the UK. So there's there's set of about eight or nine of these, and, and you, I could get them all right now, but they're all in America, and they all... You know, getting stuff over from America seems to be extremely difficult at the moment. Everything that I've ordered has taken over a month, and you know, you're paying 
you know, postage costs, you're paying import duty, blah, 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 blah. So I'm trying to do that wrong without buying anything from America. So I've got that. Ah, and all hail, I've got another card back. It's a Lily Lady General Medine card back. Possibly the finest uh, card back I've got this year. Maybe. No, it's actually the second card back I've got this year, but I'm very happy with that. Again, that came from America. It took an absolute age to get here. And then for my 2-1-B focus, I've got uh, an Empire Strikes Back FKS sticker that kind of popped up. So I put that in my cabinet. That's the first thing for 2-1-B that I've bought in a long time. And that's it. So uh, if you've gone to put your kettle on, it's probably not, not even boiled yet. Nice. 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 there, Jason. And these spoons not. And then let's wrap this up about our acquisitions. Yeah, not too many from me, but I keep finding things. People keep having nice stuff for sale. So, uh, firstly, I was inspired by last month's uh, podcast when we talked about Random House. I ended up buying myself a mix and match storybook. Had to actually pay extra postage to get it delivered as the person sent it in the wrong size parcel. It's a little bit annoying. But yeah, it's amazing. Pete's right. You can have uh, Darth Vader riding a Torn Torn. Or uh, R2-D2 with Darth Vader's legs. I think that's my, that's my highlight. Told you. Told you it's yeah. great. It is good. It's good. Uh, I also picked up something I've been after for a long time and never see. I don't think there's sort of, it's one of those variations that's not particularly well known. But it's really hard to find a 31B uh, Canadian Han Hoth. I've had the 31A for absolutely ages. A subtle difference on the back, two two different pictures. But I've got a card back of those, really nice condition. Still got the bubble partly attached to it, so it, it's no, there's no tears on it. That's good. Um, also inspired by our panel at Celebration Europe, I picked myself up the Renault 5 catalogue with the the Star Wars pages in it. But it's also got it's got cowboy pages. It's a great great little book. So I'll, I'll put some pictures of that up. Uh, a little chat to Lee Gregory and ended up. Uh, he, he kindly offered to send me for free one of his reject Death Star detention blocks. I, 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 I sent him a bit of cash for it, but I've got that set up in the living room with a few of the retro Kenobi figures. Looks, looks really good. Uh, and just yesterday, so hot off the press, um, I received another box diecast Y-Wing. This is the first issue Kenner version. I only need one more Y-Wing now to complete that run. I never thought I would uh, I'd get there. Uh, and Trevor also sent me loads of free stuff, including my very first Empire Strikes Back tin. It's the Lando one. And I, yeah, they're lovely. Might just get some more of those. And also a really nice postcard. I don't know where it's from. It might be in a bit of swag or something. But he's put a nice little message on the back of there. So that's really nice. Thanks, Trevor Winkle. A little bit of modern, but quite special modern. There was a, a Korean Power of the Force 2 Han Hoth, and I don't really know much about these, but uh, I was told it was an absolute bargain. I had to buy it, uh, and I have bought it, and it, it is very nice. So, uh, is it that's, there? It is, it is here. It's a bit of a slippery slope, I think, with these Power of the Force 2 figures. So uh, Yeah, that, that is just, you know, just to describe it, it's basically a very normal... Power of the Force 2 card back, but it's got the Korean... Oh, I can't remember what it's called now, what, what the name of the company was. It's got it's like, with, a, with an elephant. Is it, yeah, what was it called? It's it. really basic, like, you know, fluffy toys or something. But and it's just got the sticker over the top of the Star Wars logo on the right-hand side, top right-hand side. But they are so rare, Andy. You've got yourself an absolute... Whatever you paid, it was a bargain. It was uh, 6,000 uh, Korean money originally. 
That's got the price on it. I didn't pay six thousand for it, but yeah, it's he's nice. It is. I like the elephant. Um, yeah, it's a, a brave new world for me. It's slip and probably a slippery slope. So uh, yeah, I'm pleased with that. It's a good piece. That to be, I know this sounds really anal, but that is a really really good piece of your collection. That's because that's I know it's modern, but it, it, they, you don't see them. They just don't come up. So you should be happy with that. I am. I'm very happy. And, and you know, we, we talk about modern, don't we? And then there's and there's those uh, Power of the Force 2 purists. You say, well, it's vintage. It's nearly 30 years old. It is nearly. What is it nearly 30? Yeah, nearly 30. Yeah, yeah, early uh, mid-90s, isn't it? So. Yeah, so it's pretty old in, in itself. Um, when I, It's certainly older than vintage that I was collecting in the early 90s was compared to uh, when Star Wars stopped being, you know, vintage Star Wars stopped being sold. Uh, but, yeah, very good. So I, I really like that. And and lastly, and I saw a few of these at Celebration, it's the retro prototype Mandalorian. Obviously, a bit of a cash cow for Hasbro, uh, but they they sucker in people like me. But they'd all sold out, so I didn't get one. But I saw one on eBay for a good price, so I bought that. And Chris Porteous has told me that he the purple-headed Mandalorian is quite hard to come by in, uh, in Canada. Who knew there were... Uh, variants of these things as well so there yeah that's me done yeah and if you've got a good scanner can you scan in that logo yeah yeah we'll do because i, I want to make a t-shirt out of it because it's just <laughs> such a cool ridiculous logo which it's almost cheesy because it's, it's done in obviously korean typeface but it's it's so warped i can't understand what it's yeah, it looks like but uh i want to kind of reproduce it because it's just so damn cool yeah, uh, but I, will, you, I will do that uh, for you recently there were a few i think i mean the only thing i've seen recently of that is you can, you can get i think the lightsabers or something or the blasters or something um in that crayon box there was a lady selling them on one of the groups recently and no, no one was taking it up because i didn't know what it was but she was after like 250 quid like, oh, come on that's like a 50 pound item and i know it's got a korean sticker on but even then no one was taking up on it but oh my goodness they are just ridiculously rare yeah, well, yeah, I'm pleased to have it. It's good, good. Well, well done, lads. These have done great again this month. It's nice to see it's always good when we see toys and, uh, you know, action figure-related items. So good pickups, guys. So speaking Anything of that, for yourself, Rich? No, nothing for me this month. Um, and not even comics, actually. And that's only because uh, my comic dealer, Matt Booker, decided to collect my comics for about four months. And I'm left with a hefty three-figure bill, and they haven't <laughs> arrived. Instead of shipping them once a month or every two months at most, so um, the box is pretty big, and uh, <laughs> it's being held at my local sorting office. So I'll have to collect them on the weekend. But no, nothing for me this month. And uh, cheers for the huge bill, uh, Matt. <laughs> so right. how many comics is in there, Rich? Oh, I would be surprised if it was fewer than forty. That's probably how many is, is, is being collected there. Because you've got well, the people. you've got the Marvel runs, but you've also got the Dark Horse runs as well. Because obviously Dark Horse have got the license back again. So yeah, there's lots of that, different CUs going. On. That'll keep you busy for the next month. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. So speaking of action figures, then it's time for action figure face off. And you know that many of our listeners love this section. Um, none so much as me when I've got to judge the. You know, the, the thorough research that they put in and the passion and uh, let's have a look. Ooh. And Richard, can I just interject? Is this the last action figure face-off? Have we, we got another one only hope, this? Andy. We can only hope. <laughs> we have two more. Oh, two, two more. more. Okay, I jumped the gun a bit there. Yeah. Do you, do you have a running tally of who's won the most? Oh, no. No idea. Oh, it's, Andy. it's you, Pete. No, I think it's Andy. 
Yeah, I think it is probably Andy Preston, and it's because no spoons. No spoons. I mean, I mean Andy no. Spoon, sorry, and that and that's because you know most of the time there's 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 no passion or anything in his voice, but <laughs> now he's being a bit more you know enthusiastic when we get to these sections. So yeah, tight, it's, it's that, time harsh. to go. I shall be very monotone on this one. That's, I think that's harsh. I think Andy shows a lot of passion on his. I do yeah. my research, you see. Yeah. Do my research. You've done your research this time. I'm looking at these mind and. There isn't a clear favour on this one, so everything's open for caps. So we've got Andy Preston with the at, at driver, really, really good figure. We've got Andy Norton with the Descort Commander, another cool figure. We've got Jason with the Rebel Commander. A lot of people do like that one. I not one of my favourites. And we've got Pete with the Rango Keeper, which probably is the yeah. toughest one to argue for, but I'm Come sure on, he's going to do his best on that one. So let's take it away we'll start from the bottom up this time so I'll go Pete first to defend oh. and show your passion for the rank keeper <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think he needs defending it's such a great figure Richard and it's one of the best characters in the whole film because he shows pure emotion when he sees his little little friend uh, the rank being squashed by evil Jedis but yeah rank keeper um, we all know he has a real name. I think it's a bit demeaning, personally, because, you know, you are the Rancor Keeper, or you can be called, whatever his name was, it Millie Vanilli or something. Um, so I think I'd rather be called the Rancor Keeper. It's a great name, doesn't need changing, doesn't need a modern uh, variation, uh, any backstory to him. So, yeah, it's a unique figure, Richard. Unique figure. It's a, one of the probably the only cosplays I could probably get away with if I shaved my head. And, you know, it'd be a lot great. But he's, he's just full of surprises. So you have got two unique accessory items. You've got your hood, and you can whack that on pretty much every figure. Uh, I used to do that often. I always think Princess Leia looked pretty cool with the with his uh, with his um, hood on. I think it's pretty nice. And, of course, he's got his uh, unique gaffy stick. Yes, unique gaffy stick. Now, I did ask go and look at the history of this stick because I uh, see what it was. And apparently, at some point in his, in his real backstory, he protects or rescues a group of Tuscans from a mutated want rat. And in return, they give him a, a, a gaffy stick as a gift. And this unique design, and there we go, unique, who else got a unique one, would later be associated as a, a gaffy stick owned by the Tuscan King. And its uh, spike and blade is unique to this character, two forward points in the shape of a W, and it's got the traditional kind of gaffy kind of whatever it is, pineapple thing on the end. And uh, the sculpt itself, wonderful, wonderful, handsome, baldy man uh, with a full figure. He's wearing a big brown nappy. Uh, to hold those mishaps when the Rancor gets a bit snacky on him. Um, and you look through his, his costume, you've got wonderful green trousers. Oh, my goodness, who else has got those wonderful trousers to protect his gorgeous legs? Um, he's also got wonderful kind of like uh, boot, booty things with little little surrounds on. And also he's got, I didn't even know this was even a word, a, a van braces on his wrists, which are made from heavy leather. And, of course, the best feature of this character, and I think you know what's coming, boys and girls, is this is, I, I believe, I will be stand corrected, but I believe he's the first and only action figure with a pair of human nipples. I've got to say, Pete, the expectations were very low, <laughs> but you've done tremendous on that one. You it was the nipples, wasn't it? really went a rare town on that one. So interesting things there. I particularly like the idea of... Uh, taking the hood off and putting it on the character because it's not something yeah. I would have ever done because I would just be kind of nope it's wrong it's not going there but that's a good that's a good couple of hours there Richard on, uh, tonight when we finish this podcast you can mm. go and try that out especially on the Ewoks that's quite good <laughs> it's uh, Jason Rebel Commander Rebel Commander the Magnum PI Space Detective actually played 
by Magnum PI, who's a real person. Well, obviously not, but he's just another one of these uh, generic kind of army builder figures, but he's in charge. He's the commander. He comes with a very nice little scarf and a very nice moustache and a nice pair of goggles, and he's all kitted out for the cold weather in Hoth. He's got a little sidearm gun with a big kind of loop on it, which is uh, very nice if you're uh, trying to shoot uh, stormtroopers. Obviously, given that he's uh, he's a Hoth kind of person, he came out in the Empire Strikes Back, and therefore he's on a very large uh, range of cards. He kind of started with Palatar in the 30 back and goes all the way through to uh, Return of the Jedi and try logo cards. Um, Kenner, he's on a whole heap of Empire Strikes Back Kenner cards. Lily Lady cards, he's on like French Meccano cards. So if you if you are a focus collector and you, you do like a lot of different mocks, you know, it's quite good for that. And of course, if you've got a, a Rebel Transporter, you open that up, it's got seats, what, about 50 figures in there. And I, I, I would hazard it a guess that you'd have to have at least half of those would have to be uh, Rebel Commanders because these, um, you know, the, 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 Rebel, the Rebel Troopers, um, you, you need one-on-one kind of managing with those guys you need you basically need a commander for every every rebel soldier you've got i would say so you know he's, he's an essential part of anyone's collection vote scarf vote mustache vote rebel commander my biggest worry there jason was what you were going to say the word mustache because i absolutely hate that pronunciation of it so I am actually glad you've used what I would consider the correct version. Mustache. It's a mustache. It's not a mustache. It's a mustache. It's probably an antidepressant or something, I think, that. But uh, it really grates on me when people use that term. But, yep, okay, good defence of the Rebel Commander, and probably every Rebel soldier may need one because uh, there weren't much use in the movie, were there? Andy Norton, Death Squad Commander. Death Squad Commander. Now, I really like this, Richard, because is there any name more evocative of 1970s toys than the Death Squad Commander? Every toy in the 70s had to be linked to the war. So it really is hanging on to that memory of World War II, even more than the Stormtrooper. And and there must have been a few comments, because in 1980, on the end of Strikes Back cards, it was renamed the more politically correct Star Destroyer Commander. Today, that would be called a woke move. Or was the name change due to there not being a Death Star in Empire Strikes Back? I don't know, it could be either. Our pal of Rebel Scum, D. Martin Meyer. D. Martin Meyer is great. He thinks it was a PC move. He says, in a truly Orwellian manner, Kenner new speaked it to the name It Always Was Called. Very 1984. Now, I really like the Death Squad Commander. Really simple sculpt. But the details are perfect. They really match the film costume. He's got your mum's mixer bowl as a hat. It's even got the circular attachment points for a Kenwood mixer. It's got the flag of Liechtenstein as his medals. I have to do some research for that. Pre-1937 when they added a crown. Fun fact. Big chunky metal bits on his belt. Washing up gloves and his lovely pair of Wellington boots. Or are they disco boots? The only real variation is the PBB POC figure with very thick soles on his boots. Don't really like platform boots to me, but like orthopedic shoes. Now, as a car back, he's a lovely one. And one of the more affordable palatoids. The image is really clear on all the cards. It looks best to me on Empire Strikes Back Kenner 
or the Star Wars Toll Toys. Now, I thought to see what the box art was that he appeared on, and there's some real classics for him. There's him driving the Imperial Troop Transport, hanging out on the Palatoy Death Star. don't know why he wasn't on the Kenner one. And he's even on Lee Gregory's Pally Toys Detention Block set. But best of all, and I'd never seen this before, he's hanging upside down on the Darth Vader Star Destroyer box art. A real classic. He must have come out of hyperspace too close to Hoth. Arrest my case. I knew next to none of that, Andy. That was brilliant. Really, really thoroughly well-researched there. I'm really impressed there. Um, yeah, Desquad Commander. Very, very strong contender there. Andy Preston at a driver. Well, Richard, my humble opinion, the ATAT driver, not A-T-A-T, is one of the coolest figures in the entire run. The detail on this chap is immaculate. Uh, his high military boots with his grey jumpsuit bloused over the tops, the ejection harness, the long white gauntlets, the jumpsuit, it's exquisitely detailed, it's got creases, it's got folds, it's got pockets, and over this he wears his white armoured chest plate, a black button chest box, two grey ribbed tubes connecting into the base of his helmet, his white back armour, has got black and orange detail, and his shoulders are protected by sculpted white guards. He carries a unique blaster, a long rifle, with a shoulder stock and a sling. Arguably, though, the best part of this figure is the mohawk helmet with the skull-like faceplate. It's got all the detail of the movie prop, including the tusks, the tubes, the pillbox, and the canisters at the rear. It's decorated with red imperial cogs on the sides and a bold red stripe down the back. Did you know, Rich, that the Atat driver helmets in the movie were simply repainted TIE pilot helmets from Star Wars, with a few greeblies added? And the TIE pilot helmets themselves, they were made from a rebel X-wing pilot helmet with a Stormtrooper faceplate. So there's your lineage. Stormtrooper plus rebel pilot equals tie pilot equals attack driver now the attack driver props are painted gray but on film they look white and this of course was carried over to the plate job for the action figure the prop department only did two helmets for empire but in the movie you see four different drivers now for the second walker that's the one that general veers is not on they added red stripes to the back of the helmets and that, again, of course, is the version that this figure is based on. Attack Driver was released by most General Mills licensees. He comes on various Empire, Jedi, Tri-Logo card backs. Also Power of the Force, one of the hardest to get, where he's packed with a Warrock coin. He's also one of the most common bootleg figures in Turkey, Poland, Russia, Mexico and elsewhere. He's got loads of variations, far too many to mention, but the most obvious one is the red paint, uh, and that can be found with any shade from a deep red through to a pale orange. Walkers on the north, Rich. This one's a winner. Ooh, very, very tough this month, guys. P Pete had to defend the virtual indefensible, but he made a pretty good go of it. I've got a my uh, Jason for not using moustache and also he had a pretty difficult character to defend as well Andy as usual was absolutely brilliant Andy Preston it perhaps went on a little bit too long it felt more than a minute maybe closer to like nine 
Well, I'm sorry, and I, it might be a, a cop out this one, but I'm going to go have to go with Andy Norton. I think his research on this one was absolutely brilliant, and I love the way that he's went down in the insignia, the the helmet descriptions. That was fantastic. So Andy Norton, very very worthy weather this month of action figure face off. I think the nicest words you've ever said to me, Richard. Thank you. I so you certainly start off slagging you well off, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> so let's head over to the quiz. And Pete, I believe that you've thrown down the gauntlet to everybody and you're going to be the quiz master. I have. It's a little bit more lighthearted this time. I don't want to tax you too much. We have done it before. We have done it before. But I thought I think we did it before in a kind of a multi-part quiz. Is and it I did the it round. questions? Uh, I don't know, it could be. Um, you know, you do tend to repeat yourself, but, um, you know, as in you know, human beings do. But I thought I want to do it properly this time, give it a bit of thought. So I had a couple of hours and an exam to kind of like doodle away, so I came up with this quiz. Uh, one part was I had so many hours to kill because it was uh, A level students who never move or do anything. I I tested myself on figures I can remember by listing every single action figure, which I managed to do. I can't believe it. And I thought, you know what? I'll come up with a quiz at the same time. So it is, it is, we've done it before, it's a proper answer smash, but with vintage figure toys. So this is how it's going to work. You've all seen Richard Osman's House of Games. We've done answer smash before. So what I thought I'd do, because obviously I can't give you a visual, um, I'm going to give you a kind of, not a riddle, it's more of a, visual you've got to work off it so this for richard probably doesn't watch it uh, i'll give an example um so this is the kind of thing you're going to get so it's kind of a two-part statement so this is an example warm-blooded bounty hunter and this goon has a fluffy skirt so warm-blooded bounty hunter would be boba fett no what's what's a lizard bounty hunter bosk 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 and this goon has a fluffy skirt. Plateau. So you smash it together. Uh, well, I don't know. That lizardy thing, isn't he? Is it warm blooded or cold blooded? Cold blue. Let's start again. Cold blue. <laughs> this is this is this going, so I'm just giving you your example. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cold blue, bounty hunter, Bosk. And goon has a fluffy skirt. Clartu. So what would the answer be? Boss Clartu. Boss Clartu. So you've got to give it. That's obviously a really easy one. I that was, that was an example. Clartu's not a word, though. Well, it is, Jason, because you smash them together. Oh, OK. Like a comedy word. You've, have you seen Answer Smash? I have, but they normally smash together words that overlap, whereas Boss Clartu just... Well, it does. Well, it's kind of a poor okay. example of overlapping, yeah, because it's like a K is overlapped. But oh, I've that's obviously... true. Boss Clartu, that is overlapping. I, I see what you did there. Yeah, you see, yeah. So now it's explained and you get it. You should have no problem with this. Some of them are a little bit, you know, <laughs> ropey. And uh, and characters and action figures will get used more than once because obviously not everything will work. So you're going to have to just go with me. That will be the comedy in the quiz. So I've got about four rounds. I've got some spares just in case it goes wrong. But that's the, that's the gist of it. You should get it. But you've only got one chance of getting it right. I'm not going to give you sit there for half an hour going, boss, boss, classy, boss, class. You've got to give it all in one word or one go. Yeah. So there's no second chance. It doesn't get passed over. You just get it wrong, okay? So, uh, who is the cheekiest? I reckon Norton, you're going to go first, I think. So we'll have Norton. We'll have uh, Preston. Let's go for the Andes. And we'll have Jason. And then Richard goes last. Bad luck, Richard. I've never played this before, so God knows. Uh, 
Oh, you just got to smash it together. So this is the comedy of the actor, Richard. It's where it goes funny. Right, so round one. Uh, there's no strength in the rounds. We just keep going until we are the loser to live or you shut me off. So, Mr. Norton. Right. This is, your, this is your clue. This guy's a bit fishy, especially around a bucket of bolts. So I'll give you two right. figures there. Yeah, it's a, fi- a bit fishy, but there's, there's a couple of fishy figures. Yeah, well, that, that, well, only one will work in this example. That's where that's where the genius of the okay. quiz comes from. I've got it. I'm, I saw. I think I've missed the actual point of the two words together. <laughs> so they'll, they'll technically overlap. Yeah, you understand that they go. Oh, I see. So Bosk Klaatu, what do they share at the end of the they word? The K at the end. Right, I got you. I got yeah. you. But it might be three letters. It might be four letters. It might be two letters. But they're going to overlap and create a new <laughs> word. Bolts is, so uh, what to say? I don't want to. Come on, Norton. C3PO. So we need something to. And is that the spell out? Bucket of bolts. Bucket of bolts. Is that a bucket of bolts? C three PO. This guy's a bit fishy, especially yeah. around. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Akbar two D two. Well done. That is it. Admiral Akbar T two. Is that he? You got it. Bucket of bolts. He's talking about R two D two. Come on. I, I can't remember. I don't watch Star Wars. I don't know what's yeah, about. So it's um, the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> this bucket of bolts isn't gonna get us, get us past that blockade. Yeah, he also talks about R two D two as well. Uh, so then, you big sausage. Show Norton. Yeah, he's got a question right there. Well done. Right, Preston, being so cheeky, this is yours. This this is dead easy. Has two guns and is likely to self-destruct, especially if having his feet burnt. Dead easy. That would be IG88D8. Well done, Andy. Honestly, I thought you'd get caught out there on having too many or not enough eights and try and combine it. So well done, Preston. You did really well there. Okay, Jason. Now, this should be really easy for you. Richard should have this one, but yeah. Stupid malfunctioning Dusty Bin lookalike would easily be beaten by this bounty hunter with alternating names. Stupid malfunctioning Dusty Bin. Stupid malfunctioning Dusty Bin lookalike would easily be beaten by this bounty hunter with alternating names. R5D for long. Yeah, well done. Easy. See, looks easy. It's easy. It's easy. And Richard, finally. Tall and hairy, but would you leave a princess in his city? Chew back older one. <laughs> no, incorrect. I shan't offer it out, but if anyone wants to shout it out. Tall and hairy, but would you leave a princess in his city? Chew back Elrissia. Yes, exactly. It was a great name, that is. No mark for Richard. So round two. Mr. Norton again. Right. Bandaged up, but can always find an appropriate tool. Always find an appropriate tool. Yes, think about the words. It may only be one option. Bandaged up, but can always find an appropriate tool. And some of his clues are loose. Appropriate tool. Yes, who has an appropriate tool? Then Gar2D2 again. Then Gar2D2. I've never had R2D2 twice. I thought I couldn't have that. Yeah, well, I said it might appear twice because, like, you know, there's a shortage of words that end in certain letter combinations. (laughs) So I'm a little bit hamstrung here. But you got it right, so that's good. Dengar2D2. I think it's actually a good name for a new character. Um, Preston, young Skywalker and his old stalker. You may need to uh, just take names. Uh, 
Luke Kenobi. Luke Kenobi, well done. Hey. Mr. Preston got a point. Okay, Jason. Those murderous desert types and our wonderful princess. This will be hard to say. Those murderous desert types and our wonderful princess member is action figures. Not characters from the movie. Yeah, I know. I, I, they just don't smash together. Oh, they do. Because <laughs> they do. San Pipalea. Well done, you see. You yes. got it. Well done. San Pipalea. I was thinking Tuscan. I was like... Oh, you are, exactly. That's why I mentioned action figures. So, Richard, Tatooine's small filthy creatures and a drunk bar brawler. Jar Walrus Man. Well done, Richard. You got it. Jab Walrus Man. Again, on paper, it looks like a great new name for a gen- Wait, round three. Uh, Andy Norton again. A last 17 Ewok, some argue, and our favourite princess's surname. A last 17 Ewok? Some argue, and our favourite princess's surname. Oh, Papluogana. Yes, Papluogana. See, it wasn't that hard after all. It was the last 17 E-work. I was thinking, like, the proper last seven is with some argument. Well, I've, I've got to try and, like, you know, suggest it and I just give it to you. Yeah, right, yeah. Nora Spoons. No, not Spoons, well, you. Uh, Mr. Preston. Um, this is a little, a little bit nefarious, this one, but I think you can get it. Han Solo's coat, which he could lend to his hairy friend. Oh, flipping heck. Han Solo's coat. Oh, I've got it. Which he could lend to his hairy friend. Smash them together. Right. Well, you you said we can't chat, didn't you? We can't um, say it out loud. Well, no, no, you've got to say it straight away. Yeah, You can talk to yourself half an hour if you wish, but you've got to kill people off. But when you say it, you've got to get in one. And Solo's coat, which he could lend to his hairy friend. Oh, what would that make? Well, the only thing I can think of is hand trench shoebacker. <laughs> well, then it was that easy. That easy, right? Let's give it to him. But it's hand trench coat. Uh, well, I said hand Solo's coat, so I'd already given you the word coat. So, <laughs> and hand <laughs> Solo said, he did very well there, Andy. Yeah, it's a t- t- tenuous there, Pete. But if I if I give you like if I give you most of the words, you can't reuse them. So, like as Answer Smash does, so you've got to take the word I haven't given you, which is obviously trench. So Han Solo's coat, which he could lend to his hairy friend. You wouldn't say Han Solo's coat is Han Solo's trench coat, because I've already given you that information. Come on, Andy. It wasn't that hard. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah Jason, I'm, I'm, it's straight away. There we are. I'm sure that makes sense to somebody, Pete. Well, maybe say to Jason. He's very clever. And here's his uh, thing. Right, impish little gnome and his dark side old friend. This is dead easy, this one, Jason. I've got the first one. What's the, the second bit of it? And his dark side old friend. It's not as hard as it sounds. Dark side old friend. Yes. Vintage figures. It's one or two. Uh, uh, dark side old friend. Yeah, I've got to try and describe them in a certain way, Jason. How much time do you need? I'm not getting that. It's... Not getting it? Oh, Impish little gnome. Impish little gnome. Yoda Vader. <laughs> well done, Jason. We have to do is just spell it out. Oh, you'd get it. Right. Well done, Yoda Vader. 
And then finally, oh, I, was Rich- go, I was going to go for Yodanakin. Well, it doesn't it doesn't really fit. It, well, it does, but Yodar Fader, you've got a DNA in there as well, I remember. So. Yeah, that's true. I thought thought it, the Christian Hayden was confusing uh, Jason. Yeah, don't, don't worry, there's plenty of Anakin's questions coming because he's got an easy name. Right, Richard, a stripy murder bear and a son of a clone daddy. <laughs> A stripy murder bear and the stripy son murder bear of a and the son of the clone daddy. Um, T. Buffett. There we go. Easy peasy. Right, round four. I think it's about the last round, maybe. Right, uh, Mr. Norton. Oh, this is one of my favourites. Uh, which, if you get this, you're doing very well. Well, I'm your favourite. Yeah, well, definitely as we tonight. So trying to rule me out. He doesn't like you, does he? Right, what have you done to him? Right, so uh, Luke's Luke's dad's first name and his pointy tie. His pointy tie? His pointy tie. That's all I'm going to give you. Luke's dad's first name and his pointy tie. Anakin Interceptor. Well done. Whoa. There we go, you see? You just got to do is just spell it out. You get confused. I was thinking um, an item of clothing. (laughs) It's all vintage stars. Mr. Preston. This is a good one. Scary ice monster. This fairy pest stole a speeder bike. <laughs> good one. That would be Wampaplu. Wampaplu, a new figure, I think. Uh, let's put your name in there. Okay, Jason again. We're getting around quite easy now. Okay, this, this is going to be hard, but it's funny. Oh. Small furry death bear who should have been crushed by these two-legged machines. Small furry death bear. Wicatat. <laughs> Not quite, because uh, that's an E.T. at the end. But you were very close, Jason, but no cigar. Anyone else want to hazard a guess, just in case? Say again, Pete. Small furry death bear who should have been crushed by these two-legged machines. Jason was close. T-S-T. <laughs> no. There's one that works much better. Lumat ST. Oh, Lumat tough. ST. That is a tough uh, one. No oh, Jason. He was close though, but he went with a four-legged machine. So uh. if he thought, thought about a two-legged, he might have gone ATST. What might finish with AT at the end of his name? Right, Richard. Short or tall, this cantina patron wouldn't have seen this droid and only said his second name. What? <laughs> Short or tall, uh-huh. this cantina patron wouldn't have seen this droid and only said his second name. Just break that down, Richard, and you'll get it. Short or tall. So... Short or tall. This cantina... this cantina patron wouldn't have seen this droid and only said his second name. It only said his second name. Um... Sure. Oh, 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 I've got it, I've got it. <laughs> I'm going to have to hurry you, Rich. Any idea? Mm, nope. Okay, go on, spoons. I'll give you a bonus I'm not, point. I'm not, I'm not sure I have actually got it. I've got the first bit. It's Snaggletooth, isn't it? Snaggletooth, that's obvious. What's the it's, next it's bit? It's not Snaggletooth 1B. No, no. This, Snaggletooth 3PO. Yeah, well, I'm going to give Andy a point. Where's the short or tall come from? Well, little, little snaggle tooth, the little red one. Oh, they're both tiny. <laughs> no, they're not. One's short, one's tall. Red equals short. Yeah, come on. 
Even Sam I got that. I'm going to take a point Kane. off Richard for that. I'm taking a point off Richard. Richard minus one. Richard minus one for that. Give it cheek. spoons. And spoons <laughs> have that point off. Him. I didn't get it. Give it to oh, was it yeah, Andy got it, didn't he? Andy, it's sorry, a matter Chris, of you. <laughs> now he loves you. Am I, am I upset you today, Richard? <laughs> yeah, I'm upset. All right, we're going to do one more round because it's funny. Because they thought, you know, how, how do I get C, get the C out of C3PO? Just say a second, eh? Right, round five. And uh, I don't know who's in the lead in care. Uh, Mr. Norton, he preferred a more hairy sidekick, but Lando liked his in puffy sleeves and a headband. Uh, I missed the first bit. It was he preferred side. a more hairy sidekick, oh. but Lando liked his in puffy sleeves and a headband. And so Lobot. There we go. Dead easy, that one. That was in my reserve list at one stage. Right. <laughs> Preston, uh, you should get this one. A fishy cantina alien who could be related to this military calamari officer. A fishy cantina alien who maybe could be related to this military calamari officer. Come on, that is this one. I've got it. Someone's got this one. Ooh. Fishy cantina alien, Preston. Fishy Cantina Alien. Yes. Come on, there's only one. Well, one and a half. I think, yeah, the, the fishy might be putting you off, Andy, for what? Yeah, maybe. He's definitely in the sea if he was in, it the, is in the, the sea. Time. So it's fishy. It's not a normal one you'd think was fishy, I think. Yeah, yeah well, if you know what it is, you'd say it was more fishy than the other one. Well, the one calamari is Admiral Akbar. So what are you smashing it with? So, well, four cantina aliens. Greedo, he don't fit. Walrus man, he don't fit. He's getting there. Hammerhead doesn't fit. It does. <laughs> it's the wrong Andy there. It's the wrong Hamza, Andy. Yeah, Hammerhead totally fits. Hammerhead Muralakbar. Hammerhead. Oh. Even, I got, uh, Even Jason right. got it. And Jason, oh. you know, he's been a bit sausagey in this. Oh, that's dreadful. I'm, I'm going to take a point of view as well. Norton, uh, Mr. Preston, point off for being absolutely ridiculous even saying it and didn't know it was that. <laughs> so point off, Andy Preston minus one. We come to Jason. Jason's on four now. Jason, this is this is bad. I've got to warn you. Okay. So listen carefully. Yeah. I shall say this any once. <laughs> this figure's ship has space for two, but I doubt he could fit in a frozen smuggler block. It's bad. I've got to warn you. I'm pre-warning you. Well, the se- I know what the second bit is. And the this first- figure's ship had space for two. What had space for two? What space for two? Which ship has space for two? Uh, oh, it's Cloud Carbonite. Yeah, well done. I didn't think you'd get that. Cloud Carbonite. See, it's that easy. Right, last one, Richard. I do have a bonus question. No one cares. Richard, last one. And I, th- I think this is great. You're going to need to say this out loud. Weird-looking headhunter who keeps trophies, he'd find it hard to remove this Jedi spirit's head. A mannequin? I'm and man a mannequin. Well man done, mannequin. Yeah, that's tough man to see. Yeah, well, it is. Well, that's the point of it. Right. Yeah, a... he, got, he got that one wrong. A mannequin. A man... Did he say a mannequin first? He did. Oh, Richard, uh, I don't know. I a mannequin. Gonna... A something you put clothes on in a clothes shop. <laughs> I think <laughs> I'm going to deduct. Um, Take another point more... of question. I'm going to deduct. Press that point of arguing. 
Yeah. <laughs> so Richard won. Preston two because I thought it was a good attempt anyway. Preston minus one. So uh, that's the end of the see if we need a tiebreaker. So Richard won. Uh, uh, I'm just going to say Jason wins. Well, I don't think he did. But yeah, Jason wins the quiz. Well done, Jason. Yeah, well done, Jason. You may not have, but I'm going to say you have. Very good. Well done, Pete. Uh, yeah, well done, Pete. Yes, very good quiz there, Pete. I had no idea what was going on. Um, but... <laughs> and well, well, I think well done, everyone. We're um, monstering the time, aren't we? Yes. I think uh, Preston actually managed to be on minus points on that one just for being cheeky. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amazing that happens. Right then, let's move on to the latest acquisitions that were spotted out and about in the big wide world. And there are some absolutely brilliant pieces here and many I have not seen before. So I am going to start off with mine, which was posted by Ron Salvatore on the Deal or No Deal group. And this was purchased by a Brian Lenkruzki, I think that's pronounced like that, probably isn't. $500, which seems an absolute steal. I have never seen this before, so, you know, apologies if I have discussed this, but this very much to me is a Pete thing. So, what this is, it's a Sears cardboard kind of Star Wars-y type playset called the Interplanetary Star Fortress, and I absolutely love it. And when I was reading the comments, I think uh, Ian Sanderson and uh, I think it was uh, Josh... So it's not Josh, is it? It's uh, Todd Hudson had uh, said something on lines of, I didn't know I needed this until I saw it. And it's wonderful. And what we have is, um, as well as it being in its cardboard box, which um, has Sears on the side with Interplanetary Star Fortress and a couple of um, sketch diagrams of the Fortress in its flat position and its tower position, but it's a, it's a bootleg cardboard playset and it is absolutely brilliant another way to describe it i have never seen anything like this so it's a if you picture a flat cardboard base with some plastic towers and turrets and like a runway kind of thing it looks so it's uh, based on an asteroid guns and and various other things to play with but then the whole lot folds up and becomes a carry case with some UFOs on the outside with some space scenes and rocks and lots of things um, but with a with a tower on the top with another turret a bit, a bit like the American Death Star playset it, it's absolutely brilliant but for me it's how on earth did they get away with selling this in the catalogue because even the catalogue picture you have Han Hoth in there you've got Lando you've got Boba Fett you've got Bosk You've got uh, a stormtrooper in there, um, a couple of other characters can't quite make out. Um, so it's clearly for sale using Star Wars characters in it. And then it also has the four packs underneath it as well. Um, so there's a couple of four packs there, a villain set with Vader, Bosk, Boba Fett, IG-88. And then you've got the four pack with Lando, Han Hoth, Luke, X-Wing, Pilot and Yoda. And another one with the Rebel Commander, Luke Hoth the Hoth Stormtrooper and a normal Stormtrooper and I love it I absolutely love it I think it's brilliant and I'm really pleased I saw that because it really brightened up my day um, Pete this is very much a young oh, thing it, I think yeah and, and it's and it's annoying how it, it's it's a really basic set isn't it but mm-hmm. it, because it's visually stunning you could I mean I mean you, you said how to get away with it well because it's no, you know, they don't put the word styles on it but 
that it's you know you get a what's it a discount if you bought one of the four packs of figures so mm-hmm. it's a good you know i'm sure luke's going to give a monkeys whether you've advertised it i mean it's just a place there which is used i mean you can sell these things like that using other figures to demonstrate it as long as you don't put the word star wars on it but i i, I agree i think it's totally up my alley you could easily do something like that these days get away with it you probably have wouldn't do it in cardboard you'd do it in like a laminated kind of plastic which would still fold up and actually make a really good carry case i'm surprised more of this doesn't happen because that is a really cheap thing to make isn't it Mm-hmm. And this. Didn't we cover this when we were talking about picking things out of catalogues? I'm sure this thing came up in that. Or am I am I imagining that? I, I don't. Th- I don't think we've ever mentioned this. I mean, it might have got mentioned. Something rings a bell. Uh, what was it? I'm just looking at the images. Something definitely rings a bell. It might have been a box or something. But I can't remember us ever talking about because I would have gone epi for this. Like, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, and you mentioned laminate in there, so it it is. It is laminated, but because of the of the age of this thing now, the vinyl coating has started to shrink, which is causing oh, warping okay. in the cardboard, which is a shame. But it's it's absolutely wonderful, love it. Yeah. Uh, so this was but that's so cheap. Wish book. I bet it's so cheap to make. I bet that wouldn't even cost a few quid, would it, to make and knock those out? I'm surprised mm. they don't do more of that because it is just an easy placer, which would probably last quite a few plays. And you can uh, you can really tart up as well. You put stick a few lights and some of those things. It'd be right smart. Uh, can I just ask of those who are looking at the picture, we can make out most of the figures, but that one in the top left, I'm struggling with. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Is it? It's it looks. It's not got a cape, is it? That's something on the paper behind it. Yeah. But is it's it? very dark. Is it Vader? I think it is. Well, I thought it was Vader, but you could, you would have thought you'd see a lightsaber, wouldn't you? Maybe I it's... don't. Well, it's TIE Fighter Pilot, maybe? Camera. Is TIE Fighter Pilot out when this is... Um, I wouldn't have thought these I figures. it was early for the TIE Fighter yeah. Pilot. Agreed. It's Vader, and it's Vader's point, his saber's pointing directly at the camera. Yeah, it could be. It could be. You can't actually see the Vader because it's not a great image. And, yeah, that, that possibly is right, that. It, it certainly looks like his helmet. But, yeah, wonderful, wonderful thing. Now, I want to move on to Walkie Talkies next because, um, unfortunately, the show notes have just closed, but I definitely saw some Walkie Talkies in there. So who wants to lead with that one? And what is it you've got to talk about? Yeah, that's what I, I picked out. So 31st of May on the Beyond the Toys group, Andrew Palmer posted and said he had a couple of new editions. I've always loved the Walkie Talkie set, so I'm very happy to finally map one. And... It's a kind of orangey box that says walkie-talkies at the top, and it says Actone, and then there's a couple of pair of walkie-talkies with R2-D2 on the left and C2P on the right, a lot orange bar, and then there's the kind of, again, the name of the company underneath, Actone. Something. oh, that's great, British walkie-talkies. So I thought, oh, well, I'll have a little look on SWCA to find out about that, and you go on there, and it says, yeah, it's a UK project. It's unlicensed. But then the ones in the archive say, sort of Actone, they say Titan Executive. And I'm like, oh. So it's exactly the same branding. The model number in the bottom right corner is model 543. It's exactly the same, but not Actone. They're Titan Executive. So then I start looking at similar images, and there's another one called Araco Executive. And this time the model number is 5604. But essentially it's the same box. It's the same walkie-talkies, just the name of the company keeps changing. I mean, presumably it's the same factory knocking these out, and they just 
keep changing the name to avoid legal hassles, maybe. But as well as that, there's also another one on the archive called Wellmark, where the hand there's handheld versions of these. And again, these ones are branded as Wellmark. So it's just like, it seems like there's this one walkie-talkie factory, and they just change their name every other week. I thought it was quite interesting. I'm just kind of interested. There's even more of these, more different branded ones. But has anyone got any, any more info on this or any thoughts about these changing walkie-talkies? We did look into these because I picked a setup um, oh, a couple of years ago. And I think you're right. I think they're just cheap imports. And whether it's different factories or different importers bringing them in, um, as you say, they're, they're, they're all in a, a sort of generic box, aren't they? Apart from the blister carded ones. It's, what brand are yours? Mine are Actone. Uh, Actone okay. certainly seems to be the most common one because that's the one that Andrew Palmer's found as well. Yes. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's it's simply that they are cheap bootlegs um, and, you know, whichever company had them at the time from the factory slapped their own name on it and sent them off. Anyway, I want a pair of these. By the way, they're all... Ex- Oh, they're executives, aren't they? Rather, I thought you said exclusive. First of all, they're all exclusive, but there's five different companies. Well, if I was he's executive, if, if I was a top executive in the seventies, that's exactly what I'd be using. <laughs> Great items, there, Jason. You definitely need a pair of them. You're right, though. One of them would be quite pointless. I wonder if they would still work with batteries. You kind of hope so. Andy, you sounded very happy there. So, do you want to take it away with happy stickers? Yeah, this is something that I found on the Imperial Commissary on Facebook. This was from a guy called Andrew Kramer, and he said, uh, I was digging through my overflow collection storage area last week to get out my Death Star playset and put it on display when I came across this oddity. It's puffy stickers. Alignment of the images is not centred. The colour choices are odd on some characters, but it's definitely cool. Not sure if it's from all the way back to 1983 or somewhere in between. Any help would be great. And this is absolutely fantastic. I love it. Very, very clearly a bootleg. You've got a general header card. And, I mean, the header card itself is fantastic, let alone the stickers. On the left-hand side of the header card, you've got a cute little bunny wearing a blue sort of jacket and with a pink bow in her hair. And she's throwing a ball. To her right, it says Happy Stickers. And to the right of that, there are two deer. Um, a little bit like Bambi and, uh, and, and Bambi's father, must be, because he's got horns. Below the deer, it says Made in Taiwan. It's, it's a lovely, Far East, cheap, knockoff, carded header thing. Beneath that, stapled on, there is a plastic bag and that contains a number of puffy stickers and these are just fantastic top left you've got Darth Vader holding his lightsaber his lightsaber is a lovely fetching shade of pink and then you you can see his inner robe and his inner robe is bright purple don't quite know why otherwise he's uh, he's got his normal colour scheme he's black he's got his black cloak and then the bottom of his foot it looks like he's wearing a purple carpet slipper now we know peter cushing has tarkin wore carpet slippers didn't he in star wars but uh, darth vader with a pink inner robe and a pink carpet slipper that's a bit odd 
Next to him, you have got Jabba the Hutt with Salacious Crumb sitting at his, uh, in front of his belly. Jabba's got an orange face and then a green upper torso and arms, a bright orange belly. Salacious is also uh, orange, but uh, Salacious doesn't stand out very clearly. So what it looks like is an enormous, great big fat Jabba with these two little spindly legs sticking out the bottom. Uh, at the bottom of this sticker sheet, you've got three characters. You've got a uh, an Imperial Royal Guard um, in his red robes. That is pretty true to the movie character. You've got Lando in his skiff guard outfit, uh, wearing bright orange socks, bright orange gloves, and yellow trousers. Very fetching. Uh, I can actually see Lando wearing that. Uh, you've got Admiral Akbar. Uh, now, he's gone very orange. Uh, he's got an orange head. He's got an orange, what do you call that, his body armour, is the sort of main part of his jacket. He's got orange forearms. He's got orange hands. But his, uh, his upper arms and the whole of his legs and feet are dark green. Really interesting colour choice. But the one that I really love is in the middle of the sheet. And this is a B-wing. Uh, again, lovely, lovely colours. It's got oranges, it's got yellows, it's got blues, greens, light greens, yellows, whites, you name it, it's all on there. But the great thing about this, it's actually got four arms. Where the, uh, the B-Wing's got the two um, shorter arms coming out from the uh, the main part of the ship, you can see two more arms underneath them. And they've got two little arrows and somebody on the thread on the Imperial Commissary spotted what this is. This is copied from the Kenner B-Wing instruction leaflet. So on the Kenner instruction leaflet, you've got two little arrows showing you that the wings will rotate to go down flat to the body. And they've just copied this and they've coloured it and they've included the little arrows. And it looks just so wonderful. I think that is just a brilliant, brilliant bootleg. Uh, again, on the thread, if you go on the on, on the IC, look up uh, Andrew Kremer, K-R-E-M-E-R. On the same thread, you've got other people who've posted some different variations of these stickers, and uh, yeah, they're they're just wonderful. Absolutely love them. I do like them as well. I've never seen them before. I love the Emperor as well. God, they probably would have been a focus figure of mine if I didn't go down the route I did. Because I real have an affinity for that figure and the costume as well. Wonderful. Pete, well, what more can I say? It had to be you. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Richard? Well, uh, the, obviously this appealed for me. I can believe when I saw it. Um, this is on the SWF UK. This is Poncho. He said it had been a while and he found this, and I love the word, it, he found it lingering in a collectible shop for years. The shop owner said if someone offered him £5, he'd take it. Crikey, I should pay more for this. So he reckons it's a, a 1980s school college project pottery dated, initiated 1985 or initial, I think it probably meant. And it's of Darth Vader. And I can only say, really, that this Darth Vader would really suit my mangled dog evacuated Boba Fett, which I picked up from Celebration for our Game Crack Challenge, because it's... It's got the, the wonderful charm of a of a child. It's got most of the features of Darth Vader. He does look like he's been punched in the left eye and it's swollen up a little bit. But you can tell it's Darth Vader. So even though it's all wobbly and wibbly wobbly kind of 
yeah, it might have been out of a, a, you know, a kid's TV show, the wibbly wobbly world of Darth Vader. You can tell it's Darth Vader because it's got his kind of nose mouthpiece. It's got the shape of the helmet. It's got little, you know, uh, little things across his head and, and um, you know, the, the eyebrows. Um, it's got this kind of neck piece in white, but and you can you can tell it, it's definitely Darth Vader. It's got the colours right on the chest, on the chest panel, and a kind of about thing. You just know it's Darth Vader. I mean, that's that was the point of the project was making a Darth Vader um, statue, and I, I think it's one of those sort of things are brilliant. It, that would definitely be a gim crack item, and it would win this month, so I win it again. Crikey! But yeah, I just think it's wonderful. It's it's a wonderful piece. If you're Darth Vader, cut a great. I love the fact that Poncho's picked this up and now he owns it. I hope he's going to treasure it because some effort went into that, some proper effort. And if a teacher, if you're out there, teacher, and you didn't give your pupil 10 out of 10, then you should uh, give your pension back. Simple as that, hey, Richard. Pete, this looks to me like Darth Vader crossed with a porg. Is <laughs> it, there, yeah, he's got a little green base on his He's got a little green base. He's looking up at you with those big round black eyes. The mouthpiece looks a little bit like a beak. That is that is foreshadowing. That is that is that is that is Porg Vader. Maybe that's where it came from. I thought it was a little dog. <laughs> it's a very odd looking dog. If it is, he's dressed up pretty coolly. To be fair, it's got his little bib on. But uh, I, I just think it's a bit of you know lovely lovely bit of ta- uh, a thing of its time. And um, I think any Star Wars collector would love to have it on the shelf. I think uh, he should should make a few more of them. Let's, let's track this kid, this kid down. It'd be in, what, his 50s? Let's get him. Get him to make a few more. Churn a few more out. Put them on a card. It's definitely a Pug Vera. Well, we don't. <laughs> right. Andy Spoons Norton. A blast from the past. What have you picked up here? Sorry, I picked it up. What have you spotted? Yeah, not me. I wish. So this is, uh, this is going... Uh, Back a bit. So this is Emil, Cape Town on Star Wars Forum UK, latest acquisitions, page 1886. Now, we're going to get a bit normal here. Everyone's picking these really weird, oddball items. We're going back to the toys. Now, Emil has picked these up over, I guess, a few weeks, months, because he's finally got around to photographing them. And those of you that know Emil, he collects uh, boxed, Star Wars items with all their inserts, paperwork, everything. They have to be as mint as possible, but open so he can he can see what's inside. And I'm going to run through these. He has got the Endor Chase with a cut card wicket, baggy layer, two baggy biker scouts, tri-logo instructions. These, these are the Power of the Force ones, tri-logo instructions. Uh, he's got his his catalogue there and the speeder bike in his box. Absolutely lovely, really really nice. I think probably the pick of the items, um, obviously, but with me and my Han Hoth like. He's also got the Hoth Rescue, so the Wampa, Tauntaun, Han and Luke and their baggies, instructions, and I see a few sort of inserts for this. This is the sort of brown card insert. Just just basically strengthens the box. There's not much more to it. Both absolutely lovely pieces on their own. He's also got the Motojet speeder bike. Again, tri-logo instructions come with that. The Tura and Probot playset. This is the Kenner one. Uh, used sticker sheet, instructions, catalogue. Uh, absolutely lovely TIE, fi- tie fighter. White TIE fighter, as we were talking about earlier. Now, 
I had to look at this uh, twice because this is actually the Thai Jaeger. So it's a German one. So it's got the German instructions in, but but Kenner box inserts, use sticker sheets there. And a lovely Palatoy Imperial Troop Transport to finish with. Just amazing items. Really nice seeing everything they're going to come with. Well done, Emil. Can I just jump in there, Andy? The uh, the Endor chase set, that is really interesting because I've never seen one of those with a cut card in. I thought uh, they have the fold. Is that come with the fold? No, it's the Ewok Combat set. Ah, with okay. Folded cards. Um, and that one you can get folded cards or you can get baggies or you can get a combination of the two. But uh, because the speeder bike is in the Endor Chase and that comes in the plastic tray, there isn't room to get carded figures in alongside. So I've always seen that one with baggies, uh, sometimes different combinations of baggies. But what he's got there is Wicket on a Power of the Force cut card because you've got the coin as well there. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to know how that's come about uh, or whether you know whether the person he got it from had opened it uh to know whether that's original to the set really odd if anybody out there knows anything more about this then do get in touch with us so you would think that would normally come with just any uh, wicket baggy would you it would yeah the set i've got and what you most commonly see is the four baggy figures all within one bigger baggy yeah okay um, so yeah, the, the the cut card is really really unusual. Nice set. Maybe maybe I'll put a, a comment on the thread. Now before we head over to Rebel Briefings, we have a competition and something our listeners can enter for. So huge thanks to Lee Gregory. We've mentioned Pally Toys a lot of times on this podcast, and Lee has kindly donated one of his excellent Death Star Detention Block playsets for a competition prize. These sets are available now from Pally Toys on Facebook. They're made in the vintage style like the Cantina or the Land Jowers. They make a great display base for figures. To have a chance of winning this excellent prize, what we're asking you to do is to go outside and enjoy this lovely weather we're having. Take your camera and your action figures. We want to see action figures photographed in an interesting outdoor environment. It could be urban or rural, it doesn't matter. But what we're looking for is a bit of artistic flair and innovation. You could go for humour, movie accuracy, finger figure or whole battle scene. The winner will be the one photo that we as a team collectively enjoy the most. Send in your entries to us via Facebook Messenger, Instagram or email to reach us by Sunday the 23rd of July and the winner will be announced on the next show. So guys, good luck on that and we're looking forward to seeing the images. And now, let's head over to Rebel Briefings. Bob Breakin Bookback Outer Rim Outlaws Pitch Invader See you at Aleph CC Canadian Con covers cartoons and Kenner Somehow the Emperor returned the Squad Commander Admiral Poppins Tenty Tenty Vision. The rebel base is on the moon on the far side. 
We are preparing to orbit the planet. Right, number one. Bob Breakin book backed. Finally. At last minute, wasn't it? Hurrah! It was fantastic. Yeah, it got it, it, it got backed in the last within an hour to go, I think it was. Has it gone over or is it did it still yeah, go it's got, right a couple of K over. I mean on the, they got they got an offer from um from a company that were gonna match them for every every pledge that was made in the last twenty four hours. So that that kind of stuck a few more thousand onto the total, but it's fully backed and it's going to be awesome. You, yeah, I mean, considering what Star Wars books have done recently, you would think anyone with a bit of extra cash would cash in and go, right, I'll have 50 of them because I will actually make a little bit of, uh, or or I'm not saying they make money, but you could make a bit extra money because some of these books that come out, do seem to go quite well in the secondary market straight away, don't they? Like that. Yeah, well, the, you can pre-order the book up until the end of September now, so there's no okay. there's no shortage of books. Yeah, funded. That's fine, but I mean, there's always someone who will make some bit of ca- extra I've done, cash. I've, done, I've gone for the poster and postcards options. I'm looking forward to a poster of the cover. That'd be nice. Did everyone back it? I I I've sided. I'm not a massive yeah. book fan, but I think I went the same uh, deal as Jason. Poster and postcards. I think. Was that like hundred hundred odd quid? Was it, Jason? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I just went for the basic book, but uh, no, very much looking forward to that. I didn't back it, and that's because I'm just I'm not an action man fan. Um, I may have been as a kid, but I would just be concerned a little bit about how much would be non Star Wars, which I get. That's the point. I totally. Tiny tears is more your thing, isn't it, Rich? Yeah, and strawberry shortcakes and things like that, obviously. But <laughs> don't yeah. knock strawberry shortcake. It's bloody <laughs> awesome. But, you know, as, as Jason said there, you've still got time to back this book. So it's the My Palatoy Story, the history of a famous British toy company by Bob Breakin. So it's been researched and written by Bob, uh, designed by Brian Hickey, who we had on the show. How long ago was that we had Brian on the show? Oh, that must be about a, about a year ago, maybe. Do you think it was that long? Wow. Oh, yeah. uh, so the book provides a comprehensive insight into one of the most iconic toy manufacturers of the 20th century, documenting its inception, rise to prominence, and eventual dissolution. Palatoy Limited of Colville was part of the General Mills Toy Group from 68 to 85, and it introduced such amazing toy brands Action Man, Tiny Tears, Pippa, Parker Games, Mainline Railway, Star Wars Toys, and many, many more. The fascinating story begins in 1919, shortly after the Great War, when a young man decided he wanted to exploit the budgeting plastics industry by setting up his own company. The book was written by someone who joined Palatoy the year after Action Man was launched in 1966, and who was part of the creative team that saw the brand receive the epitaph, Toy of the Decade, in 1980. As well as being a highly visual experience that many photographs enjoy, the book will take its readers through the history of Palatoy as the 20th century unfolded socially, politically and industrially, and essential for those that love toys. Now that's the bit I think I would find actually fascinating. I think I would find the photographs and the history of the, the Palatoy company and how it you know it, it evolved in, in such a socially difficult time before the big booms happened in the 70s and 80s uh, i think i would find that bit fascinating but as jason said there's still plenty of time to back it and there's lots and lots of different rewards and packages and other things on the gofundme page so i'm sure people won't be disappointed and i'll certainly thumb through a copy if i can get my hands on one or borrow one from somebody else I'm really looking forward to the chapter where uh, Bob says where all the, the prototype, Paltoy prototypes are buried. Pretty good. X marks the spot with a map. You don't have a treasure map. How good would that be? 
Yeah, but only certain backers. If you back it like for 300 quid, you get the map. The moon with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. Outer Rim Outlaws. This is modern stuff. What's going on? This is a new game, Pete, coming up. Um, what, games? Yeah, yes, a computer game. We like our computer games, don't we? We talked yes, about they work on the, a little while back. But... They work on the C64 <laughs> as a cassette version, Andy? I expect so, Pete, yeah. Oh, good. It's, good. It, is, it is set in the vintage period. So uh, there's, a, there's a little bit of a vintage link there. Set between The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Uh, it's an action-adventure game developed by Massive Entertainment, published by Ubisoft. It's a single-player, third-person action-adventure game. We've seen a few like that before, haven't we? Jedi Knight and... Uh, what's, what's the recent one with Cal Kestis? What's that one called? Ginger Jedi. That's, that's the one. The difference with this one is, though, that um, those games have been a little bit on rails. You know, there's there's one route that you've got to take through, and, you know, you solve the puzzle, and you get through to the next bit, and then you get through to the next bit. This is an open-world game. So this is much more expansive. You can pretty much go where you like within the limitations of the game. Uh, you can do the puzzles, you can do the challenges in different order, depending on how you want to, and I, th- I think the the game is branching in the sense that what, what you do in one area may affect what happens in another. Uh, the game features stealth and open combat, vehicle combat, space combat, branching dialogue. Players take control of outlaw scoundrel Kay Vess and her companion Nyx as they attempt one of the biggest heists that the Outer Rim has ever seen. Coming in 2024 for PlayStation 5, Windows, and Xbox Series XS. Anybody going to be looking out for that? Only if I can... If it's open world, can I go to the canteen and punch Hammerhead? <laughs> that, that, to me, is you, open world. Or do a poo in the middle of Darth Vader's Star Destroyer. That'd well, whatever, whatever turns you on, Pete, but... I'm, I'm sorry to say, Andy, I've only got a PlayStation 3. Well, you got to upgrade for this one, then, Jason. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure my my uh, equipment will uh, take this, unless it's no. cassette format. I don't <laughs> think it's <laughs> being released on ZX Spectrum, Pete. Can you actually what, buy what a PlayStation 5 in the shops now without having to mug someone? That's I don't a know. question. I'm a PC gamer myself, so if it runs on Windows and my old PC's up to it, then uh, hopefully it'll be all right. I wonder what sort of uh, PC can take it. <laughs> the ones I've got in my shed, probably not. Yeah, I, I can. I can. Write, I still can't remember the name of it. Was it Jedi Outcast or was that an older one? I can't. Remember. I don't anyway, know. The, All these the, modern the, things, Andy. Yes, this this latest one runs alright on my machine, so uh, fingers crossed. Okay, you have to let us know what spec I might have a, have a go. If I can run around the universe doing things and not playing the game, that'd be quite fun. Well, I, I, I like the sound of that. Something that's not sort of steering you in a particular direction. Yeah, I, don't, I just want to go around, you know, kicking droids off, off mountains and stuff. That's what I want to do. I could spend all day <laughs> doing that. Or, or killing Ewoks. Oh, Ewoks with a flamethrower. Can you do that? You can do that in Battlefront. Can you? You can just, just go in and just murder Ewoks. And yeah. And then build a new village in your own image. <laughs> or trample them. Or get a massive bunch of atats and just go and trample them and laugh. They're beginning to worry about you, Pete. Well, you know, you get rid of the Ewoks and you can start Star Wars again. Death Star approaching. Estimated time to firing range, 15 minutes. Pitch Invader. I think we're going to lose the Americans here because I have no idea what we're talking about. Although there is a cricket league in America starting up this summer. But uh, what's all this about, Andy? What's what's happened? What's what's Darth Vader been doing? Well, we've had the first test this last week. England v Australia. Five-day cricket match. Yeah. 
it's true all you uh, americans we have we have sport over here that goes on for five whole days exactly proper sport um, this is this is a huge deal england australia competing for the ashes i'm not going to go into why it's called the ashes uh, look, look it up google it but uh, uh, it's a it's a really big deal for england really big deal for australia this was a fantastic opening uh, test match came right down to the wire australia won boo but uh, yeah, re- really, really, really good. And I think we've got a fantastic Ashes series ahead of us. Let's just summer. state, Andy, there's more people watching this, watch that test match than live in America. Because like, wow. Indi- India were tuning in to this, right? And they were far more interested in this test than Americans have sports. So let's just get that. It's a big game. Absolutely. So, yeah, there was a little interesting moment, wasn't there, at Edgebaston, in, uh, which is the cricket ground in Birmingham? There was uh, a moment when Darth Vader was hauled out of the cricket ground by security. And this was on the telly, and there was various photographs of it on social media and in the newspapers. And uh, they, they absolutely loved it. There were all sorts of Star Wars-related puns. The dark side of cricket. Mm-hmm. May the fours be with you. Even Jonathan Agnew, the legendary BBC commentator, he asked live on air, has Darth Vader actually been arrested? Uh, Now, some saw the funny side. Um, It was on Father's Day. Darth Vader, not exactly the model father. So uh, that uh, tickled a few people. But it came out eventually that this guy was a fan Again, it's a traditional thing, isn't it, with the ashes with cricket? Some people like to go along in fancy dress. And this guy had got actually quite a good-looking Vader costume. And, you know, the full black cloak and the helmet and the lightsaber and everything else. But what he'd done, he had stepped out of line. He'd been a naughty Vader. He crossed out of the seating area, went up close to the boundary boards uh, right at the edge of the pitch, which you can't do. And the security guards had him. He was escorted out of the ground, or at least out of the uh, playing arena. He must have got a really strict ticking off, but uh, he was allowed to come back to his seat to watch the remaining uh, part of the game. An official tweet from Edgebaston read, Much speculation over Darth Vader's Edgebaston appearance. The Galactic Empire Commander-in-Chief strayed onto the boundary perimeter. The dark side we can accept, but not pitch side he watched england v australia from his seat anybody else see that it was funny and he was, was quite it? tall as well he was he did make a good vader i wonder whether yeah. he's sort of five, five or first or something maybe but uh, yeah that was that was hilarious cricket does need a bit of lightening up from time to time so uh, <laughs> it's pretty exciting test i thought i was, I was glued to, i had it on the radio for five days yeah I, you know, it was pretty cool. I mean, that's a, you know, this is something about this that we'll never understand. Yeah. Any other sporting connections? I can remember some football teams have played the Imperial March as they're sort of coming out the tunnel music, haven't they? Yeah, I think Sundon used to have, um, I think it was Sundon had the Imperial March for a while on their uh, tunnel when the I think it was in Sunderland when the players were coming out and they had that for quite a while, actually. Or it might have been Spurs, can't remember, one of the two. And uh, that was their theme tune for... A, a little while as the, the players are coming on but yeah it's not a first yeah, time. No, I mean I, I, American sports seem to have Star Wars days at baseball I was going to say it's a baseball thing isn't it mainly yeah. it seems to be yeah they seem to have like actual you know gifts and all sorts going on but you know we don't seem to embrace that here I'm not sure whether you know it's just one of those things we don't do 
But there yeah. was a similar thing at one of the Newcastle games when uh, YIG88 turned up. Did you see that? Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Death Star approaching. Estimated time to firing range, 15 minutes. See you at LFCC. Oh, yeah, so LFCC, Showmaster's uh, flagship Comic-Con, returns to Olympia, London on Friday the 7th, Saturday the 8th, and Sunday the 9th of July. They have a big selection of guests from the various kind of film and TV, you know, across the board, but it's quite a big um, selection of Star Wars guests. The headliner they've got is Tamara Morrison, aka Boba Fett from, you know, he used to be a clone trooper back in the back in the prequels and uh, obviously in the book of Boba Fett, so he's there. Danny Trejo is there, and they're doing a double photo opportunity. And then there's your normal range of, uh, like, Ewoks and uh, people from... Uh, a couple of people from Andor there as well. And there's a big Star Wars zone being organised. I think they did this um, last year, maybe the year before. So there's kind of, like, concentrated area of the the con where the, it will just all be Star Wars-themed things to do and vendors and kind of, like, various various people. Well, there's, there's, a, there's a new Facebook group that you can uh, you can join for that, which is Star Wars Zone at uh, London Film Comic Con. You can find that on Facebook and see all the wonderful things that are going to happen there. So, well, uh, who's going to be going to London Film Comic Con? Is it just me? I'm going on the Saturday. I was going to be going to see. Um, I was going to be going to my Ghostbusters new Ghostbusters cosplay to see Ernie Hudson get to sign my pack because Dan Aykroyd has signed my pack, but Ernie's pulled out now, so I can't do that. So I'm, uh, I'm trying to think what I'm going to do next. At the moment. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to go. Um, one of the guests that's a standout for me, I'd love to meet, is Eric Walker, uh, who we had on the show as a guest uh, a yes. little while back played mace in the uh, ewok movies really really nice guy and i'd love love to meet him and have a chat but uh, don't i think we've got something else on that weekend there's a lot of ewoks on that on that list isn't there there are there are e- ewoks jowers uh, quentin pierre the um bespin guard mike carter bib fortuna um as you say some folks from andor it's it's a it's a good lineup good star wars lineup Canadian Con covers cartoons and Kenner. I think Jason better stay quiet on this one. Well, I think we need to know from Jason as to whether he's going or not. This show has been built up. Yeah, Jason. It's Schrodinger's uh, Con for me at the moment. I am uh, week seven of my application to get what's called an ESA, which is the electronic travel visa. I found out today that the wait time is five minutes. So um, I'm only a little bit over the five minutes at the moment. What I'm doing now is I'm kind of trying to raise on their portal and ask uh, what's happening with my application. Um, the deadline for me to submit documents was May the 19th, so over a month has gone since then. I've kind of queried twice, and I've not had a reply. So, Are you getting the message yet, Jason? They don't want you over there. Yeah, I, I, I can't get I mean, I'm at the point now, even even if they... I just need to know, and it's even if they say no, at least I'll know and I'll be able to go and do something else because it's just getting ridiculous now. Yeah, they're, they're worried about cardback supplies in Canada. Yeah, they're thinking, yeah, they're thinking that, that uh, you, you'll be hoovering up all their stocks, they'll be left with nothing. I think yeah. I've already done that, so... <laughs> now, you, you better tell us, Jason, what this actually is all about. What What, what is the con? 
Oh, the Khan writes, may the North be with you. So it's like, it's the Ontario Star Wars Collectors Alliance, OSWCA, and um, it's their kind of big con in Canada, in Toronto. Um, it's the second one. They had one last year, and this is the second one. And they've all all kinds of uh, lovely special guests. They've got Roger Christian, a Star Wars production designer. Gordon Warren is the pro- production manager for Urban Toys Canada. Jim Swerigen, uh, we, all, we all know. Lawrence Jacobs, animator and assistant director on the Star Wars Holiday Special and Ewoks films. John Celestri, an illustrator on the Star Wars Holiday Special. Brian LeMay, who did layout artist work on Nirvana, Droids and Ewoks. And it's basically it's a three-day event. On the Friday, there's a dinner in the hotel with the convention's special guests. Uh, I've got a ticket to that. I'm looking forward to uh, going if, I, if, I'm, if they'll let me in the country. Saturday is the main convention. Um, so on the Saturday, there's loads of panel discussions with you know the key the key guests that they've got there. And then on the Sunday, that's the general kind of day, which is kind of open to everyone. And you know you have all your toy vendors and stuff like that there. So yes, I'm looking forward to it. But please, please, please give me my answer so I can go. So, you know. I'm, you know as well as doing that, I've never been to Canada, so I'd really like to go up the CN Tower. I'd love to go to Niagara Falls and have a look around there. But, you know, I really want to be doing those things and making those plans, but I can't get my answer at the moment, and I really need one of those. So, please. Did we give the dates? I'm not sure. Oh, the dates. It's the August the 4th to the 6th, it is. So it's about seven weeks away at the moment. Seven weeks, and I'm seven weeks into applying for an ETA, so I'm about halfway there before the deadline at the moment. Jason always seems to manage to get the general into every Star Wars conversation. <laughs> the general? Yeah, he did. I haven't mentioned Medina, have I? No, but you mentioned the general. Oh, well, there you go. That was a, that was a Richard joke there, Jason. Star will be in range in five minutes. Somehow the Emperor has returned. This, I love these type of stories. These pop up every now and then, don't they? The childhood toy found many years later. This one's after a little bit of digging up the front garden. So this is actually from Brandon Hannibal Donkey. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, he's got a, got a better name than that. Which, of course, is his real name. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And he's, uh, I, I think this is Twitter rather than Instagram, at BHDonkey1. But it's been reposted by, and we're going to be hearing a lot from Cesar V. Jacques uh, on these uh, on these stories coming up. So Cesar V. Jacques has put this on the, the 12 back group on Facebook, reposting Brandon Hannibal Donkey. And essentially, they've been putting in, uh, uh, it says, replacing irrigation in the front yards, so I guess digging a drain. And uh, it's the house he grew up in, and he's taken it over from his his parents, and he's found his old Emperor Palpatine Star Wars action figure. He's been buried here in the dirt for 35 years. Now, this resonates with me as my my only two action figures from childhood are ones found in my parents' garden. But but lovely story. It's a very dusty, sandy soil, and it's worth looking at the the, the post on the 12-back group just for the comments. Now, so I don't know anything about Star Wars, so even the title of this, Somehow Palpatine Return, uh, half the people posting there wrote that. I assume that's some uh, some reference to the new films, isn't it? Uh, yes, like, it's, the, it's the Rise of Skywalker reference. 
yeah, it uh, means nothing to me, that. But, yeah, I've seen it everywhere, and it's what we've called it. So uh, I assume that that's good. But that's one of them. But I like the other these other two comments from uh, Bjorn Alden Brosdal. Why do I always get the funny names on this? Well, not that it's a funny name, but it's difficult for me to say. Uh, I hate sand. It gets everywhere. And if you look at the photo, that's that's very apt. And then Joe Covert, which uh, I don't know if that's a real name or not. It's a good name. Uh, still a better story than Last Jedi. So I like that one as well. Oh, I, I saw this picture, and the first thing that it struck out to me, it looks staged. It just doesn't look like it's weathered 35 years. Is it just, like, been really deep and well-preserved? Because it just looks like it chucked in there. My my figures that came out, so the sand person, Tuscan Raider, he came out just a bit dirty. So he looks he looks old, but you wouldn't have known he's been in the soil for that long. We've also got a Hoth rebel soldier, and he's got some really weird discolouring. So one of his legs has gone green. But yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't know they've been in the soil. They just look look a bit weird. So I, I, and they might well have been an, an, an archaeology trick. So. Uh, blowing open time team here but everything they find on time team they've already found they put back in the soil and then are filmed finding it again because they're not filmed all the time this could well be something like this they've already found the emperor and put him back in the soil for the photo they've almost certainly not photoed him as soon as they found him have they so, yeah because you can see there from there's too much like you know bracken on top isn't there around him yeah. Simply having just been dug up, so I assume he just put back in for the effect. Rubbed his chest clean or something like that, because his chest is very clean there, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. if you yeah, if you you know, if you ever find something in the ground, you you go, oh, what's this? It might have been like stuck in a bunch of muddy rubbish. Oh, God, crack is the emperor. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that's probably a secondary image, isn't it? But put it back in the in the ground for a photo. But yeah, nice story. And we had Darth Vader was the most recent one, wasn't it? I think uh, someone found a Darth Vader buried in their garden. Wasn't that also that one that those people do the? I often watch their videos on TikTok where they are down by the Thames when the when the tide kind of goes out. Oh, the mud, go, the mudlarkers. Yeah, they go and look for the, the the sort of treasures that get washed up, and they found that I think it was yeah. a Darth Vader or something. Then was well, that was that, that was, a snow trooper? It yeah, was. That was a, a, a grey limb snow trooper. Yes. It's interesting that that should turn up there, or had it just weathered? I've never found a vintage Star Wars action figure. Well, you're obviously different. not looking hard enough yeah to exactly you're just like wandering the garden you need to get digging in the garden yeah right. the, the the vader um thought you'd remember that andy that was actually found on an archaeological dig ah, i was wasn't it, it? Was a, the some, dark, some, the dark some ages. castle yeah, <laughs> yeah dark, dark dark side ages yes and the um and the favorite one is still the stormtrooper in the tree oh just, yeah yeah he grew, grew up around him and i think actually someone posted that picture again on this uh on this thread but yeah well well worth it always nice to find proper vintage in the wild rebel base one minute and closing the squad commander what's going on with the squad commander this is a very strange <laughs> image in a catalogue photo that Craig Stevens posted on the Star Wars Phenomenon in Britain Facebook group. Now, I have never seen a photo taken and reposted so quickly as this one. This one was on every group within minutes of Craig posting this up, and not many of them credited him, to be fair. But this this is the source. So Craig Stevens has put this up. Now, actually, our very own Andy Preston asked the question on this uh, post, I think, saying, what catalogue is this from? And no one answered that, did they, Andy? Mm. No, they didn't. And uh, I'd, I'd love to know. It's clearly a British catalogue, because obviously the prices are in pounds. Yeah. But, uh, 
you you pointed out the weird logo. So the Flintstone is a, it looks like it, it could be from an Argos catalogue, except it's got this strange hybrid Star Wars Return of the Jedi logo in the corners. It looks more like the Empire Strikes Back logo than what Return of the Jedi actually appeared. We'll we'll come on to how the catalogue page has been assembled in a minute because it's a great story, but it looks as if this is a, literally a cut-and-paste job. Uh, I think what they've done is taken an Empire Strikes Back logo, cut out the wording, the Empire Strikes Back, because in the white racetrack, there's actually a gap where the word the should be, and then they've inserted Return of the Jedi, where the Empire Strikes Back would be. Ah, well, possible. Well, that actually ties in nicely. So let's let's do the story. So they, so Craig says, I came across this image while I was doing some browsing. I was surprised I hadn't seen this particular catalogue before. There's also a weird-looking Star Destroyer Commander action figure. Tut! Star Destroyer Commander, which I presume was a little bit of fakery conducted when the page was originally assembled. I would have jumped out of my chair as a young fan, believing that there was a Star Destroyer Commander variation out there. Now, for those who haven't seen this image, essentially there's a row of figures, a very green Gammy Guard, Emperor's Royal Guard, the Star Destroyer Commander, Darth Vader, Boba Fett, and a Hoth Stormtrooper. Now, if you look at the Star Destroyer Commander, it looks like he's got a flat cap and sideburns. So it's, uh, it's very odd. And there's loads of like discussion. Is this a, a strange prototype, um, a custom? Blah, 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 blah. And I think Andy actually just, just summed it up by saying it's a cut-and-paste job on the logo. It's also a cut-and-paste job on these figures but because it's not really sideburns. It's just the side of his, uh, as I so eloquently put it earlier, his mixing bowl helmet. They kind of left the top of the helmet on and the bits that attach to his head. But for some reason, they just cut the rest out. So he's given them this uh, this flat cap and, and sideburns look. And there's loads of people talking about this on, on all the uh, different groups. But there's loads of other stuff going on in this photo as well. So the, the X-Wing has its guns on back to front. So the, the, the cannons are pointing to the rear. We've got the Atat with no canopy on the head. Has anyone else spotted any other oddities on this one? Has anybody else even seen it? I don't I think that's it. Someone mentioned the ATST's guns are on upside down, but that's a bit nuanced that one for me. But it's a lovely, a lovely image. Yeah, you know, if anyone knows which catalogue it's from, maybe someone speak to Craig Stevens. And it's flat capped Star Destroyer Commander. Rebel base one minute and closing. Admiral Poppins. What's this about? Whose who story is this, Admiral Poppins? Well, this is our friend Cesar V. Jacques again uh, on the Twelve Back Group. He's, you like him, don't you? He's great for stories. He's, he's out there. He's doing our work for us, Pete. He's out there. Get him in. He's scouring. Yeah, that's a good interview. Let's get him on for an interview. He's scouring the internet, Facebook, for these great images. Now, this one is a Lily Leddy advert and it's a little bit similar to the one we've just been discussing in, the, in this unknown catalogue in that someone set up the the photo who appears to not really know very much about star wars and it's called admiral poppins because key in this image is admiral atbar doing a princess layer or uh, an admiral layer from whichever of the sequel films that was when she's flying through space to get back in into the ship. So Amar Atbar is flying between the uh, Well, the I think Amar Atbar did indeed fly through space when he got blown up. We so it's completely accurate. It's very prescient. But anyway, 
Caesar says, uh, Lily Leddy, December 1984 catalogue, was the last one to come out before the factory closed its doors the following year. It was believed this advertisement appeared with a fair number of mistakes, supposedly as a result of the creative freedom given to a photographer unfamiliar with the character's roles in the saga. Now, that, that all makes sense, but this is the interesting bit. But... In the very words of Louis T, son of Lily Lady sales manager, who did all the photography around the display here shown, they weren't mistakes because we didn't know what was being done. We did that scene between my brothers, my mother and one of the secretaries from my father's office. He was the sales manager of Lily Lady at the time. My father took these photos with his 35 mil camera and sent them to the directors of the company. They liked them. And to our surprise, they used them as promotions that appeared in magazines such as Vandidades, Reader's Digest and others. In addition to being included in the catalogues used by sellers, my father's office produced some promotional material since my mother is a painter and plastic artist. So at some point, my father asked her to help him decorate the showroom. Between them, they put the ideas together and we, the children, participated in the work. Those mistakes were rather the ideas we had as children from five to 12 years old. For example, my older brother was the one who put Akbar flying. For us, it was just fun. My father's showroom was a sensation in these years. I wish we had photos of everything we did since one of the last jobs we did was a scene where my mother painted the second Death Star on the wall and we hung it. Ships like in battle. And below we accommodate hundreds of Imperials like in the scene where the Emperor arrives and everyone is formed. Great memories thanks to my father's work. Now, apart from the obvious Admiral Atbar floating in space, there's a Klaatu wearing a low grey hat and a low grey without a hat at all. Nine Nam is inside the astromech robot slot in the wiring and looking very happy too, I think. And Weequay is looming over a Vader TIE fighter in mid-flight. <laughs> Jabba has a misshapen head. There's a second Akbar, a second Weequay and a second Nine Nam, among other things. Thanks to Lewis T for allowing me to share his beautiful story. Now, I really like the other one he's not mentioned there. You've got Yoda sitting on top of the, uh, the Millennium Falcon manning the top guns. This is just a great image, isn't it? Has anyone seen this it's also, uh It's also completely back to front as well. You know, they, they published the image the wrong way around. Is it reverse? So, co- yeah, the Falcon cockpit's on the left rather than exactly. the right. Yeah, yeah it's just, Well, it's on the right or the left, but, uh, yeah, it depends on which way you look at it. But, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's a total... Uh, well, yeah, you say it's mistakes. not mistakes. It's just kids playing with toys. Be, wouldn't that be brilliant? You you playing with your toys, getting photos taken, yeah. and then appearing in a in an advert. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, there's Admiral Akbar's brother, Dave Akbar, in the Cap 2. He's obviously, he's obviously killed Bosk and nicked his <laughs> Cap 2. Because, you know, Jabba's obviously the wrong way around as well. You know, that's the place that's the wrong, wrong way around. Jabba's yeah. tail goes the other way around. Yeah, it's another one for your T-shirt, Pete. Another T-shirt oh, for you. That'd be a great T-shirt, that would be. I mean, look at the, uh, you know, the Y-wing getting blown up. Well, whatever, fireworks or something. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Akbar's having his fill. They also thought he was a flying fish boy, or maybe he was jumping from the Y-wing to Darth Vader's Tie Fighter. So he was going to take Vader on because we don't know anything about the Mon Calamari, where they can fight with sticks or whatever. It's not Vader though, is it? It's Weequay. Well, Weequay, yeah. I mean, Weequay Vader. Darth Weequay. Darth Weequay, that's your Can't game quite again. quite see yeah, yeah, I think that's... it's a, a fun image. You know, that's what it should all be about. Yeah, play him. Yeah. I mean, you know, who says that Akbar's not the most evilest being on the coast? Maybe he's captured Nine Numb there and he's stuck him in as a prisoner. And he's <laughs> making him do R2-D2 things. In sp- he's actually dead because he's obviously suffocated. <laughs> 
And uh, those cl- and that Gamoran guard has probably nicked the back of the falcon as well and taken it away. That's why it's on the land. I love that image. I love the story as well. It's brilliant. That's that's the best rubber beef we've had for a while. See, Andy, that's a compliment for you there, Andy. <laughs> yeah, don't get he's starting to he's, he's gone from it's like a love-hate relationship he's got with you today yeah. I mean he's been horrible to you now he's giving you all the love in the world next to be taking you on a dinner date wait till we get to the tenty you won't like that oh no what, well okay well you might let yourself down hang on everybody I have an exclusive immigration refugees and <laughs> citizenship counter information status Etta approved. Oh, my <laughs> it's happened. Do you have to go over on a boat, though? I am going to Toronto. Hey. Congratulations. Somebody warned Port- Akbar style. Wow. Somebody warned Chris Porteous. Wow, that's amazing. And it happened live on the show. How about yeah, don't, that? don't drive into a major city with Chris because he gets into trouble with the uh, congestion charge people. I'm well, blaming Chris. Uh, uh, any Canadians out there, lock up your cardboard. Mr. Palatoy is coming. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're going to get out of the country, Jason. I think they're going to, they're going to, you'll be in prison. They'll be free the free the uh, whopping one. That'll be it. And your cat will be like leading a campaign to have you freed and get home so it can be fed. Rebel base, one minute and closing. Tente, tente vision. What on earth are you talking about here, Mr. Norton? Well, guess who put this post on the 12-pack group? Is it your yes. friend? It's Caesar V. v. Jacques. Jacques. I hope I'm saying his name right. Caesar V. Jacques. He's gonna, he ain't going to talk to us if you haven't got his name right. He's going to think, oh, my goodness, there's awful Vintage Rebellion idiots. Can't get my very, very basic name right. It's, uh, basically, I, I, sort of, I, I make a note of these posts over the month and, and save them. And, I, I, you know, I, I hadn't tweaked that they're all his. And I went back through my, my phone with the photos of them. And, they're, yeah, they're all his. Now, this one means quite a lot to me so i had tente back in the day and i still have my two space sets today actually so they weren't things my dad saved and uh, weren't sold in the car boots and the Sorry, what, what the hell's tente well says ten- if i know what you're talking about tente is like lego it was a lego type toy dennis fisher i thought in my head it was sort of a pallet toy thing but was, as you see on the photos dennis fisher uh, so it's always the same thing, isn't it, Dennis Fisher, Chad Valley, Palatoy. They released it here, and it's little Lego pieces. I think they did more than just space, but they were the sets that we had. And it was good stuff. Probably not as sturdy as Lego. It was slightly different, but clearly clearly very similar. I don't know which one came first. I assume, assume it, was, uh, it was Lego, but there was no copyright issue back then. But... This story that's um, that's come from Caesar V. Jacques is essentially Tente almost released, let's say, a Lego land speeder back in the 70s. Now, our entire childhoods would be completely different. The amount of time I spent making Lego Star Wars ships from Lego, if, ten, if they were actually sort of shop-bought ones back at that time, imaginations would have been dull, that's for sure. But I'll, I'll, read, I'll read the story out. So... Uh, Star Wars Lego in 1979, this one's uh, titled. If you were a child in the 1970s or early 80s, there was another choice of building brick system other than Lego. That's exactly as I just said. Tente featured exactly the same size elements as Lego, but was completely incompatible with it. Yeah, it was much sort of much wider holes at the uh, the bottom, so it didn't snap together quite as as neatly. It was produced in Spain by Exin Lines Bros. S.A., 
Um, it was made available in the USA and Japan by Hasbro and in Europe by Kenner. Now, someone commented on this and said that wasn't that wasn't strictly true. So clearly in Europe, it wasn't Kenner. I think Meccano did it in France. We had it as Dennis Fisher. It's similar licensees to Star Wars, essentially. Uh, when Kenner was awarded the rights to produce Star Wars toys, Hasbro sought to enter the market via Tente. In 1979, the design department at Hasbro came up with a concept for the Landspeeder using standard Tente pieces combined with some new elements. Tente's astronaut figure, and I can I can put some photos of my, uh, my space up, actually, because they've still got the astronauts, was to be adapted to resemble Star Wars characters with its hands able to hold accessories. The Tente lightsaber, especially, is very similar to Lego Star Wars line launched in 1999. This is 20 years apart. You see the blueprint of this lightsaber. It could easily be a Lego one. And it would have been interesting, to say the least, to see how the toy would have developed. Ultimately, Star Wars Tente became one of the many proposed tie-in products that was not greenlit by 20th Century Fox and Lucasfilm. The blueprint image is from latentatech.com via Kevin Preston. Now, Kenner made Tente available in Britain via sister company Dennis Fisher and later Chad Valley. When it came to manufacturing and distributing the Star Wars toy range in Britain, Dennis Fisher found itself handling the items that Palatoy did not want. Yeah, we, we've covered that before. With Star Wars Tente, Dennis Fisher might have taken priority for once. It seems doubtful, though, if Star Wars Tente would have reached these shores. He's obviously talking about the US if it had been produced in the USA by Hasbro. Toy companies often cooperated in making their products available in different countries. Palatoy, for instance, produced Action Man under license from Hasbro, but such was the Star Wars gold mine that was probably would have been beyond any boardroom deal at that particular time. Star Wars Tente may have fallen short of a full-fledged product, but it remains a tantalising footnote in toy history. Now, I take it none of you had any Tente then? Never heard of it. No, I didn't. In terms of the story that you've just read out, I have a funny feeling that Cesar may have taken that from our friend Craig Stevens. Ah. Because uh, I, I think Craig put a post up like this on Star Wars Phenomenon in Britain, that's easy for me to say, quite a while back now. So that may well be the origin. So again, credit where it's due to uh, Mr. Yeah, Craig yeah. Stevens. Actually, reading through that, I think Kevin Preston is in the UK, isn't he? So this is it does read like it's a British story rather than a US one. Yeah, and obviously, as you say, Caesar's trawling the internet for these stories and putting them all in one place, so credit to him. But yeah, I think a, a credit to Craig would have been nice if that is where it's come from. But uh, what a great, you know, fantastic. Never heard never heard of a, a Lego-style blueprint for any Star Wars toys back in the day, and I, I would have loved that. I must say, the Luke Skywalker figure there, his legs look quite similar to the astronaut Tente's legs. But the uh, the rest of him is very different. Chris here. 
for this month's interview with Andy Norton. How are you doing this evening, Andy? Hi, I'm good, Chris. Good to see you in person again. Yeah, it's this is going to be fun. So this interview has some really great timing for us because myself and a few other local Ontario collectors are putting on an event in August called May the North Be With You. And we're going to have panels, a lot of special guests and a toy show. And um, this month's interview guest is going to be one of our very special guests at May the North Be With You. And that's going to be August 4th to 6th in Toronto. So if you're anywhere nearby, especially in the States, you should sort your travel plans immediately. But we are very, very, very happy to be joined this evening by Roger Christian. And, you know, to this audience, a lot of people probably already know Roger's name, but, you know, he won an Academy Award for his work on Star Wars and uh, a nomination for his work on Alien. And of particular relevance to this audience, he was the second unit director on Return of the Jedi and The Phantom Menace. So we are extremely pleased to be joined by him this evening. How are you doing, Roger? Very good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Roger, I mean, it's real privilege meeting you. Um, I read your book, Cinema Alchemist, uh, when it came out, it was 2016, 2017, around that, around yeah, that around time. Yeah, around then, yes. Um, and so, first, I mean, a fantastic book. All about, I think, for me particularly, what I love about Star Wars and what I love about Alien is the look. The look brings you in as much as anything, and you you are so much that look. But first, first question I had for you: So, Cinema Alchemist is the title of your book. It's a fantastic title. Where did where did you come up with that? Um, you know why? It's I thought I. You scrap metal, and I got an Oscar for it. So I turned base metal into gold. <laughs> so I thought, okay, alchemist, that's what the um, true meaning of it is. So I thought that might be appropriate. And I think it's very appropriate because <laughs> you, you, I think a shoestring's probably too strong a word, but certainly cinematically, uh, Hollywood budgets, you weren't working with a huge amount. Can you tell us about that that process of of sourcing the materials that created the look first of all for that for Star Wars and 19 when you were yeah. when you were looking around? We started 75 actually um, in August. Um, there was only John Barry the designer myself and Les Dilly the art director and George and Gary and that was it. And George paid Fox didn't green light the picture. So George paid us from his own money. We set up in a tiny studios in um, London. And having got back and having read the script finally and hearing the budget from Peter Beale in London, <laughs> we all thought, how are we going to do this? Because it was just not possible. And um, so we, we kind of just... I've always thought outside the box. And I also my first conversation with George in Mexico was when he said, I'm trying to make the science fiction film. And I said, well, I don't relate to science fiction movies so far. I think they should be old and dirty and gritty and real. Nothing's real that I see. It's all fantasy. And um, I said, I, I think it's like an old car dripping oil in a garage. Well, little did I know at the time I was designing exactly the Millennium Falcon <laughs> that George had written. So um, that's how it started. And then we, we got into London and um, I just, I, I broke my script down, had 10 pages of stuff. And I thought, well, this is 
not going to be possible. I can't do this. And plus, we knew the shoot date was looming once Fox greenlit. So there was no time to do the conventional art department, which was why really no one else could do it but John and I, I think. And um, we we had to make R2-D2 work because there was no radio control was really primitive, despite what the special effects guys in England said. They were very, oh, we're going to be great. We knew it wouldn't. There no CGI. There was nothing. C-3PO we knew we could make, but not R2-D2. So we made him around Kenny Baker. And I, I was buying bits of scrap junk already to stick on him because we made a wooden one with a lamp top on the head. And he was was he one of the first things that you you made because you fe- yeah. he features heavily in your in your book and and, and I, I sort of had a, a thought about that today because some of these some of these props some of these robots they're so iconic because they are made well not with everyday objects it was a you know it was a big lampshade wasn't it the yeah. original prototype <laughs> head but if you had today's technology where you could three D print whatever you wanted do you think that the character of of the props of the stars essentially r2d2 c3po do you think that they would be as they are do you think or they'd be would they be different who knows i mean you know everything's i'm i'm always one looking forward i don't look back except for the star wars and the origins and everything but there is a certain you know that george wanted a spaghetti western in space and basically you know i love sergio leone's westerns made for a million dollars in oh there you go in spain (laughs) to me they were all more real than these big massive hollywood westerns that they make and i think there's what i think picking up what you're saying i just think there's some organic process that happens that gets up on screen because everything is kind of cobbled together and made to work and it's real everything we did was real you know God bless um, Ralph Macquarie because he drew R2-D2 and C-3PO. His six paintings we had, Star Wars is there in those paintings, this genius. But honestly, without R2-D2 walking, George didn't have a movie. It wouldn't be possible. So um, we, we set about to make that work and conquered that. Um and we knew C-3PO would work. So my th- how this whole use thing came about, I particular peeve with science fiction weapons in the past. And I know I've made a few myself. <laughs> I had two for, for a couple of films. But um, so I just thought, you know what, I'm going to go to Bapti, who I knew, the gun hire place. I got the Sterling submachine gun, and I could have used that as a science fiction weapon. They're so beautiful. But I just stuck T-strip around the barrel, got some of the boxes of old, unused stuff that Baptist had, found sights, stuck those on the top, and created a blaster that could fire. Actually, some of the shots early on on Star Wars, there is smoke coming out and a bit of a flash. Unfortunately, the um, rejector for the bullet casings went the wrong way, so it was hitting other stormtroopers. <laughs> <laughs> So George had to say, all right, I'll rotoscope that later. And I, and I, Han Solo, as always described by George as a Western gunslinger, and I found that Mauser that I just thought looked exactly like a sci-fi version of a weapon. It had a wooden stock handle. And again, I just stuck things on the top sides. 
And that's when I called George over with John Barry because I hadn't told them what I was doing. And I, it was my kind of make or break moment. Would I get fired or this was on the right track? And George loved them and stayed with me. And he got his fingers covered with super glue. And we made Princess Leia's gun in there, sticking bits on it. That set the tone. And I knew then I could get done what we had to do. And they only greenlit the film in December the 22nd. So we moved into the old British... Um, Associated British Picture Studio, which became EMI, on January the 6th, we were shooting at the end of March. I mean, two and a half months to do this big a sci-fi picture was like, it, it's it's a testament to my last words in the book saying, don't let anyone tell you you can't, you can. Yeah. And I've kind of grown up like that. So I think I knew I could not do what, Ralph Macquarie had painted and what George and John Barry were talking about with the Millennium Falcon. So, and I knew airplane junk was nothing. It was sold by late in those, by weight. No one wanted it. So they flew me in a little light aircraft around four airfields where there were mountains of scrap. I can't tell you. It was like manna from heaven. And um, so we just bought a load of it. And I think in the book, there's one thing. Frank Bruton was the biggest prop master. He used to do Stanley Kubrick's movies and um, huge films. He was in charge of everything. And I was standing next to him in the prop room because I'd had him clear it out. I said, we don't need anything like you've done conventionally before. There's no furniture. There's no curtains. And this low loader backed in. And honestly, on the back were about six Rolls-Royce Derwent jet engines, there was scrap, and it backed in, and I I just heard his voice, you know, you're mad boy, don't you? (laughs) But bless him, he was one of the very few on that whole film who supported me. He just said, up in my office, boy, tease on in five minutes, what do you need? So I said, I need tools, I need to teach the prop boys how to break it down. You can't just stick it randomly on walls, it has to be engineered like a plane or a submarine where there's triplicates of everything. And that's what we did. And that kind of set the tone for everything. You know, John, not having the budget to do much, had um, designed the little prints in, in Tunisia and knew what the regions there. So he took George down there and George fell in love. There was an alien planet, you know, and all John had to do was put a few domes on the buildings and I had to dress scrap. I put airplane junk. I put the food warmers from airliners. I filled the whole place up. We built a crash spaceship that was as big as a Boeing 707. You know why that was there? And it's there when they walked past going into the cantina because there was an olive tree and it spoiled this desert landscape. And we certainly couldn't cut it down. It was a winkum for a farmer in Tunisia. So <laughs> okay, I, I had yeah, to build it. appreciated that for the book. Yeah, and I, you know, I was driving scrap down to Tunisia. Everyone thought I was mad, but there wasn't. I mean, Tunisia used everything that was there, so I would take scrap. I built that out of the we, – we bought a vac-forming machine that was very new at that time, and John Barry was kind of always umming and ahhing about it because it cost $10,000 – but they've printed out C-3PO, all of his stuff on it. 
they printed out huge numbers of panels that they just stapled and recreated the um, Death Star interiors out of them. And I grabbed a whole load of those and I stuck them on the crashed spaceship and got a blowtorch and burnt them so it looked like scrap metal. I mean, it's, it's, it's only a short way of encompassing it, but that's how basically the film was done. Yeah. Minuscule budget. On the on the subject of that, um, I really appreciate that you've sort of taken to telling the story of of the original production of Star Wars, and and you've really sort of embraced it. And uh, and I I, I I recently rewatched a Galaxy Built on Hope. It's my second time watching it, and uh, I I wanted to sort of ask you about it from a sort of director's perspective because there's a lot of stuff going on in that movie in terms of presentation style like you've got virtual backgrounds sometimes it's more traditional interview format sometimes david west reynolds is almost giving a presentation that you're right. that you're watching and involved in and you've managed to fit little nuggets of story of about you know people like liz moore or uh, bill Harmon. who uh, bill Harmon is just a real character in the yes. documentary and he's not he's not you wouldn't th- he, i suppose my analysis of it is that he's not a natural presenter, but you know, he's around work and he has had an amazing career and you've managed to sort of get him in a way in there in a way that was comfortable for him. And it came off really well. So I was just curious, sort what, what was the approach to that? Did you always know it would be sort of a mixed media type of piece? Yeah, um, two things, actually. One, again, it was made like the first film with no money because like, we couldn't get backing for it. And it's privately backed by a um, producer here, Ritu Sharda, and a producer in Los Angeles, Stephen Nia. They did it. Um, they came up with the funding for me to do it that was bare minimum. Um, so I was actually planning on flying around interviewing people all over the place, and COVID happened. And we were landlocked, as you know, in Canada. I mean, you couldn't get in or out. So right. um, I'd, I'd had a um, demonstration. I'd been taken down. There was a virtual studio in the middle of Toronto, and I, I went for a demonstration. And afterwards, I let everybody go, and I went to the um, CEO, and I said, um, I think you've just answered a problem that I have. Would you be prepared if I, I want to do a Star Wars documentary? That word opens the doors. <laughs> and they did it at right. cost for me. It was we were the first person to really use it freelance because they made children's programs. Um, so it saved my bacon because um, I could link up to Bill in London directly with the studio. So he and I were together basically, but in different cities, but we could talk together. Um, and that kind of solved a massive problem for me. And then I th- you know, I've looked at a lot of documentaries and writing the book and John Rinsler, the, the late John Rinsler, who's a dear friend who was the head of literature at Star Wars, he he um, helped me a lot structuring it because I would, I would put down loads of ideas and all stuff like that. And him being a New York Times bestselling author and, you know, he ran the Star Wars Insider magazine, everything, he just said, no, no, start at the beginning and end and just shaping it down like this. So I did. And I knew, you know, it, like there's so much controversy over the lightsaber. Everyone says, nah, there was only one and everything. When finally I got David French, who the man where I got them all from, who's talking on camera saying, yeah, 33 went into the production. We sold him 33 for 800 pounds. Can you imagine? Amazing. And, um, <laughs> 
And I wanted Bill because no one knows him. Bill used to make um, props and sets for the Monty Pythons. And I'd done commercials with him. And Bill was always a joker. He was always funny, natural comedian. So I knew he would be okay with no money and doing what we were doing. In fact, the wooden R2-D2 is marine ply from his garage. And the speeder that we had to make, Luke's speeder, that we also knew was going to be impossible. How are we going to do it? So we built mock-ups. And the first one, Bill brought some wheelbarrow wheels from his garden. (laughs) (laughs) We used that and put it on that. So I thought, I've got to get Bill in here. He's such a comedian, you know, and he lives here in Toronto. So um, those people, and then David West Reynolds was the one who grabbed me. When, when I was directing Second Unit on Phantom Menace, there's an annual picnic at uh, the ranch at Skywalker every July. I was there. Suddenly this young man came barreling down to me, you're Roger Christian, I need to ask you a question. Don't know what's going on. Wow. And, They'd lost my interview that Charlie Lippincott had done with everybody on the day. It had gone, um, vanished. So when John Rinsler wrote The Making of Star Wars, I was hardly in it because he couldn't find who did all this stuff. And then David is the one who forced me to write the book with the blessing of Lucasfilm. Um, And um, so I thought he's a natural because... He, he's the one in the first Star Wars book he did. He created how the crystal worked and how it would attract a Jedi and all of this stuff. So he's and he's a great Star Wars geek. You know, he's dressing up all the time and everything. So right. I thought he'd be ideal. And then there was so much stuff, and we only had a limited time and budget. So my editor and I did it all together. They... I, I know Urban Post here, the um, post-production house, the, the owners are friends of mine. They allowed us to have one editing sweep for one year while COVID was on because we were safe. We would go in, everything was monitored, and he, they only allowed a certain number of people. We were within that. So he and I spent a year putting it all together. He did it all in his edit suite with me. We did all the special effects, all the compositing, everything. We did it ourselves. So... And I also knew that now it, it's going to they, – they need to sell it to a streamer. So we've broken it into six episodes now, and I knew that was coming. Um, so they're now trying to organize that and try to get it, a sale of it somewhere. Um, and so, that, yeah, that's partly why it was done that way. So um... – like is that a I don't know if that's out there. So is no. this is this streaming version uh, going to be longer? Is it going to have cut content? Or is no, it's the same length. No, we okay. put everything in. I just said to them we we should do a fan special, which is the two hour twenty, which has got everything the fans have ever asked me about, and also about right. Star Wars, and then um and and the philosophies, everything behind it. I thought we'd just pack it all in there, and everything that. Every event I go to, every Star Wars thing, I'm asked all these questions. So I thought, right, I'm going to throw it all into one. Right. Well, I suppose we're contributing to that problem yet again. But, uh, you know, I did <laughs> I did just watch it. And, you know, I absolutely encourage everyone to find it. And it looks like there'll be some news uh, where they can find it more easily soon. Yeah, they've got to find a place for it to find a home. So we'll see what happens on that. Yeah. Nothing's easy these days.
one one other thing I wanted to ask you about is um I I believe I've heard you say it might have been in in the film that the the sort of interior hold of the Falcon was probably your favorite set on Star Wars and um I just uh, I I was thinking about that a lot when I was rewatching the documentary because that's one of those sets that man has Lucasfilm and Disney ever got their money out of that room you know what I mean like it's it's you know Star Wars was made for 11 million dollars it'd be interesting to th- think about what fraction went into the making of that set and then think about them rebuilding it as precisely as they could for much more money 35 years later for example and the fact that now there's two or three theme parks that you can walk into an approximation of it it's uh, that must be a, a, a very uh, strange experience for you yeah, I mean, it's, you know, that the, the first set we ever did, I dressed up was the um, cockpit. And that was the one that George signed off on. And that um, um, we, we, the first one was um, done a bit more like 2001. And then I came in and messed it up, put in old fighter pilot seats and messed it up a bit, and made it a bit more like it should be. But that big set, I, I, I was buying junk and putting it in and it looked terrible. And I was buying more junk and more and sticking it up and six. And I would despair that people would come round and look at it because I thought they are going to think I'm mad. This isn't going to work. And um, we just persevered. And finally, suddenly it just looked amazing. And then people would walk around and go, wow, this looks like a real ship. And I knew then that this crazy idea would work. Um, and once we'd aged it a bit and dripped oil on it and everything, but I think, yeah, I always say that's the set where that I got it right, and then that's really the trigger for Alien. That set is is um, is knowing that I could do that whole Nostromo and make it look like an army truck that Ridley wanted. Did, but, did you have the same? Because with the budgetary constraints you had, I, I would, so from a Star Wars perspective, I'd, I'd be interested to know what would be different. If the budget wasn't slashed, essentially was slashed by 0.7 million dollars, what what would have looked different if it hadn't? Is is Alien essentially what Star Wars would have looked like if the budget hadn't been slashed? Possibly, yeah. I mean, it it was um, again another risky venture for Fox because it was an R-rated science fiction film, so they didn't know it would work, um, and Ridley's same idea i want an army truck in space you know and i i understand that language i don't need it explained the the poor designer came to me and said i don't understand what he's talking about because he'd never done science fiction or hadn't got a clue of this hardware um and i think my brain worked that way so it was a you know it was a good kind of connection put together by destiny i guess for george at that time but um, I just think, you know, those armies of props putting in pipes and dirt and putting in, we were breaking down old telephone exchanges, anything I could get my hands on that looked interesting, we'd stick into it. Um, and I think it goes back to your original question. I just think it bleeds through the screen somehow, you know, and I, I look now and see a lot of pristine stuff or a lot of it's done CGI now. And amazing. You can do anything now. There's it's it has turned the corner i mean they're now making stuff look real and old um so it can be done now 
but way, way higher cost than than we would had done the first one. And I think, you know, what what would happen if it hadn't got to the screen the first one? Because it was touch and go that it would get made. Do those junkyards still exist? If someone wanted to be uh, the next you, <laughs> could could they do that? It, it's... No. No, after Alien, I, this is I found this out because I was off doing other, my own movies and stuff. I found this out on um, Phantom Menace. Rick McCullum came to me and said, "You know what I had to do? Now you started an entire industry in Britain. Now you can only rent that stuff at huge <laughs> cost." For Phantom Menace, they brought in planes from the Texas junkyards. It was cheaper to buy it there and fly it in to Tunisia and London. So yeah, no, it changed. <laughs> <laughs> And the, and the other sort of, sort of slightly linked question, and going back to something you said before, um, so I, I was reading about uh, Luke's macro binoculars that you're clearly very pleased with with how they looked, but being worried when Koo Starks throwing them and, and, and eventually the lens was lens was lost. Uh, Sorry. What is, what, yeah, look. I was wondering. Can you see that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> My nightmare came true. Yeah. See? Yeah, I met the actor who played Biggs and um, recently in Toronto, he was at a, a Comic-Con in Hamilton and uh, he gave me the picture and there it is <laughs> with the lens <laughs> fallen off it, which we managed to get on for the shoot. Yeah. But but I was thinking, so, you know, this, this stuff, so you talk about superglue. When you were making up the Stormtroopers' guns, gluing on the T-strip, when they're firing, is stuff you mentioned the cartridge would be shooting out, hitting a stormtrooper. Were bits falling off the guns as well, or, or was it pretty? Yes. Could it withstand that? Actually, the super glue worked really well. The gun stood up, and then and then Baptist made a few that were screwed properly and done properly. So for the background, and they printed off some in. Um, they they molded them and made a few, but yeah, things all the time were were falling apart. Um, first day of shooting, C three PO had never had the full suit on. There was no time, and Norman Reynolds popped down. Gold tape was holding him up, um, and when when I, I visited George about seven or eight years ago, when he was. Um, digitizing the six movies for that Blu-ray release. And uh, he, he came out of the theater and he said, come and look at this. And he said, I've had to almost redo the entire effects of the film. And on Darth Vader, on the first movie, you can now, it's digital, see all the gaffer tape holding it, everything in place. So, yes, it was <laughs> exactly that. You got away with it with the film. The film softens things, you know, and the way it was. But once it's gone into digital, every detail shows up. All the the map the map paintings show up more, yeah. and the the, card, the cardboard yep. soldiers in the, uh, the middle. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of interesting uh, details, especially around the way things were shot. Because, like in the in the first film, there's not really a close up on the on the graflex hilt per se like you no. don't it's it never takes up too much screen real estate no. and of course famously the first time they tried that in empire strikes back you can read the words made in new york on the bottom of the thing yeah so it, how much knowledge did you have of how well these things would be scrutinized on the first film on the first one i actually covered 
I got silver tape and put it round the Graflex names and everything. So I covered all of that. Um, and then knowing the way George was shooting like a documentary, I knew that he, he wasn't one to go close up, oh, here's a new toy, look, let's do it all in close up. It was just part of the action for him. So right. as you say, and there's no not one shot of the end of it apart from Empire, and that set decorator, I still rail against it. He changed and he stuck rivets to hold the T-strip in, which to me ruined it because it's a mystical object of the dead Jedis. And when you put rivets in, you think, oh, this is humans made this. It, it was wrong. Um, unfortunately, he'd never done science fiction before, and they didn't have a kind of... I don't know, I hear excuses, or maybe the glue didn't stay on in in, um, in the cold. I don't know, but I would have... Super glue's pretty good. I just use the basic super glue, and it pretty holds up in light or not. So, yeah, that... It, it's They're interesting, these how history, because I watch so carefully um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, and I wondered if Dave Filoni, who's a stickler for everything that I did on the first one, when that lightsaber was going to be revealed in the desert, when he put it down. And then, yeah, he went back to my original without the rivers. Yeah, I'm, I'm partial to the bubble strip myself as well. There's, yeah, it the just, bubble it strip. It just picks up light. It yep. picks up the light really nice. Yeah, way. and they put in cheap computer kind of items. Anyway, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I had to make three up because one had to go to the special effects boys, John Steers, because it was my idea. I, I was playing around with front projection material for art installations and things, and I said maybe if we put um, a rod and paint it, we might pick up a bit of light. And, and so John Steers put a motor in one of my hills, and... It did work, actually. The DP railed against it, but it actually picked up some light, which helped. And more than that, it helped with with um, Alec Guinness and Dave Prowse on the fight with Darth Vader and Obi-Wan because we had decided the blades should not go through each other. They should be like conventional swords so they could hit the sticks and know not to go through. They broke quite a few of my sticks then, but um, that's... Um, so. There was always three made, and there was, in the end, as he says, David French, here's the words from the actual source that 33 went and was sold to the production. That's how many hilts there were there. So it, it's it's some anal collector and fan has said, no, there's only one. There can only ever be one. So I answered that without having to argue about it. So because you, you describe your sort of influence – for for Star Wars being you know that wild wild west life, you also describe it, it. Sounds to me like the actual process of filming Star Wars was like the wild wild west. <laughs> you had all you had the you know the the issues weather storms losing the roof. But back in Tunisia for the life of Brian, in the curfew, you were at real risk of being shot. So that <laughs> can you tell tell us about that experience? No. Yeah, we uh, that's the Pythons. We we um, we landed, um, and it started then because 
Terry Jones got uppity and didn't want to stay in the line. And then he got a gun, threatened with the gun, go to the back of the line. He was screaming like playing Brian's mother. We thought, oh, it's going to start already. And they sorted that out. That was the first recce. Um, We're in the hotel and they wanted to go. Somebody had told them about a restaurant way out. Oh, we had to go there. So we all piled in three Mercedes, drove fast out there. The drivers kept saying, we've got to go. We've got to leave. And the Pythons were having a great time and fun and everything until finally the driver came in and said, we are going now. Ordered them out. We drove. I could see <laughs> Terry Jones terrified with his eyes like this in the car. We were doing like 90 miles an hour down terrible roads, screamed into the city as tanks were rolling in. And we got in one minute to nine when the point was you got shot if you were on the street. And there was no, you know, people were being shot there. This was no holdback. It didn't matter if you're a python or not. That's how it started. It was like a python sketch, actually. Yeah. And we, we were all looking out the balconies, watching tanks and hearing shots and stuff going on. Um, but the whole thing, again, was pythons were very low budget. And, um, and the whole thing... We lucked out. Zeffirelli had made Jesus of Nazareth TV series there and left these amazing sets. So I just can, took them and reworked them all. Um, and, you know, Tunisia itself, we, we shot the um, Life of Brian, the, the end. Um, let's all look on the br- bright side of life with the um, crosses. That was built right where Luke's homestead was in Matmata right the same place exactly we set it up there yeah it was another it's another book really but i just i thought (laughs) i could take up any more time i gotta keep working but did you (laughs) was there that sense of threat outside the curfew hours when when you're doing the filming and doing your work i didn't feel that um because we left tunis which is where more the hotbed and we were in sus which is a holiday area Um, And we were kind of contained down there. So we were actually out of that. No, we just had to deal with tourists and people coming in because it was a tourist hotspot. So jumping around a bit, the other other thing that came, going back to Star Wars, was it was a different sort of conflict. It sounded like, you know, people were very, particularly the the British teams, were quite sceptical of what you're doing, but also led to some of the funnier moments in your book. So particularly, you mentioned earlier about R2-D2 not working in the in the desert, the remote control just not working because of, of the dust, but you having the, the backup on essentially fishing line and uh, and John Steers basically saying, well, it's, it's not his fault, his one didn't work, it was the taxis. Yes. You know, that must, there's, there's sort of a few, a few sort of lighthearted moments like that. Do, but do... I, was the the overall experience one of of conflict, or do you was it no, generally it was a, a happy happy time on on no on not set? at all it was total conflict. Um, when when we moved to the studios, EMI, first thing they did was put all the weapons that I made and stuck together myself um, on a table. There was Chewie's crossbow. I mean, all the things that I worked out at. And the first AD, the prop on the floor, a whole load of them ADs all came down, looked at what I was doing. The, the, 
he actually picked it up through the stormtrooper's blaster at me and said, this is crap. Don't you realize we're doing a science fiction film for an American director? And went off to get me fired. And that started it. And it was like that. And if you watch, there's a very interesting Christopher Nolan, George Lucas interview on YouTube, and which George never really spoken about much. But twice he said in that, he said, you know, Christopher, there were only five people stood by my side on that entire shoot, and that was the art department. Um, we were already friends, having spent four months with him, but we, I was also making my dream job. You know, even though there was no money, I was doing what I had creatively been aspiring to since I was young. Um, and, yeah, the, the there were terrible camps, you know, mostly led by the DP on one side, and there was John Barry and my and me and Les and Norman and George and Gary the other side. And I, I, I witnessed terrible things being said, awful. Um, George is unpolitical, just gets on with the job. He just doesn't register it, doesn't argue. He just had a job to do, and that was to pull this film through. You know, and it, it, The stress put him in hospital. I mean, it was stress. They thought he was having a heart attack, and it was stress. Towards the end, it was not friendly, no. It must have given you mass massive satisfaction to see the final version. Did, yeah. did, the, did those people that gave you such a hard time, did they kind of ever acknowledge wow, this worked? Is it kind of was, was nothing ever said? Nothing was ever said, but uh, um, uh, the DP did write a revisionist kind of article that was put onto Star Wars Insider, and I read it, and it was such a false information, a revision of history. So I immediately wrote a response to it and gave it to John Rinsler, who wanted to publish it, but he was stopped from doing so. And then at the end of his life, Gil Taylor published something for um, Red Dwarf. Um, they did, a, I think, an interview with him, and he said, yes, my only regret is not getting to know George Lucas a little bit better. Hmm. Um, you know, that was very late in his life. That's about all I've ever heard. The rest of it, you know, there's a huge lines of people now who made the lightsaber and who made this and who made that you you hear all sorts of people now who did all this stuff but that's why david west reynolds forced me to write this book and then really they went on and on at me saying you've got to make the documentary on it because it's for the legacy for the future because you know kids now they see hollywood huge movies and everything but this started in a in a way that was um yeah it was a low budget kind of string and ceiling wax i think we call it as an old british expression <laughs> well it was extremely uh wonderful to be joined by you uh this afternoon roger you. and we'll do more we'll be there i'll be there anyway the main north be with you and stuff so Exactly. So, um, you know, we've got, I'm sure there's uh, plenty more interesting stories and Roger's going to do a sort of Q&A style panel at May the North Be With You. And hopefully we'll try and ask him some stuff he hasn't been asked 17,000 times before. Sure. I'm fine. I, I love Star Wars and I'm, I'm very supportive of how it is the only thing that's connecting to the planet at this moment of good and evil and um, with the right 
message for children, everything. So this is why I'm fully supportive of it, and I'll do everything I can. Well, thanks very much. We appreciate it. Roger, it's been yeah, it's been an absolute privilege talking to you here this, this evening here in the UK. Yeah. Um, I'm very jealous. I'd love to be over um, in Canada. May the North be with you. Um, I won't be there, so I hope, hope you have a wonderful time. And uh, Yeah, it'll be fun. Thanks, thanks again. Okay, thank you. Our live C-section this month is Sigma. They started in the late 1960s and were based in New York. Sigma was actually the giftware division of its parent company called Rockville International, which was located in Garden City, New York. After 10 years, Rockville International became a part of the Towel International Company, which is a leader in Sesame Street and Star Wars products. The Towel or Towley Company also made many of the Muppet products, including the Comet for a cookie jar. So uh, the Sigma company was not a producer of giftwares. Sigma was more into importing and or distributing giftwares. So I thought they made everything, but there we go. Maybe not. So if anyone's got Sigma items, any you've got Sigma items out of interest? Sigma? No? Yeah, yeah, got a couple. Just have a look whether there's anything on a box that says who actually made it. I've got my picture frame to hand with a little label on there. I thought... Which picture frame? The C-3PO. C-3PO, yeah, because it was apparently a Darth Vader one as well. So. They may not have made them themselves, but I bet they commissioned them. Same way as Kenner commissioned the figures from these Hong Kong and Chinese yeah. factories. Exactly. I, I assume there was like a Sigma factory, but obviously they didn't do that. So there's what you've learned today, Andy. There you go. Made in Japan. That's what made it says on it. Made in Japan. So some company was churning this stuff out. Uh, I think we all know it is lovely. I want to know, do your parents have or own um, ceramic objects? Now, I, if you watch like an antique show these days, people like, you know, love their porcelain and ceramics and stuff. But I remember watching a show and some guy collected all this ceramic stuff and, you know, he thought it was going to be worth millions and it was worth, the guy said, ah, it's going to be about, you know, 50 quid. And he had this entire like caravan outside his house full of this stuff, just not worth anything. Just wondered if any of your, I don't want to know if you did it. I want to know if your families had a collection. My mom had these plates and cups and stuff. Floradora, that's it, Floradora. She used to have it and kept it, thought it'd be worth fortune, not worth anything now. But it's quite nice in its own way. Did your families have a ceramic thing going on? Did they collect it? Did they display it? Did they use it? Because it's just not something you see much these days, do you? Just one out which I have interest. So let's think. Uh, spoons, communists, probably not. They probably had cups made of clay. They made themselves in their communist oven. Preston probably did have some kind of teaware, tea setware uh, handed down by the grandmas. Jason, probably metal cups. And Richard, let's face it, it was going to be... Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they did. Maybe up north they did have nice cups and saucers and things like that. So anyone whose family have a bit of a ceramic thing going on, spoons. Well, you're totally wrong there, Pete. I think oh. Probably because although I've got communist family members, my family wasn't actually communist. So we did have Western things in our house. What? And actually, we had tons of ceramic stuff. Because oh. my mum used to collect in fact they're making a little bit of a renaissance now mm. those ceramic dogs that you see on the end, either end of a mantelpiece or something so <laughs> black and white or black and brown king charles spaniel types they'd have mm. a, a gold chain on them 
yeah, black black and white spots. And yeah, they are. They suddenly they've uh, they've gone up in price. I think she got well, dog collecting. Yeah, it's dog memorabilia because a lot of people don't have kids and have dogs, so they they fill their houses. I've seen this on and yeah, on sort of collectible shows. Dog related merchandise of all sorts tends to be a little bit more sought after. Very interesting. Mm. But she but she also had a collection of ceramic shoes. I've no idea what happened to them. I'm basically mo- a lot of this stuff was smashed and super glued by my dad because me and my brother would be kicking a ball around in the living room or something. <laughs> so we we shoes. weren't always well, clogs or actual shoe shoes. Well, like um I think these are sort of all sort of Victorian things. They were sort of like pointy, a pointy lady's boot, that kind of thing. She had a, just basically, if it was interesting, ceramic and shoe related, not shoe of an related. of an age. She had um, she had a few of them. So yeah, we had a little glass fronted cabinet in the living room with shoes in. And then dogs on pretty much every available surface. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why you became a collector, Andy. I wonder why. <laughs> it's in the genes. Okay, uh, let's go to Jason. Ceramics. We kind of I remember we had Silver Jubilee kind of coffee mugs for the the Queen's Silver Jubilee, which was in 1977. I'm going to say. So I remember those very distinctly, and. There were various other things in the china cabinet that um, that my mum had. I don't know where they've all gone though, because I was looking. I was home a few weeks ago, and um, none of those kind of things are there anymore. So I don't know where they've all ended up. But yeah, I do remember them distinctly as a kid though. So. Mr. Preston. Yeah, well, I was I was interested to hear Spoons mention the dog collection because my mum had exactly the same King Charles spaniels, the uh, the the brown and bluey grey markings on them um she had several of those but we always had spaniels growing up um mostly cocker spaniels but the uh, we, we, had, we had a king charles spaniel as well she would collect spaniels not from any particular ceramic line but anything that she liked the look of um she would have so we, we had this this uh, huge collection of ceramic spaniels <laughs> Sounds so weird to say out loud, doesn't it? Ceramic Spaniels. It really I does. Be a, I could be a really good punk band. <laughs> the Ceramic Spaniels. That, that really would work, wouldn't it? Uh, the other thing I remember was my grandparents who had a collection of Toby jugs. Do you remember Toby jugs? Oh, yeah, Toby jugs, yeah. Yeah, anybody who doesn't remember these, a Toby jug was a, a, quite a big um, sculpted-shaped jug, pottery jug. And they were in the form of really grossly exaggerated caricatures. Basically blokes down um, a pub, weren't they? Yeah, pretty pretty much. Sort of a figures from history, like you might have somebody who looks like a farmer or someone looks like a pirate or, um, you know, just just sort of yokels. Would you take the hat off, Pete, to pour it out? I think so. Was that part of it? I think most they were just open, weren't they? Because they were just like, you know, decorative things in pubs you'd normally see. Yeah, I mean, these these were never used... It's up on top of the bookcases and so on, yeah. but uh, yeah, that, again, what a bizarre thing to collect. But I think, if, quite... I think if you like beer and pork pies, you would normally have a Toby jug. That sounds about right. <laughs> oh, my dad. Well, I think I'm sure we had a couple sitting around somewhere. Probably again, probably like I said, like with Andy, probably got kicked in with a football. I probably <laughs> thought, nah, let's not let's not replace them. Okay, so let's get to the the show, which is Richard. Have had anything like this? Did you, Richard? No, nothing. Plastic cups. No, absolutely nothing. It doesn't matter what it was. If it was breakable, it would have been broken. 
<laughs> and we would your sister have thrown it at your head? Probably. But there was Excellent. we we had nothing of any kind of collectible. It just wasn't the dumb thing. Really, just nothing in the house. Just nothing. Plain walls covered in newspaper. And... Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. An odd painting would hang up, and they would be surprised and say, what, "What's the point in the painting? What at all? Why would I have a painting of a tree? It just didn't make any sense." So, yeah. Why do you have this image of your house? The painting is just like you know, uh, just a field with a. Oh no, no, it's talking it something. I, it's more, I would much rather have had like a Star Destroyer's interior, you know, just plain, plain walls. It's Not even a spaniel, deep. spaniel, an image of a spaniel, maybe. Nope, minimalistic. Well, well yeah, it does sound very minimalistic. Right, talking of minimalistic, this isn't minimalistic in Sigma. Uh, I'm trying to think, of, I think I've, the only Sigma item I've got, I think, is the. I've got a placemat. I've always kind of loved some of this stuff that they produced. I think I'm right to say, Andy, there was no Star Wars, Star Wars items in the Star Wars era, was there? No, they, they took off the, the line for the Empire Strikes Back. Yes. To kick off, I've, I've actually got two items of Sigma. One, one is a Leia Boosh figurine, which that I bought nice. with... It is nice. I bought it with some other tat, and uh, that is, that that is on my uh, that is in my sale pile. So uh, if anybody is looking for one of those, that is that is available. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other one is the only British piece that uh, Sigma did, or or actually Towels Sigma. It was sold okay. under, and this is the metal anodized silver uh, money bank money box. Stands probably about eight inches high, something like that. Uh, figure of Darth Vader. Um, he's uh, in his sort of classic pose, his cape draped around him, his hands on his hips. Uh, in the back of his head, there's a slot to put your coins in, and in his base, there's a rubber plug so you can get your money out again. Nice little collectible. Um, came in a black box, and uh, yeah, that's, I think, the only Sigma piece that actually was sold here in Britain. Mm. Good knowledge, Andy. Because I mean, I I was looking around and found this guy's website, and he's a Jabber collector. I think it's it's quite a big website, and he actually, I, you know, I've I've always looked at these figurines they did. I know I'm just jumping slightly ahead with the um, the Empire Strikes Back stuff and Return of Jedi stuff, but he, I, you know, what I looked at, I thought, cool, you know what, that looks pretty good. So he had a bit of a setup with Jabber the Hurt and all the kind of figures that would kind of fit into that scene i didn't realize they made so many of kind of like the jabber's palace kind of stuff so he had uh, you know he had things that featured in the canteen and some things featured in jabber's palace it looked really good actually it was a really beautifully vibrant setup so it's like, oof, a little bit tempted now a little bit tempted but not quite yet so maybe that boosh figure andy will be coming back with me from echo i don't know maybe we can do a trade i'll trade you some adjacent stuff and you give me your stuff it's <laughs> always a that. good deal so right, Empire Strikes Back. So um, did Empire Strikes Back feature anything? I'm sure I saw a box or something with actually the logo with Empire Strikes Back. Because I know we've always talked about it never features. They just go straight to Return of the Jedi or stick with Star Wars. I'm sure I saw something Empire-y. Hang on, I'll have to look now. You just know what? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, there's not a lot on the SWCA under Empire Strikes Back. And what there is, um, they got uh, pictured loose. I think I saw a Sigma box for sale on Deal or No Deal or something like that, Pete. But yeah, I think they, I think the logo was used somewhere. 
Yeah, again, SWCA has got images from the 1981 Sigma catalogue. Yes. So I'm looking through here, but again, it's all the products pictured, but no boxes. That catalogue is, let's talk about that catalogue, because it is quite it is quite cool, actually. So there's um, the cover of the catalogue. It's as if someone's thrown the <laughs> into the air by high speed, and they're coming down. It's like, I'm a little bit concerned about that. So it's, it's called the Star Wars Collection. Uh, it's 1981, Sigma, the taste setter, which was their strap line for a lot of products in the 80s uh, before they stopped doing things. And I think it's 1989 they stopped doing things. Um, and, but, yeah, that was their strap line. So you'll see that a lot, Sigma, the taste setter, which I think is quite interesting, quite an interesting name, the taste setter. They've heard that before, have you? No, I haven't. Interesting. But I had the same thought as you, Pete. These, these four mugs, figural mugs, look like they're about to smash to the ground don't you in my OCD <laughs> yeah I'm worried about I mean, it I, uh, I, I'm, I'm desperate to sort of reach out and see yeah catch one yeah exactly catch one but I mean the, the catalogue is great it's, it's a great um, uh, sort of intro into Sigma you see it and if you if that had been a catalogue that kids would have looked at they'd have gone ooh that looks nice because everything is so wonderfully done and vibrant it may not be the most accurate stuff in the world and we'll come on to the the, the comedy stuff but it, it, yeah, it, it, there's a certain style and, and grace to it. Although I have to say, it just made me laugh. The the Landspeeder soap, they've got the biggest soap bar on the planet, and they whacked it into the, the <laughs> into the Landspeeder. They, they haven't really even have. tried cutting that down to make it look really. Nice. No, just get, is that bar? So yeah, I'll do. Massive bar. So that's got to be big in it because that that is not a small item. So they really rammed that in there. But. Uh, there's some really lovely, lovely products on that catalogue. And the catalogue, I mean, that said, that image is very striking, even if it will send you over the edge if you're worried about uh, dropping these things because uh, ceramics do obviously break very easily. But it was also interesting to see the prices as well, the price of this stuff. It went cheap, was it? It wasn't, um, bearing in mind that these are the retailer prices as well. These aren't the prices that yeah. uh, it was sold to the public. Exactly. So, I mean, I mean the Luke on Taunton teapot, um what was that 18 pounds 18 bucks 75 so whew, that was a that was a big lot of cash that you could buy a an attack with that that is not cheap is it and then uh, the darth vader cookie jar 20 dollars. star war display star war display 40 dollars. what was it what do i mean by that is that the shop display well i'm assuming so so i guess you got to buy because it's not in the it's not got like a catalog well it has got catalog number it's a slightly different catalog number but it's got the darth vader picture frame and it's got star war display I wonder what that is yeah because there, there is a store display isn't there um which is fantastic a great big black shelving setup they must mean that so you buy it for your shop and then yeah. this product so yeah but yeah star war display not they've missed they've done a Stuart Skinner and put uh, missed out the second S. Uh, should we go through some of the products because there's some absolute uh, we we know there's some crackers absolute crackers. So let's start with Empire. We've had there's a, there's a couple of banks, a Chewbacca ceramic bank and a Yoda ceramic bank, which yeah. are I mean the, the Yoda's beautiful. I think it's the Yoda's stunning. beautiful. The Chewy Chewy looks like he's on the toilet. He does. He really he does. does. He's just trying to find the, the toilet paper on the back. He's just trying to feel for it. Where's the toilet paper? I need to get this off my fur. Or Han's going to moan about the seat covered in ploppies. Yeah, at the the angle this one's photographed, it even looks like there's a cistern behind him. Yeah, I mean, what is that? I've no idea. He's on anyone... the toilet. <laughs> he just looked like he's on the toilet. 
what's he hand what's he do what's he handing very naughty Chewbacca there very naughty I don't know is it <laughs> is, is it is it a backpack like he carries C3PO in possibly I don't know on the back of the something the something holding him up on the on the bookends as well he's got there's Darth Vader which seems to have a collar on him and uh, again Chewie is kind of kneeling down how did they, how tall do you think Chewbacca was yeah, I mean, how, how he's sculpted, I think it's just supposed to be a sort of action pose. He's, you know, he's crouching down, he's perhaps trying to avoid blast of fire, whatever he's doing. Yeah, but he's got a gun. He has. But it, it really does What's look that? as if he's uh, as if he's uh, dropping one out, doesn't it? He does. Uh, I think that was too unstable. They put uh, There's a white piece kind of supporting him. So whether it was too heavy or something, they went a bit top heavy with him. I don't know, because he's, he's got a band. Again, he's got a collar on him as well. What's going on there? What is going on there? That Very That strange. is an odd one. Yeah, so I need to uh, clear that up. I think these are really, really nicely designed, even though they're not, you know, they're not sort of ceramics. Are the mugs, the decal mugs, which do look beautiful today. I mean, they, you know, whenever you see them being sold, apart from the plastic, sometimes looks a bit yellowed. The actual imagery is really nice and clear. And you could easily give these to your kids because, I mean, like the Bubba Fett is so iconic looking. Beautiful thing. And, of course, a twin pod car car. On there as well, really but... striking artwork, aren't they? Yeah, really lovely. Bright primary colours, yeah. um, clear lines, uh, it, uh, almost almost comic art, but really nicely rendered. Where else in the Sigma line does this artwork relate? Uh, on the placemats, obviously. Placemats, Indeed. Which I have. I mean, yeah, because I mean, this is on the placemats. The one I always laugh at is the the stormtroopers holding Princess Leia Hoth. So where do they? What was that all about? So they've captured Princess Leia in her Hoth outfit. Well, it's it's an empire set, isn't it? So it is, it is. But like, when, when did, I don't remember that bit. Yeah, she. Um... I mean, it looks like it's on Cloud City, so I'm assuming that's that's where it's from. But you know, she's sewing her Hoth outfit, but with her best bin hair. Yeah, she's got a jacket on, hasn't she? If if you lose yeah. the jacket, then that's pretty much what she wore on Bespin. Well, yes, yeah, so, she did for little parts of it, but so yeah, but I mean, did that did that happen? Oh, well, I don't know. But she's with Darth Vader as well. So was that a bit of a fantasy image by somebody? Uh, I th- I think so. I like that sort of thing though, because it's sort of kind of like ah, oh, you can imagine that did happen somewhere that they you know when they did capture the the uh, our heroes, you know maybe they they said All right, you know take off that Bespin uniform, put on this beautiful Hoth outfit again, and go running. But so yeah, see if you're an RT one. Fairly plain, but beautifully done again. Lots of colour, lots of blue. Uh, you know, looks really nice. But that's again, that's a Star Wars image, isn't it? That's in the control room. Certainly looks that way, doesn't it? Or possibly, if you look at the roof, possibly the uh, prison cell on Bespin. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But yeah, I mean, those two weren't together in that aspect on Bespin because no, Fabio didn't last much longer. Got blown up. But those mugs and also, I mean, we can talk about the placemats as well. Placemats are great. I've got, I think I've got the Princess Leia one because it was, I think I got it because it was so silly. They are big, the placemats. Huge things. Yeah, I don't recall seeing one in person. I've got, the, obviously, the British Icarus ones, but these these are bigger, are they? Well, what I've got is pretty monstrous because they come in a set. And uh, I think Richard, uh, Toys Tatooine guy, is often selling them individually. Um, but yeah, they are pretty large. Because there's two that amuse me. There's obviously the Princess Leia one with Stormtroopers, uh, which again on this particular one, it looks not like um, in the corridor before, but in a in, on the Death Star. <laughs> it does. <laughs> she's she's snuck out of Bespin. She's got on a ship. She's nicked off to the next Death Star being built, and she's been running around. Darth says, "What are you doing here?" And got your Stormtroopers to capture her. And then they obviously let her go. And then of course you've got Boba Fett and Chewbacca, that dynamic duo. 
Well, they're obviously mates, aren't they? They're stood yes. there side yeah. by side, looking yeah. into the camera, yeah. pointing course, their blasters not at each other but at the at, at the viewer. And of course, yeah. we do have the Empire logo on the on the first placemat with the, oh, the droids one. Yeah. yeah, so we actually do have the logo again. So it's good that they went. They were brave with the logo, but. Yeah, not sure many people remember a couple of those scenes in the film. Maybe three scenes. Where are Boba Fett and Chewbacca there? Where are they? Very good question. It, it, it's got to be Bespin again, hasn't it? It's the best. Well, it's in the clouds, I guess. But like, what, what is... I think Chewbacca was double-crossing Han Solo. He said, come on, let's work together. I'm sick of this guy. He's always picking on me and telling me to do things. Let's, let's stitch him right up. Well, almost looks that way, doesn't it? Uh, I, think, I think it was a scene. I think there's a script here. For a different Empire Strikes Back. I don't remember these scenes, but uh, there we go. Right, but they are, those places are great. If you ever get a chance to get one, they're a great display piece because they are pretty big and you can put it in a nice kind of A3 frame, put it on your walls. It's actually pretty cool. Uh, and they're big and, they, and they're really, really good material as well. I mean, mine looks like it's just been printed. So there's just no wear or tear on it. And they are quite fairly easy to get hold of. I mean, I think I paid about 15 quid for mine. You know, next to nothing really for a lovely piece like that. Yeah, so as you say, any toy show, go and see um, Toys of Tatooine, Ben and Rich. Yeah. I'm sure they'll sort you out. While we're on kitchenware, the world of Star Wars fantasy child set. <laughs> that sounds so, so wrong on so many levels. Which is just wonderful. This is a box set um, with three pieces in there. You've got a plate, bowl and a mug. And the artwork on these is just <laughs> wonderful. I have a look at this earlier, and it was the the creatures on the table, on the, the Jarek table, are just hilarious. Yeah, I mean, this one was sold around the time of Empire Strikes Back, but the, the pictures are from Star Wars, aren't they? <laughs> it's the creatures. One looks like a three-legged kitten, white kitten. One looks like a, I don't know, a dinosaur gone wrong. And the other, I don't know, I'm not quite sure what that is, a Buddha? <laughs> it's a, a very brilliant. strange thing. Oh, they're great. I want, I want, a, I want, an, I want an actual action figure of the white kitten. Is that a shmoo? Remember the new shmoo? Is that, that the shmoo? You, you might have something there. Or Casper. <laughs> I reckon it was a new shmoo. <laughs> you know. I mean, you can't beat... I mean, you know, is, was there a new shmoo action figure? Anyone know? Is that of interest? But that's definitely the new shmoo. He snuck in there. Yeah, but the, the artwork on here is great, isn't it? Just look at the expression oh, on Chewie, Chewie's face. Yeah. Chewie is about to lose. He, he knows yeah. he can't get out of it, but he's thinking, if I sit here long enough, we'll come to wherever we're going, and uh, they'll have to, we'll have to call it a draw. Oh, he's just going gonna to smash the two robots together and make a new robot. Yeah. Because uh, 3PO does look a little bit nervous. He's like, uh-oh. And Chewie's like, yeah, I'm going to lose, so you're going to lose. Yeah. It's a little bit strange for a child set, because, again... Uh, would you cheat, would you let your kids have ceramic or china or whatever it is? It's a gift set, isn't it? So it's the sort of thing that you might give for a, even a christening present, maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd let kids have that because uh, that's going to get broken in literally two seconds. They're just going to get upset because you've not given them the right coloured strawberries and they're going to throw that across the, the uh, thing. And also, do you notice that 3PO looks a little bit chubby around the face? He's got a little double chin going on there. Fatty C-3PO. He's had a, yep. a few in too fact, many luxurious baths. If you have a look at the mug that comes with this set, which has got the droids, and again, it's a Star, about. Star Wars image. It looks yeah. as if it's in the uh, Death Star control room, doesn't yeah. it? He but does I mean, that's, bit, that's where Fatty is. He does look a bit porky. He's definitely got porky there. Yeah, that's one for the us more chunkier boys. You know, a fat 3PO mug. Something for us to uh, cherish along with our rancor keepers. 
Yeah. And then the third one in the set is the bowl, which has got R2-D2 in the middle and some control panels or yeah, lights smashed. or something around smashed. the side. Yeah. Just smashed. Yeah, no yeah, point. Yeah. I bet there's none of these left, but that's the only one left because all the kids would have smashed these to pieces. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want. I don't want that on my thing. I'm smashing. Right, Pete. Fun stuff. Come on, fun stuff. Fun stuff. Um, you've talked about your bank thing. There was a. Was that a Jabba the? There was a. Where's the Jabba the Hutt ceramic bank? Which I think is absolutely stunning. This is the most cheery looking Jabba the Hutt of all time. And this is the one I saw this guy's display. It looked. It just looks great. So you've got a little mini dias he's sitting on. So he's only a two two kind of pronged dias he's sitting on and he's got a real big cheeky grin on him and he's sucking on his pipe and it's actually a decent kind of like version of Jabba the Hutt I can imagine him you know he's in a good mood he's thrown a few slave girls down the pit I think that's absolutely stunning that ceramic bank and a lot of these things that are practical you know are like banks and cups and mugs and stuff I'm going to assume I'm going to assume that you put the money through his mouth Oh, could be, could be. I yeah. hope it's so. Certainly got a big, wide-open mouth, hasn't he? Yeah, I'd hope so because it'd be really disappointing if there's a slot in his back, because that mouth is asking for you to put coins in there. That would be a missed opportunity, wouldn't it? Yeah, and if that's a big, wide-open mouth, that that coins gonna come out as well. If you're putting coins in through his mouth, I am just a little bit worried about where they come out. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's got to be a hole somewhere, isn't it? <laughs> Oh, crikey. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of putting things in your mouth, cookies. There is a wonderful cookie jar. There is, but it's, it, it's wonderful. But, I mean, it's the start of the C-3PO madness, I think. <laughs> they because he seems to be trapped in, a, in, in ceramic. Um, they've, he's kind of like his legs have been captured in ceramic and he's the rest of his body. He looks, he looks like he's trying to kind of wriggle out. He looks very with, worried. He does look very worried. Um, very concerned that he's lost. He's now because it just looked like he's he's literally standing in a big vat of white substance. I mean, he's given up on on RCD two. He's gone. Right, he's he's malfunctioned. But three people can still get out. He can still survive. But you've got Darth Vader on the on the other side. He doesn't look so worried. No, he's uh, he's quite chilled, isn't he? Yeah, he's chilled. He's got he's got his cookies. He's quite happy about it. I mean, you say it's wonderful, but it's kind of plain at the same time as. There's not a lot of thoughts going to that. Darth Vader on one side, CPO on the other side. I think they started with that, and then they went a bit mad. Right. It's it's time, Pete. The time, time. has come. <laughs> it is time. Three three PM oh. madness. Go. Oh my crikey! Right. So, right. I don't know where to start. The pencil tray. Again. The <laughs> so a pencil tray. Not really something I would think I needed. A pencil tray, because you normally have a pencil pot, don't you? So a pencil tray, that's for, I think, posh people um, who have got trays and pots. You know, most of us have a pencil Yeah, a lot, lot of space on the desk. Yeah, lots of, far too much space. But if he's lying down, then that, it's going to be ineffective, I think, because that's not very good. Because also, 3PO's lying down with his jaunty arm. Um, he's oh, That's got to hurt, because he's got his arm. So he, just describe this. This is a, it's a long um, rectangle tray. Obviously, with an inset, so you can put, you know, pens in there and other things. But you've got Sithbio covering. He's, he's kind of lying down, um, and he's gone round the corner, so he's in that, you know, his legs in front of him. But his his left arm is okay, but his right arm is twisted round, and his hand is atop the other side of the rectangle. It, I mean, you can see his expression. He's in pain there. 
Is he in pain or is it something oh. else? Is, is other is other hands on his hip? He's got one of his knees sort of slightly oh, raised, slightly bent. It looks a little bit erotic to me. That does <laughs> erotic. But I, I mean, I was thinking maybe Chewbacca got very upset because he lost that game. Well, that that is a layer slave pose, isn't it? That is, if, yeah. If you got Leia sat on Jabba's throne looking sultry and sexy that's the sort of pose she's in so it's a little bit concerning to see 3PO in that same sort of pose and, and, and notice how erotic his nipples are I was just going to mention that yeah he's, he's either cold or he's very excited yeah someone really went for the I've noticed that on a few of these things they've really gone for the nipple they went right oh, 3PO's got nipples so we're going to go with that design he does have beautiful nipples now yeah that um, is definitely a sexy <laughs> C-3PO <laughs> Now, you see, I talk about Chewbacca maybe getting a bit upset. So this is why I think that there's a theme here. Now, if you go to the next one, which is the picture frame, I think Chewbacca has had his way with CPO and he's ripped him to pieces. He's torn him to pieces because he's got the word help on there, right? And he's torn him limb from limb. So he's had enough of him. He's been whinging all day about goodness knows what. And he's just torn him to pieces and he's stuck bits of CPO around a picture frame. Because well, why else would that explain why his bits have been torn off? Absolutely. Well, Chewie got it wrong when he put his head on backwards, didn't he? But yeah. so I, I think Chewie was either on something or half asleep or whatever, because he's he's got his leg connected to his arm and his yeah. his, 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 his hands on his knee and oh god, yeah, he's glued him. He's glued him to all o- all over the shop. No wonder he looks worried. Well, he sent help, so something's happened to him. So it's gone bad. Right, um, I'm going to skip one and then come back to it because I think we have to talk about <laughs> the the most aggressive um, CPO thing of all time. This is when CPO really does get a bit miffed on Hoth. So uh, he's been shoved onto top of of a gun turret, or the uh, um, the the gun turret from the placer, and you see on Hoth, and uh, they've gone right, CPO. You know, we know that what's coming in this film. Um, you're going to get smashed to pieces. So get out there, get some revenge in early. So he's aggressively mounting a gun, a gun turret. And uh, he doesn't look, again, doesn't look too uh, happy about things. No, he doesn't. Especially with with very protruding nipples again. Yeah, yeah, he he, he certainly does, hasn't he? Yeah, what is 3PO doing there? Why is he (laughs) in the turret? He's not exactly the uh, person you choose to defend yourself against oncoming attack walkers, is he? And this piece is a music box. Now, I've got no idea what tune it plays. Anybody? Does it, is it a Star Wars theme or is it some sort of random bit of tinkly music? Let's get to the the best ever thing ever. I mean, there's the, nothing will ever beat this ever. It's <laughs> just looking at it. It's like oh, whoever designed this was just genius. The CPO tape dispenser. Has anyone got one of these things? Because I saw one for sale recently, and they wanted a bomb for it. Yeah, they go for lots of money. Like they are, they are such wonderful things. I bet it was a time when no one wanted these, and you could get them for like fifty p. But now, because they are so. I mean, what? I mean, what is the tape dispenser? I mean, obviously he's sitting down in some sort of chair, but I mean, there's definitely some kind of like Star Wars paneling. I mean, is that just like what tape dispensers look like in the Star Wars world? I don't know, but I love the fact that it does actually work as a tape dispenser. You can still use it today. 
Um, well, yeah, it looks almost like he's riding a swoop bike or a speeder bike or something, yeah, doesn't it? He's sort it of does. sat back in that in that pose. He's almost like he's riding a Harley. Yeah. Or the seat has been taken out of a land speeder. Yeah, he could be in there. Could I mean, that's the same. You know, he didn't look too comfortable in the land speeder, but oh, it's just everything about Kitsch that you need. I mean, it's just brilliant. But I mean, someone sat down and designed that, and someone went, "That's brilliant. Let's knock it out." The, the great thing about this piece is where the tape is held <laughs> and how it's dispensed. <laughs> well, tell us, Andy, because uh, you obviously have a theory. About <laughs> well, the spindle that the tape rotates around that's between his knees it is but the tape so the 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 reel of tape extends down into what can only be described as his groinal area well how do you know droids don't produce tape from their groinal areas well they might i mean i i I know one droid who who can uh, attach a hoover to that particular area that's uh, Crichton in red dwarf oh there we go so maybe, maybe but, you know, uh, protocol droids have tape dispensing systems attached, and that is actually, you know, that was going to feature in the film when Luke was doing some uh, stationary-related uh, adventures. And, uh, you know, I mean, Uncle Owen wanted a botchy speaker, but he also wanted um, a, a t- protocol tape, tape dispenser. Yeah, exactly. How do you know? He might have needed that. So he, he's doing his reports on... You know, always, it's, oh, it's always, you have to do so many reports. Uh, so, oh, I, I've just oh. torn this really impeach- oh. important piece. 3PO, oh, 3PO, 3PO let's have your groin over here, please. Yeah, exactly. So he gets in his tape dispensing box and starts dispensing tape. I mean, we didn't, you know, they might have cut that bit out. You know, I need a botchy droid. And Luke, don't forget the tape dispensing from the droid. Yes, Uncle. Of course, I will cry out loud. I think you got some in there. I think we need to re- revisit those early scripts. I think it's in the J.W. Rinsler book. I'm sure of it. But yeah, a just wonderful piece. So kitsch, so quirky, so downright odd. I mean, this this is top gimcrack, isn't it, Pete? This this is what the word gimcrack was invented for. <laughs> you see, I, I'm just trying to think. I don't think. I mean, I could I could search for it now, but I don't think there's been another Star Wars tape dispenser. I'd be surprised. Uh, if it was licensed. Butterfly Originals, the Jedi oh, line. Oh, good thought, Andy, yes. I think they had one, but it, it, I mean, it wasn't of this category. Was it a figurine class. tape dispenser? No, I think it was just a regular one. Um, regular tape dispenser. <laughs> Nothing like this. this. This is genius. So we've talked about the Landspeeder soap dish, which I think is, is fantastic. Great idea. I mean, it, that really utilises the design of the, the item. You know, a big, long front to it. And it, I mean, someone you know, thought about that. I mean, other cities tape dispenser, a little bit strange, but the actual the soap dish, brilliant, great idea, you know, because it, it utilizes the design of the item. Who's driving the land speeder? <laughs> well, it's it's you, you, you've, ben, got, you've got it? a, you've got a massive soap dish. But is is it Ben? Yeah, it's Ben and three it, it could be Ben. He's got kind of a brown cloaky hoodie thing. It's got to be Ben, surely. Is it Leia with a hair down? Could be low, very long could hair. Be, could, could be uncle keeper, thin. Could be Luke letting his hair down. Yeah, could be, could be. Another another great item is the snow speeder toothbrush holder, which looks so awkward, but would have been great at the time. Well, isn't that what every home needs? Somewhere <laughs> to hold is. your toothbrush. But again, they looked at the, the, the design. They saw what could be replaced. They said, oh, we'll take out the guns. We'll put toothbrushes in there. Genius. It is genius. It's just like, okay, that's, again, using the design of the item. Um, absolutely beautiful. And uh, we've got a few R2 items as well. The R2 picture frame, um, actually really stylish, but very dull. 
in comparison to what what three uh, PO was doing. But it is, you know, it's lovely. It really is lovely. Yeah, uh, very very Bespin esque. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it does look like it was. He's he's like one of our Bespin. Um, the string dispenser. Not heard of a string dispenser ever. Yeah, well, if C three PO dispenses tape, Artie's not going to be left out, is he? He's uh, he's got his spr- his string, and he's going to dispense it out of his eye by the looks of it. <laughs> It just looked like a. It, well, I'm hoping it is out of his eye because that would be great. But again, you know, not something we use these days. String, you know, I was after some string the other day, and I thought, string out, you buy string these days. I know you do it for like parcels and stuff, but we I used to have string all the time as a kid. Now, I've got, I've got some in the shed, for, but but it's still, you know, I hardly ever use it. But string, that yes. was some, that's the thing of its time, isn't it? When we were kids, string. You say you put string to a kid now, we look at you in a weird way. You always need string in the house. Like you say, you don't need it often, but when, when no. you do need it, then you need it. What's going on with the top of his leg, Pete? <laughs> I mean, like, it looks to me as if you take his dome off, his head off, put your string in, your string comes out of his eye, but why has he got a hole at the top of his leg as well? The string comes out of his leg, surely. Yeah, I imagine there's a big pile of string somewhere. You could have a string storage area, haven't you, somewhere, so it's got to thread yeah. through. String comes out of his leg. Oh, hang on. Isn't that where the scissors sit in? Oh, yeah. Ah, yes. Genius. Yes. Yes. Whoever designed this stuff needs medals, although I'm not too sure about the metallic effect of the dome, but there we go. I'm being picky. Um, They staunch a candy dish a little bit dull. Not really sure what's going on there. Yeah, it's just a stall tripper helmet, isn't it? Yeah, a bit boring that. Could have done done a lot better. I don't know where the candy goes. Does does the top of the head come off or? No idea. Hello. Move on. Hello, yeah. um, we have Darth Vader picture frame, a little bit on the boring side, just Darth Vader's helmet on a black frame. That's not going to yeah. get you excited. That's no, that's no 3PO, is it? There's, one here, for, it there's looks, one here for Jason, though. It looks yeah. like it could be that Darth Vader does. Yeah, well, they, 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 they've definitely put on a few pounds, these ceramic guys. I guess you don't really know how they're going to turn out after which it's baked. Yeah, which one's for you, the Ewok oh. music box? Is that Nisa? It's got to be Nisa, isn't it? She's got the head thing on. I think it is. It's Nisa and some... Ne- Nisa and Wicket, I think. Is it Wicket? Yeah, it probably is Wicket. This is fantastic, <laughs> isn't it? So you got it. Uh, it must be Nisa. So yeah, she's she stood there. She stood there with it. Is it a tambourine she's got? She's playing. Looks looks like it. Yeah, I think so. I don't know what he's holding. They're, they're supposed to be drumsticks, but they're a bit chunky for drumsticks, aren't they? <laughs> look what look what like toffee apples. Well, well they're, they're Ewok drumsticks. You probably eat them afterwards. Let's face it. And he's got a big drum in front of him, so he's obviously banging the drum, and she's shaking a tambourine, and they're making a right old racket. Well, she's always shaking a tambourine in Jason's world. Chief Chirper will be out in a minute telling him to shut up. Right, um, one of the best items, this is just wonderful, the Size Noodles or Max Rebo Band. Again, beautiful sculpt, just looks fantastic. Uh, music box again, that would look good on any shelf in any collection. Just you know, just fantastic, the details going to, you know, because it, it is quite hard to... To actually, you know, form these things and sculpt these things, they actually look good once you've, once you've, you know, whatever you do, stick them in a kiln, they can come out and look a bit weird. But the colours are all correct. That is a really nice piece, isn't it? Actually, looking at Max, does he come out of his uh, of his organ? Because on the box art, he's looking at you directly behind Sice Noodle's back. Yeah, it looks and, he must move. I guess he must move with the music. Yeah, round by the looks of it. He must do. Something must move. Uh, something moves. It'll be, like, it'll be, it'll be a circular thing that drops into a hole and it'll just spin around in a circle. Music right. boxes, you know, they're usually kind of like clockwork mechanism things, so they've got to move. 
So you might have something moving on top. Yeah. You can't have size noodles moving. Do you want to hear it? Play it. It's very Star Wars. Let's do it again. <laughs> that is not lapped in neck, is it? No, it's not. Disgusting. Must be a composition by by uh, Max Rebo that he didn't want to get released. <laughs> so does uh, does Max Rebo move, Jason? Yeah, he spins around in a circle as it plays. Fantastic. Uh, we knew that. We could see that. Now Richie's going to be cross with you, Pete, because you've missed out. You've missed our five. Oh yeah, well you know we've covered that quite a bit actually. Uh, Richard must have hundreds of these. He's probably got one, got one in his in his dinner set. The Arthur Eaton R5, which is unusual because I mean this is a very rare R5 kind of collector. You don't really normally see him, especially in big mainline oh, things like this. Yeah, Yoda items, Pete. Yeah, I think pretty good. I think the Yoda by the tree vase. That's oh, it. I think that's in the catalogue. That's actually really good. So again, another great. Not just oh here's a Yoda. There's actually a, you know, an actual vase. That'll look so good with you know, a tree, a, you know, some green stuff coming out the top of it. That is actually, really nice, isn't yeah, it? It'll actually you, fit into your household beautifully, that. You can see that on your mum's bookshelf, can't yeah, you? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, there's no shame in it either. Because, I mean, if that had a nice sort of hanging plant, sort of covering, you know, hanging, drooping over and hanging uh, across Yoda, and sort of peeking out, that would look so good. I don't know what plant that would be. So I'm sure some gardener type will tell me. But, um, yeah, I think that's, again... The, the the ingenuity in these the items are so cool. Yoda in the backpack box. <laughs> I love that. Now that 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 doesn't look like Yoda to me. That that's Grogu. Yeah, he's looking a little bit. He's he's got a bit jowly, hasn't he? He's looking a little bit too old there. He's maybe. Looking, well, I don't know. He looks he looks a bit cutesy to me. I think I, I think it's Gro, Grogu in his cradle. It's, it's just a bit jowly. I'm not sure. Like a, a jowly Yoda yeah. again. It looks Chubby. a bit porky. Chubby. Yeah. We've got a Yoda pencil cup. You see, pencil cups, that's what we put pencils in, not pencil trays. I mean, who's got a pencil? Who's got the time for a pencil tray? Who is? It must be a, a class thing, that. A pencil cup. That's every, you have a cup, you know, and you put your pencils in it. I've got one on my desk now, just a an old cup with pencils. Yeah. Not a pencil tray. So a pencil cup, sensible, obviously for the poor people like me and then uh, I, th- I thought it was a bit strange this I think they could have done better with this this is one of the poorer items even though they're nice as they are the Yoda salt and pepper shakers I, I don't think they've done a good job them because they, they've, only got, they've both got one hole on the head as far as I can see yeah I don't think they've done it unless that's just the same item maybe the, the other one was better but I, if that's what they are they haven't done that's not very good well that would be confusing wouldn't it yeah, so you'd, you'd be putting pepper in your chips, and that's not good. I mean, at least with the with the droids ones, you know that R two is your salt, and R five yeah, exactly, is your yeah. pepper. So I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that was that's that's the item because they look too yeah. similar. And so, two R two Yodas. Why would you have two Yodas? Yeah, it's not one two. Yeah, we might have Yoda you know, and R two. Yeah, Yoda and R two. Yeah. One's Yaddle. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that, that's how Grogu occurred. You see, they, they got together. <laughs> yeah. They they she peppered us his salt. Or something along those lines. Right, um, and then we've come to the, the final part of this bit and the best bit of all time, the Luke on Taunton teapot, which is just so good. Um, if I have a small complaint on it is sometimes you can't quite see the Tauntauns uh, to the rock. He looks a little bit too embedded in it. But I just think overall it's absolutely brilliant. And this is probably one of the only items I would like to own. Just genius, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Just Abs- absolutely love this. Again, they've they thought about it. 
you know, you take the, the Luke off and put your water in, it comes out his thing Bob's face. You've got the tail of the Tauntaun as the uh, handle. It, everything about it is brilliant. And there's enough volume there as well with the, him sitting on the rock um, for you to see. So it's just brilliant. I mean, that is, again, that, that's an award-winning collectible, isn't it? That is superb. Question for you, though, Pete. Oh, go on. Americans don't drink tea. Why have, they made a, why have they made a teapot? They probably put, you know, beer in it or something. <laughs> beer pot. <laughs> <laughs> what is Americans like? Very strange. We used to have, when you used to go down um, Chinatown in London and you were after hours, they would bring special tea. Special tea? Tea. It was a teapot full of, full of lager. Oh, there we go. That's a much better use of it, isn't it? Beer, lager. I, I, think, I think it's actually a beer pot. Yeah, I'd go for that. <laughs> right, let's talk about those two kind of like big sections. Um, so you've got the figurines, which are which are great. I've got to say, they are great. And they are quite easy to get hold of. I'm, I'm assuming that one or two would probably be really hard to get. But you do see these all over the place. And also the figural mugs, which, again, same kind of thing. You do see them around. They're not cheap, cheap. They're not overly expensive. I think they have their... Have their t- How much do you pay for... You, you've got a figurine, haven't you? How much do you pay for your bouche? Well, it, it came in a bundle with with other stuff, so... Okay, but how much do you pay the bundle? Well, yeah, well, roughly. I... 20 quid. How much are you going to give it to me for? <laughs> well, no, I, I reckon it's probably about twenty quid. Yeah, so, so yeah. I mean, I, I'm assuming one must be rarer than the other. There must be a few because we've got Bib Fortuna. These are figurines: Bib Fortuna, Boba Fett, Darth Vader, Emperor, Gamorrean Guard, Han Solo, Clarty, which is always fun, Lando, Leia, Luke Skywalker, Artu Tanzithio, and a Wicket one. Uh, let's have a look at that Leia one you're going to give me. Um, I mean, it, beautiful, lovely little sculpt. Very, very. Um, I mean, he's a very action figure, isn't he? It, it, it is very well done. Are, are these quite heavy, Andy? Does that have interest? Not particularly, no. No. The, uh, the My absolute favourite, though, is the Gamorrean guard. Beautiful game. I mean, really stylized. These characters, as you say, they, they, they've got a tendency to look a bit podgy. Now, the Gammy guard was podgy beforehand, so he, <laughs> he, he really does look like he's carrying a few extra pounds. I'll tell you what it reminds me of, Big Daddy. Yeah, on um, on this guy's <laughs> website, he did make a really good point actually that um, Luke's Luke Skywalker in his Jedi outfit um, is he looks like it's like a child version of Luke Skywalker. He does look like he's about you know fourteen or something. But again, it's a lovely sculpt. Um, not quite sure the lightsaber should be resting on his on his side, but I guess they had to have it on him because otherwise it would break off too easily. Yeah, he's, he's got a hand out to his side as well, isn't he? Is that his <laughs> arm extending out? That is that is going to break as soon as you look at it. I can't say I've seen that one too much. I mean, I'm not, not, I'm no expert on this, but that if I, I think that's probably one of the first times I've seen that one. I'm not really saying I looked hard into it, but no, I don't think I've seen the Lando General one before. He's got his legs very akimbo. Yeah, the, the other one I really like is the Emperor because he's, yeah. he's sit, sitting in his throne yeah. looking really evil and menacing. Yeah, although you say menacing, but when you actually look at his face, he looks a little bit sad. Luke won't come to the dark side, and he's gone, oh, please come to the dark side, Luke, because it'd be real good fun. You and my dad. Yeah. He does look a little bit too sad, you know. I know he's supposed to be evil. I would have preferred maybe a cackling grin. Yeah. But he's you, like, you, I feel sorry for him. You've got a point. You've got a point. And, and also, he's very slumped into his chair as well. Once again, a bit chubby. I'm thinking Benny oh, Hill. Yeah. <laughs> he does look a little bit chubby. Um, but they've got the yeah they've got the head kind of sculpt right. But uh, wicket we've got wicket um, again really nice you know for any walk if you like him into those sort of rubbishy things. R two and three PO on the same sculpt. Yeah, exactly. Do they, do they think, not think they were popular enough? Not good and, enough to have their own. 
No, I mean, I mean the, the the image of that one, the, his eyes are all over the place. It makes it look really funny. Uh, yeah, got googly eyes, definitely, yeah. and a, and a complete lack of nipples. Yeah. Well, yeah, and where's the nipples gone? And also, he's also covering up um, R2D2's face. He is. It's like R2, you can't look at this. You're looking away. I'm looking at something really bad. He's probably looking at my... that, that tape dispenser, isn't he? <laughs> so that's where I'm going to end up. Got a Clartu, which that's actually quite interesting. I don't know what what's what's Gun Clartu's tummy. What's he carrying? I don't remember that. Is that something I've missed? That's a good question. It's like what is a. That? I tell you what, that reminds me of that barrel that the St. Bernard dogs <laughs> would carry with the brandy in. Ah, he's a brandy skiers. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think he's. I think he's got his booze in there. And Soda looks very victorious. Um, not. Quite, he's got a special plinth for his. Uh, for his leg, you know, he's like, yes, I have won everything. I'm the best. I'm going to just rest my leg here casually. Looks very satisfied with himself, doesn't he? It is, yeah. Boba Fett, nice pose, nice figure. Um, if you're a Boba Fett collector, you're going to love that. You know, nothing spectacular about it, nothing silly about it. Yeah. Just Boba Fett, really. Same with Darth. Yeah, Darth's. Again, that's actually a really nice, a really nice sculpt, actually, if, if a little dull. The figural mugs. I think these are great. I mean, again, just, you know, Biker Scout. I'm, I'm surprised they've got the, the helmet so nice. Um, I think it's a little bit big on the goggles, but the uh, from the, if you look at the figure, but the actual, you know, you've got that in inset of his helmet, you know, spot on. Looks really nice. That must take ages to get right because I bet it got really thin in some parts and it broke. But yeah, I think that's a that's, that's a lovely mug. That is. That could look, I mean, all these mugs could go on your shelf and just look great. I think they they almost look modern. They're so nice. Is there any really naff ones? No, they're, they're, they're all really well sculpted, aren't they? I, I, I do really like these. The, the Lando one isn't all that great. Lando and his skiff guard. But uh, no, the, the, other, the others are all very nice, I think. Again, I think they could have done a bit better with Leia. She looks a bit chubby again. Yeah, she's got a big wide face, isn't she? You're trying to put a dainty little face onto a mug and keep it in something. I, it, yeah, maybe that's the, not the best one. Classy looks brilliant, I think. Yeah, um, is good. The Yoda is very good. Um, the one perhaps that doesn't work quite so well, Chewbacca, not really sure about the Chewy one. Han Solo. Now you've got a very interesting one there because you've got Han Solo in his Hoff gear, but yeah. he's, he's he's wearing Luke's Hoff gear. Well, I hope um, Mr. Norton has this, otherwise he's failed as a collector. Of course, of course I do. In box and loose. No, I just got the loose one. The um, do you, do you see them in boxes? But I've, I didn't see one when I was buying mine. So, so where, where, where's, where's his Parker? Well, he's uh, <laughs> as you say, he's borrowed Luke's clothes. Yeah, he likes dressing yeah. up in his clothes. Goggles work, don't they, Bahan? Goggles on his hat. It's quite a good yeah. uh, uh, rendition of Harrison Ford, though, I think, for a mug. Yeah, I think it's quite good. I mean, I'm not saying it's 100% like him, but it's pretty spot on, you know. They're all quite. They're all, I mean, I, I thought they so uh, applause did some, didn't they? In the in the 90s, I've still got my Darth Vader metalized head from there. They're really rubbish as mugs. You can't really drink from them. <laughs> no, these these are display pieces, aren't they? Yeah, they're good though. I like them. I think they're, they're, they're good, brave sculpts. I like them. I think anything like that is good. Yeah, nice range as well. But uh, yeah, I think. Uh, I think definitely, you know, putting these together as a little run, if you're doing a, like a Jabba Palace run or plenty of stuff to make a lovely display, actually. I still think that Jabba the Hutt thing is just so nice. Jabba the Hutt ceramic bank. It's just a great sculpt. Just so cheeky. So yeah. Jabba. You know, you can see him chirping away at anything. Yeah, I've, I've, I've got to be honest. I mean, my focus, as you all know, is British stuff. Yes, but, British. Uh, 
if I had my head turned and if I started buying stuff from overseas, this would be one of the first lines I'd be getting into. I, I absolutely love them. Well, Andy, you are allowed to have other things in your collection. You know, you can just you know tell your British side to nick off. It's a slippery slope, though, Pete. I, I it start... is, it is, but you can be disciplined. I... You can come up with a reason. <laughs> I'm only collecting yeah. random things that I've decided to collect because we talked about it on the podcast collection. Yeah, no, there's there's enough random British stuff that uh, keeps my bank manager cross with me. <laughs> I think your kids need to get you a ceramic something or other. So I might very well take that boosh off your hands and say, just because it's a a nice you know, a nice thing. Yeah, we'll we will talk at the next father's Friday. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give I'll give you like Echo a live or whatever. Yeah. For it or something. I'm going to interrupt at this point because oh, yes. I'm trying to find footage of this spinning C3PO and turret. Oh, I couldn't see it. There's, I'm on Instagram. There's someone with at least a photo of it there, but no, no spinning thing. But what I have found, our friend Nerd Matters oh, right. celebration has a C3PO tape dispenser pin. Oh my goodness! It's amazing. I don't. They, do, they do know how to seduce us, don't they? The one Sigma piece I did touch on it, but we haven't discussed it. Is the store display lovely, lovely piece? I do like this. Well, you say lovely, Andy. Oh, no, that's where the Empire Strikes Back thing was in my head. That was it. That's what I saw. Um... The Empire, because I thought that's strange, because you wouldn't, you know. So, in came out in you're thinking that they're probably thinking of Star Wars, and they've got that. I know you could cover it up quite easily, but that's a little bit specific, isn't it? You'd have thought well, it's Star Wars on that. It is. I mean, a lot of their stuff is Empire, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah. The um, Luke teapot and the um, 3PO turret and so on. So, it probably was a display you know, of uh, of the Empire era, but isn't it lovely? I wonder how big well, that is, because those ceramic pieces ain't small. No, they're not. I mean, it, there are four levels to this, aren't there? There are two lower levels, the sort of stepped, yeah. and then there are two upper levels, one of which has got the Empire logo behind it, and the other one's mm. got a uh, Darth Vader bust, which looks ever so similar to the carry case, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, I mean, that could be the same size as a carry case. I mean, that, that's got to be big. Because you would only get four things on that. Yeah, there's nothing um, on the photo to judge scale, is there? Yeah. I wonder if it's the size so, of like a small house. That'd be great, wouldn't it? So you get <laughs> like all the signal items on there. You could actually live on, live on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, upstairs, you've got the kitchen next to the Styles Empire logo. Then you come down the stairs to your bathroom. Or maybe that's the underneath part. And you've got the lounge. I mean, that's got to be pretty sturdy as well, hasn't it? Because, I mean, those things aren't light. They're not heavy, heavy, but they're not light, light. From this photo, you can just about make out there is some support structure under those shelves coming out from the from the base unit. Yeah, yeah, there is, yeah. Yeah, it's reflecting slightly, isn't it? So, yeah, I mean, that but, looks like a sturdy yeah. piece. I bet there's not many of those around. No, these must be ever so hard to come by. But what a wonderful place to display your favourite Sigma pieces. It's <laughs> amazing. Again, another well-thought-out thing, really. Um, not just have two shelves. We'll have two step shelves on each level. Mm-hmm. And it looks like Duncan, who's got this item, has, hasn't cleaned it very well either, Duncan. What are, you, what are we up to there? There's a bit of dust on there. Yes. And a bit of potted marks at the top, so I reckon that might not be plastic, I don't know. On the top, like, top level one. Maybe it's something slightly more... Because I mean, one of the right-hand sides seems to be slotting into Vader with a frame underneath it, so I'm assuming that would take some weight. I'm just looking on our um, photo chat on Messenger. Mr. Spoons has found a photo of oh my what you've got is the standard display that we've just been talking about. And then it looks as if there's a, an extra piece that sort of adds on. But it, I thought it was 
moulded into it, but it's not. It's just resting on top of it, like a, an extra shelfy bit. I just love it. It's crazy. Right, is that the last thing? Is that is think, Andy? Have we, have we exhausted done. Sigma? I think we're done. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, I mean, we know there's quite a lot of collectors out there who do collect Sigma. I said I would like to have a couple of, couple of bits. I said, I said I'm definitely going to turn it off you, Andy. So we'll buy it off you. I'm going to sting you, Andy. We'll sort that out. Are we finished? I think we are, Pete. Sigma. I think I, it's good. So you going to start looking on there, Mister Norton, for something? No, well, I've got um, I've got a handful of Sigma, and it's a bit of a slippery slope, and it's just <laughs> there's so much of it, and it's so big. I wouldn't want it all. I mean, clearly, C-3PO, tape dispenser, the soap, land speeder. I quite like the R2 and C-3PO stuff anyway. So I've got the statuette of R2 and C-3PO, uh, the the picture frame of C-3PO, and the Han Solo mug. I think I think that's all I've got. Not desperate to add any more to it. And, I yeah, can picture a land speeder soap dish in Jason's bathroom there. Yeah, that, that spinning Max Rebo looks fantastic. <laughs> you can just you can put it next to your spinning Death Star display, Jason. Awesome. You can have lots of spin. Yeah, you could sort of new focus spinning Star Wars items. That'd be cool. I, I had all the figures here at one point from I picked them up from Vectis. So I think it was Steve Savory. Richard, do you remember? Yeah, we, we, I think you were right. Mm-hmm. We drove down to um, Father's <laughs> from with them, but yeah, I had all the figures in, and I must say that didn't inspire me to collect them. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the figures. Seeing them really for the first, you know, looking at them in detail first time, I think they're really good. You know, the boxes aren't, you know, amazing, but like I said, I, I'm, I'm liking the Lando General um, legs akimbo. I think, you know, how many other figurines do you see who has legs akimbo these days? Fantastic, guys. Let's do another one next month. Right, well, thanks, Pete, for that. Andy contributed a lot to that. I really enjoyed listening to that Sigma discussion. Yes, some very, very quirky and, if dare say, perhaps the very, very first game crack pieces to appear. You know, <laughs> some of them won't be the very far off. Feedback, so thanks once again to all of our listeners. Um, you know, we'll check the stats each month, and it's really pleasing to see that, you know, we're, we're getting new listeners coming on board all the time. And I'm sure many of them are going back to check previous episodes. Huge thanks to Chris Porteous for everything they did on YouTube. YouTube and on social media pushing the show out to new listeners it's always much appreciated so on Facebook um, some great comments you know from guys who've been looking forward to this episode it's been a while welcome back I just didn't think it'd been that long but actually you know only think about it we had a celebration in between so perhaps it was delayed a couple of weeks um, but what was really nice to see was Mark Burns and Jeff Tilly both talking about Galaxy Tour packages. So Mark Burns saying, I'm looking at the four day Galaxy Tour package to celebrate my 50th birthday next year. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good shout. That'd be perfect. And uh, Jeff Tilly, it's a great website to browse and lots of good info. Absolutely. The website's brilliant. So if you haven't checked it out, go to galaxytours.com and have a look at the uh, information on Tatooine or Tunisia. Now, we got loads of new likes um, on the May the Toys Be With You exhibit and even got followed by the Torquay Museum. So that was wonderful to see. Uh, so Matt Fox, great pics. I'm loving the atmospheric lights here for Jules. If anyone interested in the exhibition at Torquay Museum is there for just one more week and then it's off to the Museum of Gloucester. Mark Burns came on again and saying, I hope it comes up north at some point. I'm sure it will do. Yeah, just keep an eye out on the May the Toys Be With You Facebook page. And if we get any information, we will also share it. 
been a good show this one I've really enjoyed it uh, special thanks to Roger Christian I'm sure many people will enjoy listening to that and thanks to Andy Spoons and Orton and Chris Porteous for coordinating that interview it was uh, you know quite a tricky one to tie Roger down for a while but I'm sure everybody's going to love listening back to that if anybody wants to contact us, you can email us at swtvrpodcast.gmail.com or search Event Rebellion on all of our social media places. And don't forget to check out the YouTube channel. Guys, as I said many times, this has been a wonderful show. And there was a lot of toy information in this show as well, which sometimes, you know, would deviate a little bit too much from it for my liking. But there was some really, really good toy discussion tonight and hopefully that continues. So, Pete, another busy one. It's been a very hot day, very long day. It's goodbye for Pete Davis. Um, yes, goodbye, and uh, hi to the guy who saw me Morrison's and said hello. I can't remember his name, but a very nice guy. <laughs> Forgot about that, yes. Stopped in the supermarket, and, you know, nice to nice to see that people are listening to us in Lemons Bar. At least I assume you're Lemon, Pete. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a goodbye from Andy Spoons and Orton. A simple goodbye for me today. Thanks for listening, everyone. It's a goodbye from Canuck-bound Jason Smith. Thank you very much, everyone. I'm looking forward to coming over to Canada, Toronto to see what it's all about. And it's a goodbye from Andy Preston. Cheers, everybody. Let's see those action figure photographs flooding in. May the force be with you. Yeah, absolutely. Don't forget our competition that was mentioned right at the end of the introduction. We're looking forward to that. And it's a later, guys, from me. And remember... Only you can decide with Star Wars toys. This podcast is not endorsed by Disney, Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or anybody who cares about the Star Wars franchise. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All names and sounds of Star Wars are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited and other associated copyright holders. All of the original content of this podcast are the intellectual property rights of the Vintage Rebellion. If you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to email swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't enjoy this podcast, tough. Are Star Wars products going to have the durability of, say, that old favourite, the teddy bear? Teddy! Well, that's not bad. Have you you listened to that um, off-menu podcast with him on? No. It's amazing. I don't know if you, if you, if you, do you listen to off-menu podcast? James no. Acaster and Ed Gamble. Basically, then no. they, get, they get a celebrity on and ask their dream meal. It's, a, it's very formulaic, normally lasts an hour, and there's a lot of ramble, ramble around what they want to eat. Dan Aykroyd was five minutes, yeah, soup, um, lasagna, chocolate cake, crystal vodka, and then spend the next hour just talking about his vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Best favourite Darkroy film, mine is Trading Places. Ghostbusters. Um, Blues, Blues Brothers, probably. Oh, oh I'm going to say... Yeah, Blues Brothers is right up there. Do I like the Blues Brothers from the boring? Yeah. <laughs> right, are we ready? <laughs> mother's an alien. Boring, did you turn it off before they got to the car chase? I watched a whole lot of it, it's just dull. Oh, it's got <laughs> great, great music, great car chase. 
you never beat trading places. That's Harry just, Fisher. I, just, I, can't, I still can't stop laughing. Even I think about the scene where it would now be cancelled because it would be considered racist. But it's well, the uh, when he's playing the Jamaican guy, that's just or Nigerian guy. Just I just, just I'm like still eating now in stitches. Is that that's Jamie Lee Curtis as well, isn't it? Trim? Yeah, yeah. I, I suspect she has a certain charm for you as well, does she, Pete? She does, but it's I just think about that film. I just cannot stop laughing at it. It's just those two are brilliant. Him and Eddie Murphy, usually my, my favourite actors when I was a kid. <laughs> this is this is this is hard. This is probably the hardest one because it's ridiculous, and I really did struggle to get this in. But there we go. This golden droid might have had to find a new sidekick. Is that it? I think he's lost. He's gone. <laughs> Earth to Pete, Earth to Pete. Although, to be fair, the length of time that Andy's had on each question, he's probably just paused. Ooh. <laughs> I've had to find a new sidekick. Girl, there's a lot of favouritism towards Spoons tonight, isn't there? Definitely. It's a lot of rudeness. <laughs> okay, I don't come here to be insulted. You can get that anywhere. I can get that anywhere. I can think of, uh, well, I can think of any, the ending of C3PO. What could that go with? C3PO Organa? C3PO. I'm sorry, you were wrong. It was C3PO Darth Vader. Sorry. I've lost that one. No, I got it. It's C, C, I'll, I'll give you this one. It's C3Power Droid. Power. Oh, that could be. Ooh. It's a new sidekick. I think you might have given it to me there, Andy. C three powered. He said it was tough, tough, didn't he? Sidekick, isn't he? Wouldn't keep up. I'm going to go. I'm going to guess that. Maybe not. Maybe not. Sidekick doesn't fit with power droid, does it? Well, he's new sidekick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if that if that is the whole clue. Am I back? You are back, but you sound very rough now. Yeah, there's something happened with the, the microphone. Uh, Skype said your microphone doesn't exist, so we're fucking plugged in. Uh, can you, well, is that better? Is it? Is was that the whole uh, clue? No, let me read it again because I, I, I could hear you perfectly, but it said the Skype just went. No, your microphone doesn't exist. But it's, it's plugged in. It's fine, and it was still on as well, which is even funnier. Right, right. So the whole clue was this golden droid might have had to find a new sidekick if Old Red didn't blow up the gonk. Yeah, C3 Power Droid. C3 Power Droid. C3 Power Droid, I think it was what I was really looking after. I think Andy, the other Andy, got that right. But um, I'm not going to give it to you because you got it wrong. Oh, what? <laughs> I know, I'm a bit harsh. Do you think I should give it to him or not? No. No, well, good. It's not C3 Power Droid. It is C3 Power Droid, but the other Andy said it, not you. Yeah, but we were just chatting while we were waiting you, for you. Can you give me another question then? Well, I'll give you one of my reserve questions. Uh, <laughs> which is oh, the most harsh. Part. Which is Harsh. the harshest one? I can't give it that. I'll give it this one. <laughs> right. Um, I had a couple of extras just for fun. Just for fun. This this was really, really... I had to take this out because it is even annoyed me. But you can have a go at it. An American laser sword. An American laser sword. And it's all about the multiple eyes with this goon. It only right, works. Savory. Savory. Yeah, exactly. Because obviously, at the end, you get re rather than. Uh, no, that's British. British. Well, you know, whatever. It just, you know, it's normally er. Whatever. <laughs> uh, 
is another one I put in. I took out. Um, this was actually, I think we might have had something similar to this one. This is pretty poor. Bosk drove it, and if he got injured, this guy would fix him. Two one B. Two one B. It was a bit too light naff that one, but uh, yeah, that was interesting. There we go. Uh, to death squad commander. To death squad commander. No tut. Tut, tut. It doesn't say tut here. Tut, Death Squad Commander. Oh, I need to write that in. Sound Geordie, then. Tut, Death Squad Commander. Yeah, it's like the. You say tut instead of the. Tut, tut Death Squad Commander. Have you ever been to Yorkshire? Well, I have, but I mean, when it's written down, I've got to go with what's written down. There's no extra letters there. Just <laughs> add, add in an E by gum. Yeah, well, e- just let, let me get on with this. Let me get on with it. Tut, Death Squad Commander. Tut, Death Squad Commander. The kids did give me some ceramic, actually, for Father's Day. Oh, they, they gave me a mug. And on oh. this mug is a pie chart. And it's the, the, the pie chart is people who laugh at your dad jokes. Oh, I. And there's a very small wedge of the pie which says you. And then the rest of the pie chart, huge wedge, sort of 90% of it says also you. <laughs> I was quite offended by that. They know you too, well, haven't they? They know you too. Well. They've seen through you quite easily. My son had a phase where he was bonkers about parachutes. Oh, and every cool. it, it, we'd have no plastic bags because he cut them all up and tied string to them, and he was using them for parachutes for his toys, chucking them out the window. Yeah, so, no, yeah we, that is great. We, we went through so much string then. I think a bouchon would be quite quite a decent addition to my shelf of lady areas. Um, <laughs> and that sounded wrong. <laughs> Been off any crappy cardboard. You know, Justin Trudeau won't let you out of the country unless you're taking an Ewok music box with you. 